Scott was showing me the view. Like father, father like, like son. son. Yum. <laughs> what the fuck? Hapsibah. X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. The only hope is X-Men. Welcome to Cerebro, the X-Men podcast where a homo and his friends dig deep into the history of Homo Superior. I'm your host, Connor Goldsmith, and with me today is returning fan favorite guest, Jordan Block. MX Jordan, how are you today? I'm so good. Hello, girlies. Hello, gays. Hello, skunks, and hello, days. I missed you so much. I missed you so much, my babies. How are you? We're going to have a real skunky time today. Oh, my God. It's going to get so stinky in this house. It's uh, going to be odiferous, but in a really appealing way. In a pheromonal way. In a sultry yes, way. Yes. We're Absolutely. taking it back to kind of a Stacey or wallflower moment, but not... Mm. In a subtle way. No. In a much more like in your face, yeah. like you're going to have to bathe in tomato soup kind of way. One could say we're going to spray yeah, you we're gonna with s- incredible content yeah, today. Right. Yeah, we're going to spray <laughs> our content all over you. I'm you. just going to perfume you. Yeah, it's going to be a with lot. With some good, good fucking vibes. We're at like the Avon lady counter. And we're go- you're going to sample. <laughs> also the mental image I just had <laughs> of the bitch we're going to talk about at the Avon lady counter. <laughs> like go to Bloomingdale's and try out some perfumes, you know? Uh-huh, absolutely. Just like a tail wrapping sultrily around you. We are here today to talk about Ms. Mademoiselle Hepzibah. Miss Mademoiselle. The paramour of Corsair, Christopher Summers. Also her own woman. Also her own woman. A woman of her own, a star jammer in her own right. A warrior of the Mephitozoid species, an mm-hmm. alien race of skunk furries, basically. Yeah, fuck it. Who is one of the most important X-Men space cosmic type characters? I would argue the most important. I mean, Many certainly my not. favorite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I mean, well, it's a tough competition because there's also, of course, Deathbird. Uh, yeah. Oh, and. And boy, howdy. <laughs> and boy. Is there some Deathbird content in this episode? Bits. We're going to go a little light on the Deathbird yeah. in this episode because. Spoiler alert. Oh. Did it occur to you when I said that Jordan and I have a list of 10 characters Jordan wants to cover someday? Guess who the fuck is on that list? Kalski Neromani, uh, Deathbird of the Eerie, would be on that look, list. Yeah, babies, you bet. Sometimes two of your favorite bitches hate each other, and sometimes that's just fine. Sometimes they hate each other down. Remember yes, the Catbird who yes. hated Necra? Yes. That was Deathbird's daughter. There's a lot going on. And Deathbird actually great. has a whole mess of children. Which <laughs> I, like. I bet she does. A flock? <laughs> a whole, yeah, a, a flock. A whole kitten caboodle. A nest but of horrible terrorist children. Ways. I guess like if Habsabah and Corsair had children, it would be like a litter. Yeah, yeah, but I don't it would think be a she, litter. Habsabah doesn't feel like somebody wants to be a mom. She specifically no, she, feels like no, someone who wants she to be. She loves to be a stepmom. A stepmom. Yes. Oh, they they would like adopt a right. litter yeah, of no, children. Exactly. Right. A litter of children that all have to be Habsabah's exact age. Yes. So <laughs> an important point for people who are like, what are you talking about? Is <laughs> Uh, Cyclops, you know Cyclops, guys. Cyclops, Havoc, his Never brother, they're X-Men, they're, you know, pretty important characters. There was a whole question about the third brother, then it turned out there were like four of them. Don't super sweat it. I don't. Uh, their long-lost father, though, 
is Corsair, the space pirate who leads the Starjammers, a rebel group of privateers who fight the oppression of the Shi'ar Empire. As do I. Unless it's Kant. That... So valid, and Hapsabak kind of feels the same way, and, and as she's we'll come so to does. learn. Yeah, <laughs> she is a woman who gets it. But it, actually, when I think, like, even when Lalandra is really slaying, Hapsabak has zero time for it, oh, which I no. find really oh, delightful. Baby. There are like so many panels where I'm like, Lalandra's actually eating this. Oh, up. oh, Lalandra's great, <laughs> I, and I'm like, it's really hard for me to be mad at a bitch this pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but Hapsabak is just like that bird bitch uh-uh. is never not not enough for me. There's not a day. Hepzibah is never not on Lalandra's ass. Yeah, no. I have some words about that. We <laughs> were talking about how you wouldn't know that the skunk people and the bird people have been having a war in space yeah. for thousands of years. But and if you're have. not paying attention to the skunk v. bird war, the skunk v. bird space war, you're not listening. Yeah, like when they called something Star Wars. Where have you Wars, been? The Star Wars. This is the Star War. It's the war between the bird people and the skunk <laughs> people they oppress. space. Yeah. So um, I guess I guess we should start with some context. Right? Yeah. yeah. What the fuck are we talking about, What are we about, talking Connor? about is a great question. So uh, it all goes back to Dave Cockrum. Dave Cockrum. Doesn't it all. No, come on, Jordan. You should Google these people, like, maybe once. (laughs) Ten episodes in, have no idea who any of these bitches are. Dave Cockrum created Nightcrawler and Storm and Colossus. Which I know. And a lot of other really important characters. Yes. He and Len Wein did Giant Size X-Men number one that relaunched the whole franchise. Dave Cockrum was the artist. Dave Cockrum is also a writer, though. And before he was with Marvel doing the X-Men... He had a really famous big run as the artist on Legion of Superheroes, which is DC's big space people book. Yeah. Okay. I'm here. A lot of designs that he didn't end up using in Legion of Superheroes got turned into X-Men designs. Colossus and Storm in particular. That's why they have kind of sci-fi 70s outfits. Even oh. Like, why does Storm have that headdress that's, like, not an African headdress? It's a no, space headdress that he designed for Legion of Superheroes. She got it from Melandra's closet. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, but it's great. And she's been wearing it ever since. Absolutely. Like, Don't give it back, We're bitch. not mad about it. It's exactly. an African headdress now. But... I'm sorry I outwore your headdress, Right. Bitch. Like, sorry. <laughs> it's the space Dress is fine now, but yeah. So uh, initially, his his first concept for this character who became Storm was a character called Black Cat, and then he ended up creating the character Black Cat, the Spider Man character that we know now after they rejected that for Storm. Ah, uh, which is probably for the best because I think that if Storm had Black in her code name, it would be. I am so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Storm's name I mean, is not called Black Cat. Yeah. Like, you know, like Black Lightning at DC is a good character, but he's yeah. always kind of had to. There is always black in the name. Overcome that. <laughs> so, right? yeah. Like he had his own TV show and people were still like, this is I'll, I'll a like little that. odd. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? It was like, kind of. Yeah. And it's also, it's like one of those like names where I'm like, Still don't get why the lightning's black other than him. Well, other than that he is. Yeah. Right, yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. And then especially when you I had... mean, at least make the lightning black. Well, and then he had, like, these daughters who just went by thunder and lightning. Yeah. And I was like, just talk about them. Yeah, One of them uh-huh. was a lesbian. They were oh, great. Oh, sorry, I'm lightning my dad's black lightning. Well, right. <laughs> and his lightning's yellow. Yeah, it's yeah. just we just call him that because yeah. it was the 70s. Uh, I mean, no, like, I am. Easy. I'm also black, we're too. We're also, yeah, yeah. right. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, just let it be about the daughter's. 
and call it thunder and lightning Thank and they you. happen to be black. <laughs> you don't need to call like they're not called black girl black thunder lightning. <laughs> black thunder and black lightning <laughs> junior. <laughs> yeah, no, not. It's so anyway, point is, take it way back. Uh, <laughs> Why are we here? Dave Cockrum. <laughs> yes. Created Black Cat, created Storm, created all these characters. Also created the Starjammers as an original series that he wanted to write for Marvel and draw. He submitted it to the two tryout books that Stan Lee had created in the 70s, Marvel Premiere and Marvel... Oh, what's the other one? There's like a million of these. It's, it's not Marvel Fanfare. It's not Marvel Comics Presents. Marvel Spotlight. Marvel Premiere, Marvel Fanfare. <laughs> they had a bunch of these. So like Marvel Fanfare and Marvel Presents would have like X-Men stories and stuff. And then they're like Marvel Spotlight and Marvel Feature and Marvel Premiere Ooh. were books that were like, here, we don't know if this character will go, yeah. but we're going to try it. So, like, Iron Fist starts out in one of these books. Doctor okay. Strange, before he got, like, a new solo series, they were it's like, like, do the people sandbox. still care about Doctor Strange? Exactly. Yeah, okay. They would try it out there. Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, uh, got her start in one of these. That's where she should be. Uh, <laughs> that's where she should have started. Look, it's, it's Yeah. Try Julia Carpenter is about to have her moment though, because Sydney Sweeney, oh, Sydney Sweeney is Girl. playing her in Madam Web. Yeah, and guess who's not in that movie? Jessica Drew. Guess, Sorry, bitch. Guess who doesn't want to be in that movie? Dakota Johnson. Well, that <laughs> is. I have already made plans. Josh Trujillo and I are going to go see it on opening day, which is Valentine's oh Day. I texted Josh's boyfriend. I said, I'm sorry, but That's I have claimed your boyfriend for Valentine's Day because yeah, we're sorry. going to see Madame Web. Absolutely. Nothing says romance like Madame Web. Yeah. And you can come if yes, you want. If you want. You are not required. Josh and I have a date with Madame Web. Yes, on Valentine's Her Day. Her web connects us all. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't believe that the trailer dropped the same day that Tony Oliver and I recorded the Juggernaut episode, which features a lengthy Madame Web uh, story. Oh, God damn but it. But we didn't know that that guy was with her mom in the Amazon when she was researching spiders right before she died. And we what didn't a great know thing for yet. you to know. I know. Uh, uh. Did you at least talk about the guy who was in the rainforest with her no, mom while she was researching spiders? No, because that character doesn't exist spiders. in the comic. Because in the comic, <laughs> Madame Web is just an old lady in a chair. I know. <laughs> I was like, why was she researching spiders? Well, I mean, her mom was. Her mother was. I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your mom's been dead since the 40s, But, bitch. like, allegedly, this is a period piece, and, like, young Uncle Ben is in it. It's Adam Scott. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Wait. So, like, this is a set in the past, and then we're going to get... We're going to get through Madame Web. I mean, I through Madam's web to the a, present. It's like Hollywood, so she's never actually going to be old. Also, I don't think Dakota Johnson will ever play this character again. I think she's no, fucking done. she's so pissed. Her <laughs> press tour, when she said the other day, she was like... Shooting on blue screen was, was absolutely crazy. psychotic. I have no idea if this is going to be good at all. Oh, quote unquote, absolutely <laughs> psychotic. <laughs> she said, I don't know if this movie's good at all, but I hope I did an okay job in it. Let me know. And I was just like... Me after <laughs> every Cerebro episode <laughs> I record. <laughs> me after every Cerebro episode, frankly. I just, I love Dakota Johnson. I've talked about this before, even on this very podcast, but when you are a third generation Hollywood royalty Nepo baby, yeah. no one, who gonna check me, boo? Who, like, who no go, one. Who gonna clock me? Like, no one. Nobody. It's not happening. She does not give a fuck. No. So it's actually been a real don't give a fuck off this week between uh, Dakota Johnson and Megan Stein. Yeah. X-Men, <laughs> <laughs> uh, X-Men. Hi, everybody. Jordan and I talked for a full 15 minutes about the rap beef between Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj, or I guess we should say the very one-sided rap beef from Nicki Minaj after the release of Megan Thee Stallion's song Hiss, which was ongoing at the time we were recording this episode. 
We have decided to put it on the Patreon because, frankly, we don't want to invite that energy into our home. So, if you'd like to hear it, please go to patreon.com slash 3brocast. It's been posted with this episode as its own little post. I think it's a good time. We're now instead going to return you to episode 108, Hapzibah, already in progress. X-Men, X-Men. Okay, so to go back, uh, way back, Dave Cockrum iconic Marvel artist, writer-artist, wanted to pitch the Star Jammers to the tryout books. He was told by Stan Lee, those tryout books are booked up for two years, so it was just not going to happen. Dave Cockrum was at this point drawing still X-Men, now with Chris Claremont, and asked Chris, because he was leaving the book soon, John Byrne was about to take over, Okay, and he was like, could we use these characters in this plot that you're doing with the Phoenix in space? Oh, there we go. Okay. And to make it make sense, together they came up with the idea that Corsair was Cyclops's long lost father. Ah, Because okay. all we knew was Cyclops and Havoc were orphans. That's all we knew. The whole plane crash backstory is introduced in the 80s. Like, at yeah. this point, we didn't know any of that shit. Right. It was just they grew up in the mysterious orphanage in Nebraska that eventually turns out to be Mr. Sinister's orphanage. Retcons on retcons. But the point is, he was like, so what if it's Cyclops's dad and the Star Jammers are helping Lalandra? I mean, the thing about this plot is it's just Star Wars, right? Like, Lelandra yeah. oh, is Princess Leia. Absolutely. And the Star Jammers are Han and Solo. Yes. Like, uh, but there's a lot of them. Basically, <laughs> it's uh, if Han Solo, if Chewbacca was a hot chick that Han Solo was fucking. In my mind, <laughs> isn't she? You know what is actually interesting is, like, Final Fantasy twelve also does that with Balthier and Fran, the Viera. That game is just Star Wars, and it's very much like, oh my god, Han wait, Solo it literally is. Was fucking Chewbacca. Wait. No, Balthier and Fran they are, are Han Solo absolutely and Corsair and Hepzibah. And they're Corsair also, and Hepzibah. It's literally. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I like to think, like, ah, wait, this is like, this is drawing some things to me. That's going to be a whole departure. That's fine. But I like to think, like, Balthier has to beg Fran to fuck him because she's mostly gay. He's mostly gay also, though, yes, is oh, what I absolutely. like about oh, them. Oh, they are true, like, gay bisexual couple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're mostly gay, but, like, they fuck, uh -huh. like, on their birthdays. Which is, like, a canonically famous framework for a cerebro guest. Yeah, it's very Diane von Furstenberg and Barry Diller. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a beard-adjacent marriage. Lavender marriage. Yeah, Lavender yeah. marriage. But they're a little bit, they're, like, Kinsey fives, so yes, sometimes absolutely. they fuck. Uh-huh, and God do they when they do. <laughs> That's kind of also the vibe here. I mean, quite honestly, Corsair, because it's the 70s and he's a daddy with a mustache and Baby. a headband. Uh -huh. He also is like, there's no way he's not fucking Raza Longknife, right? Thank you. Like, it's Thank a whole, you. It's a, exactly. It's a complicated shit. Also, there was one, there was one fucking panel where Hepzibah is like in the middle of a fight with Lalandra and she's like oh of course you stick up for a Raza I'm like there's something here there's something there's something going here uh-huh uh-huh explain uh -huh. Raza Mimal Cha'ad is just like when will I be loved <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I, I have bet, hole too I bet there's a lot of gay men somewhere on the internet who actually think Cha'ad is really hot oh I get a baby a fanatical delegation like the Hank McCoy gays it's just a hop skip and, Hank and McCoy a froggy gaze, jump. We are Chaud. not in community with each other. <laughs> Don't hit my line. <laughs> 
if you see me out, don't speak. We are not in community with each other. The gay community is vast uh-huh. and it's a big tent and I don't respect everyone. Yeah, and I and you need some to Some of you bitches and are some very of you dumb. bitches need to leave <laughs> when I walk in. I, the, the thing is that most of the Hank McCoy gays are people who love them from the 90s cartoon, which is very different from yes. you know, but uh-huh. if if you are one of those people still clinging to the, the comics. You character. better not let me know. Don't let Jordan know. <laughs> Don't let me find out about it. That's all I got to say. So that's what happened with the Starjammers. The Starjammers were a passion project for Dave Cockrum. Uh, they're named after the Windjammer, which is kind of sailing ship yeah. uh, because it's a spaceship. It's their spaceship, the Starjammer. That's why they're called the Starjammers. His father was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. So he and Chris Claremont were both big pilot fans they were big into plane stuff so i can't imagine it was hard to convince chris what if cyclops's dad was a cool pilot because you know chris claremont loves a cool pilot. absolutely already there's the only one who's not a woman but like it's still in chris's wheelhouse oh absolutely this like that's an easy pitch it's sold and then hapsabah is a very chris friendly character because she's like one part chewbacca one part uhura <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, because she also sometimes is at the computer consoles, like, beams are coming in. And here we are again, and how we always find ourselves back here a bitch at a console. Ugh, mono uh, room. We love it. Baby. Miss Computer Screen, you won't get away from me, bitch. Hepzaba also talks kind of like Yoda, except that in my head, she's Eartha Kit. Oh, oh, absolutely Eartha Kit. Yeah. Like, her uh-huh. voice is just an Eartha Kit voice Abso- oh absolutely <laughs> i cannot hello, wait hello scott boy oh uh, hello scotty boy <laughs> like that's just lilandra you're a fucking cunt yeah no it's like there i was just watching that um that interview where it was like orson wells once said that you were the most fascinating woman in the world what do you mean were? Uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well he, he's dead i'm sure he would still say it if he was alive she's like what do you mean were? i still am the most fascinating woman in all the world. I love this. It's like B adjacent. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so cat that it's B. Yes. Yeah. Eartha Kit was a cat woman and a bee woman sort uh, of simultaneously. And what a thing to be. <laughs> she was perfect. Uh-huh. When she died Wait, on Christmas. can you say that in an Eartha Kit She was perfect. Yeah, exactly. She exactly just wanted quits. to be evil. <laughs> yes. She was the best. So yes, I when she's like, Chris. Come. I'm always just like that's it's Eartha Kit in my head always. Uh the joy, the joy flooding my body right but now. But so in terms of how this actually shakes out. Shake her out, girl. <laughs> Picture it. Doing 1977. X-Men 107. The X-Men, the characters, have been summoned into space by well. Charles Xavier is real horned up for this alien lady that Girl. he met in his dreams. <laughs> um. <laughs> Having never seen this happen on the page <laughs> before, I was like, oh my God, this was like when like your most annoying straight friends are like flirting at a dinner. I'm like, get me the fuck out of this room. I hate it here. It's also very like, your friend suddenly has this girlfriend in a foreign country. Yes. And like, oh, yes, absolutely. It's suddenly very 90 Your day fiance. Most loserish ass straight friend got a mail order bride. Yeah, it's very that. <laughs> it's very that. I'm like, I can't be in here anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's, but it, this is 90 day the other way because yes. he has to go to the Shi'ar galaxy, absolutely. right? So uh-huh. he is the, he is the mail order bride. <laughs> yeah. 
So basically, the Shi'ar Empire is a thing that Chris Claremont created because he was asked not to use the scrolls and the Cree because they were like Fantastic Four things and editorial thought it would be confusing to loop them into this X-Men plot. So like, can you make up some new aliens? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's what Chris did. He made up these bird aliens, the Shi'ar. They're only birds in the sense that they have feathers. On their heads. On their heads, yeah. like instead of hair. Uh-huh. Uh, and sometimes, like, on their elbows. Yeah. But then... If they're getting really, if they're getting really pussy with it. Death Bird specifically is an atavistic throwback and has wings. Yes. But that is, like, everyone... It's That's sort a, of well, it's, it's the bird colorism yeah. of the Shi'ar oh, Empire. Absolutely. Like they don't uh-huh, like her uh-huh. because she exactly. looks too much she's like a dark bird. skinned in bird. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in bird terms, she's right. And bitch, why do you think I have to talk about her? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hold space for bird colorism. We need to unpack it. You've been getting away with a lot of shit for a long time. Somehow I'm both in Hepzibah's camp and Deathbird's camp. The best conflicts allow you to see both sides. Thank you. You know what? When you have two bad bitches, you can see beyond conflict, um, which is why Nicki Minaj is a little Andrew. <laughs> Except, like, couldn't even be. Yeah. Sad. Sad. <laughs> Oof. Oof. So... At this point in the story, Deathbird doesn't exist yet. Because it turns out, basically, there's an older sister, Deathbird, who was banished for, like, doing crimes. Yeah. Oh, God, who really is Really right? for having wings and because of yes. bird colorism. Uh, being, but we'll get to that in being black. a Deathbird episode. <laughs> right now, the issue is that Lalandra has been deposed by her brother, Deken. <laughs> Deken... I, I have to read this note. Is a freak. <laughs> yeah, a freak. Absolutely. Also, I just saw this note that I have when I was reading this panel. Hepzibah's fighting some nigga named Ken, which is black as hell. <laughs> Why did they give him such a black ass name? <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not D A. <laughs> no, Capital the K- apostrophe E-N. is crazier. Apostrophe. The apostrophe is blacker. For example, my little name is Laquan. Heavy apostrophe. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, uh-huh. Like L apostrophe Quan? Quan. <laughs> Did your white mother give you that? Uh-huh, my black dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, because no, she no, would. No, my white mother gave me the name because it's quote unquote Spanish, <laughs> but my black dad spelled it. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I haven't met your mom. I, I only know her by uh-uh. reputation. But that I did would... not come from her pen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I could kind of see that. Though. Right. Oh, you, you girl. <laughs> we, <laughs> I would be. We'd be having many conversations if she named me. <laughs> Fascinated by this new Jordan lore, <laughs> baby. New Jordan lore dro- is dropping every Laquan. episode. Yep. That's something. Uh huh. Jordan Laquan. <laughs> I love that <laughs> for you. Which is why I saw but Deken. De- Deken. I was similar. like. Baby, baby, what are they cooking in this house? Well, Melandra's really the odd one out because Deathbird's real name is Kelsey. Girl, another black ass name. Lelandra's <laughs> <laughs> the only white bitch in here. Yeah, Deathbird is, is giving kind of Dominican. Oh, uh, yeah. It's oh, like, absolutely. Kelsey a, is little a little Jocelyn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or like Belcalise. Yes. Like it's a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit Dominicana <laughs> vibes. It's like a little Spanish vibe. Uh, not Deathbird, the Belcalise of this GR. <laughs> The barbs are going to come to this pub. This is a psychotic intro. It's fine. It's beautiful. It's It's art. So the Shi'ar, 
Who are they, you might ask? The Shi'ar basically are the Roman Empire in space. It's actually crazy that I haven't covered the Shi'ar that much on this podcast, like 100-odd episodes in, because they're a huge part of X-Men because Chris Claremont created them for this one story, but then it, this one story turned out to be the Phoenix Saga. So they're all over Big story. everything. Like <laughs> yeah. they can't, you can't get rid of them. I was actually shocked when I was reading this. I was like, these bitches are all up in this house. This is like a big era. <laughs> yeah. They not only created this whole race of Roman Empire in space, colonial, slavery-loving bird people. Mm-hmm. They also do this very funny thing, which is the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. The Shi'ar Imperial Guard, if you're not a DC fan, which I wasn't as a kid, so I didn't get this. I was just like, oh, Gladiator, Oracle, all these characters. Every single one of them is a parody of one of the Legion of Superheroes characters. Oh, my God. So, okay. like, Oracle is Saturn Girl. Uh -huh. Like, they all are a parody of the... Legion of Superheroes characters who Dave Cockrum famously drew. Yeah, so okay. It was him having fun with it. There's a oh. weird random issue in the middle of this run of X-Men that was an inventory story where like an evil version of Charles fights the X-Men. And it's because Dave Cockrum was like, hey, I need like an extra week because you asked me to design like 50 characters for this story. So I'm yeah, going to need a minute. Give me some time. Oracle's design actually is based on his initial design for Phoenix. Oh, okay. It was rejected. It was going to be blue okay. with like white stars. Ooh. And they didn't, they thought it was a little too complicated. And so Oracle's is pink with white stars, but it's the same vague. Oracle's design. costume is really comfy. It's a good outfit, but it, they were just sort of like, it doesn't look like Jean to us. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, girl. No. Right. And that's why instead, they did keep the sash, though. Yes, he, yeah. well, he loves the sash. He also designed Carol Danvers's costume with the black swimsuit. Oh, baby, he can't get enough of it. He sash. loves the sash. I think of it, Dave Cockerham. The way that Dave Jack, throw a sash on it. The way that Jack Kirby has those like little hats and curly oh, horns yeah. and things, and, uh -huh. and the tech on the like bodysuits. Dave Cockrum's things are, he loves like circles and sort of like, like Storm's headdress. Like he oh, loves like a, a, uh -huh. a circle motif. Yeah. And then he fucking loves. You're not getting out of this closet without a sash, a baby. Sash. <laughs> You're or not... a man in a sash. Yes. He loves anybody Throw in a, a sash. a sash on whatever bit. Yeah. A skunk in a sash. It's great. So yeah, no, but the Phoenix design they ended up with, he initially designed it in white and they were worried that it would look bad on the cheap paper that they printed comics on. So wait, question, is there enough, does Oracle have enough Zaladanes for an app? She might be an appendix. Yeah, I feel, that feels Cause right. Cause she's done, she's got stuff. There's stuff with her. She's, she's around. But, but like she would, I think she's an appendix. You'd be really reaching. She's Gossamer level. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. Oh yeah. There's okay. stuff, but it's like not quite enough stuff. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. makes sense. But if you haven't checked out that Gossamer episode, which has been publicly released because I had a moment where. Because he fucking said so. I was like, well, I had a moment where I couldn't get an episode out because of scheduling things. Oh, I was yeah. like, let's just release Gossamer. Why not? Eat. Release eat, the girlies, spider queen. Eat. And be grateful. I mean, January was tough on this podcast, too, that just happened because oh, the Vyvanse shortage was beating my ass. Oh, ba but oh now, I bet. Oh, now I she's bet, got girl. her pills. Uh-huh. 
And everyone, can we give a round of applause to that? Uh, everyone clap for Connor hard. getting her it's pills. It's hard to edit a seven-hour podcast when you don't have your ADHD medicine. Oh, baby. <laughs> baby. Really you would not see me. It's not great. <laughs> you would not see it's me. Not great. I hope you're all enjoying the Kandra episode because it took me a minute to edit it. Uh-huh. But I was happy with Say it. Say thank so you, Connor. I, ho- I hope you are, too. You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. So the Shi'ar, they have enslaved their entire galaxy, which is just called the Shi'ar galaxy. It was probably called something else before they got there. Okay, but I bet it had many names. Sure. <laughs> but now it's the Shi'ar galaxy, and all of the races they've enslaved have to send their greatest champion to be part of the Imperial Guard, which protects the Empress or Emperor. Deken, Lilandra's brother, has seized the throne, and she is on the run. And there's like a civil war basically going on, but he's pretty much cornered the market and taken over. Unfortunately, he's bug fuck crazy. Psycho. <laughs> Psycho. He is called the Mad Emperor Dekan, yeah. in fact. It's I wonder very, why. Like, you know, Daenerys's dad vibes. Oh, absolutely. Or like there's a lot of these in fiction. Yeah, but like, he's giving he's, a lot a lot of mad king. Yeah, not great. Not yeah. great times. He now has this really great idea to become even more powerful by tapping into the energies of the Macron crystal. We know her. We well, this is the first her. story she appears in, though, so she was new. <laughs> but the Macron Crystal we is... We of Cerebro know her. We know her, yes. right. The Macron Crystal is, um, well, it's a big fucking crystal at the center of the universe. Same girl. <laughs> it taps into all realities and creates doorways between them. It is eventually retconned into being synonymous with the white hot room, the heart of the phoenix. Ah. So it's like an omniversal constant, and it's pretty much raw power yeah. and it would be really bad don't if fuck with the macron crystal yeah, it would be super bad if Dekan like got the power of the phoenix that i would also be bad. love the name macron <laughs> macron is also <laughs> all of these names are retroactively black <laughs> macron does sound it like does. it does sound like a character from living single it, a girl <laughs> i hate it like there's that episode where I think it's Khadija says that her name is Shaquan because uh-huh. she has to like come up with oh, a yeah, name come up with like a black name and prom too. Right. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I feel like Macron is in that. Uh-huh. There was something in the family. water at this moment in time. It's the 70s. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what it was. It was the 70s. It was disco. It was yeah. in the water. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was drugs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. So, um anyway, the end of the universe is coming if this crazy guy manages to harness the Macron crystal. Also, it came so quick. I was like, damn, it's ending damn, already? World's Shit. ending. I just I started. I wasn't born yet. It's 1977. Girl. You know, right? My parents are 17. <laughs> and it's all over. The Starjammers, who are a bunch of former slaves of the Shi'ar who have escaped mm. and become pirates in a ragtag crew of much like everything else in uh joss whedon's of is ripped off of x-men they're firefly yeah exactly they're just firefly yeah um (laughs) you're welcome firefly yeah you're welcome to firefly firefly say thank you to the star jam and like gina torres was hepzibah thank you say that Say that. That Land character wasn't allowed to be as fun as Hepzibah. I know. But God, Gina would have loved to. Uh, let Gina Torres play Hepzibah. That's Thank very you. Cleopatra 2525. Honestly, is like, Gina got let to be Gina Torres today. Right now. Yes. Call Gina Torres up and be like. Let her be a sultry stepmom and she will have a ball. You could bitch. even do it as a voice role in that what if cartoon. Yes. That doing. Oh, 
and baby Gina Torres doing a skunk voice. Let I Gina need Torres it to do an live. Skunk voice and fuck Star Lord. Yes, please. But the cartoon versions was not Chris Pratt. Yeah, God. Uh, Enough said. I can't deal with Chris Pratt right now. Well, soon we'll all deal with him when he's the Republican president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> The way I got whiplash when you said I'm that. I'm sorry. He's like a Reagan in training. He's I know. On, it's sick. He's doing it. Uh, I was about to say something so wild on this podcast that I cannot say. <laughs> say it. I'll bleep it out. Say it. Uh, we need to. I've bleeped that out. Yep. <laughs> but I agree. Thank you. Um. Anyway. So Just no spiritually what I said no it cannot be included. We said something that the NSA uh, would get mad at us about. Thank so you. we had to cut that it. Legally, I can't. Point is, uh-huh. this is much like when I had to bleep out Tony and I gossiping about Bradley Cooper and Victor Garber because Tony <laughs> yes. got shy about it. I was like, everyone knows this. Everyone Google knows. It. I know. Thank you. Exactly. Fine. Bradley Cooper made a Leonard Bernstein biopic this year. If, He's not hiding shit. Baby, have you seen my Twitter? <laughs> It's just me calling Bradley Cooper a faggot every quarter. I hope Arena Shake is eating pussy is the thing. Like, I hope that they are. I hope they have one of those like. I hope they have gay, a rock solid agreement. Yeah. I hope they have one of those mostly gay marriages going. Right. Thank you. The because, Kinsey Five marriage. Like, yeah, I hope he's the Kinsey Five marriage. Uh, I type. just I just want so much better for Arena Shake. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. <laughs> She's gorgeous. And yet. And yet, are they Bradley together Cooper. again? I actually haven't been keeping track. I actually track. don't know. They could be fully divorced They could divorced be fully divorced now. at this uh-huh. point. I, it was like on and off and on and off and on. So I just wasn't. Eventually, I stopped I paying attention. I don't keep track of Brett, what Bradley Cooper's doing, except well, to say, get that faggot off the TV. I, I don't want to <laughs> see that. I certainly don't keep track of what woman Bradley Cooper is allegedly dating. <laughs> Girl, imagine. <laughs> that's, that's not something I do. <laughs> I don't stay abreast of his fan fiction. Yeah, I'm just like, girl, that's a you problem. Yeah, like, that's not, that's the stories not, you want to tell are I'm your not business. Onboarding this. Exactly. Don't rope me into your fantasies. Anyway, so uh, speaking of being roped into fantasies, Lelandra wants to reclaim her throne. Do you like how I just really professional? What a segue. Queen and of segue. Star Jammers are being roped in because they are the most notorious band of outlaws in Shi'ar space. They are, for the record, beyond Corsair and Hepzibah. We've mentioned them sort of in passing here. Raza Longknife, who is like basically Inigo Montoya, but a cyborg. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. It's very. Mandy Patinkin playing Latino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is very it's that. It's very that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Thank you before, for clocking that. This is before Princess Bride, but it's very that yeah. energy. Uh-huh. Oh, precious. Yeah. But like, he also has like robot parts and like, he's like bald with a red ponytail and he's uh-huh. got a lot going on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Serving Loki. Then there's Chod, who I pronounce that way because it's probably Chode and I just am not going to. Yeah. Not, I keep not. calling him Chod. Chad is fine. Chad. Chad. Uh-huh. It sounds Just kind like of like Chad with a little bit of a yeah, valley it's girl twang. Like you're from Orange County. <laughs> yeah. You're like Chad. Chad. I also love the idea of like have some random blue going Chad. Chad. <laughs> Chad is, uh, we were saying that certain gays on the internet probably think he's hot because he's just like a huge, big brick wall of muscle, but then with the head of a frog. Yeah, the Chad delegation. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, and he has this little friend called Kree. I love him. Who is a My tiny baby. little, like, 
rodent thing. He yeah. looks kind of like Spy versus Spy, but as a rat. Yeah, he's a little he's got, fucker. He's like the pointy face. He's a little fucker and who lives on his in, shoulder. Like, wingdings. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> but he's like super intelligent. Later, so, we'll get to the Star Surprised to know when he's my best friend. <laughs> we'll get to the Star Jammer spotlight later in 91, <laughs> where Karee has a whole sequence that's just like him in Karee language, and you just have to roll with it. Yes. Honestly. Go to any afters. It's me as Hepzibah with that little wingdings fucker. That is truly <laughs> like kikiing boots. I am rounding the corner like Chad and yes. like, oh, I'll come back later, which yeah. is something Chad says about Hepzibah a lot yes. in these comics uh-huh. because he's always like, Mamzelle Hepzibah, can we, you know, and she's like, busy. Like, I'm busy right now. <laughs> I'm busy right now. At the moment, I am indisposed. I'm fucking my Except husband. Except she talks weird. So she's like, indisposed at the moment, Hepzibah is. Hepzibah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Title of app indisposed at the moment. Hepsibai. At the moment. At moment. At this moment, indisposed. Hepsibai. Yes. But so the Star Jammers have been looped in by Lalandra because she is desperate enough at this point that she's like, these people fucking hate me. Yep. But they hate my brother more. Tall order. <laughs> and they've fucked up my life enough that I know they can fuck up his life. <laughs> Girl, do you want to get more revenge? Lalandra, do I have a way for you? Lalandra, for people who are more recent readers, has been dead for a while, unfortunately. She's a great character. It's a shame because I don't think she'll ever come back. She's been kind of replaced in the narrative by her daughter, Xandra, yeah. who is her daughter by Charles. Countress in training. Yeah, and yeah. I like Xandra. I do too. I, think that I she's, like her. I think it makes... Like, Lilandra was always kind of compromised by her allegiances with Earth and the X-Men. Yeah. So, Xandra literally being half-human mutant. Right. It creates an interesting dynamic exactly. in Shi'ar space that it puts I think it more works. like It puts more stakes onto that Yeah, like, she can't... Yeah. Lilandra could always be like, I'm breaking up with you. But, like, Xandra can't right. break up with half of her DNA. Exactly. So, and I also like personal. I think it's, like, helped, like, the character reckon with what the Shi'ar have done in a much more real way. Yeah, when yeah. Lalandra is like, oh my god, we did slavery for thousands of years. That was bad. Oh it was like, god. yeah, that bitch. Was it was so bad. That was magma coded. Crazy when we did <laughs> slavery for so long. Whereas Xandra is half human from Earth, and so yeah. when she's like, yeah, this empire's insane. No, we're fucked like, up, this guys. Is crazy. And it's a big deal. Like, and it's not my fault my mom got custody, but I'm looking around and like, slavery, I don't think this is good. Girl, it's like... Fresh eyes. My dad's from New York. Thank like, you. She's like, she's Fresh like, eyes. It's real ghetto it's in re- here. Yeah, I don't love this. <laughs> it's real crazy. So I like her, and she's telepathic, which is fun because right, she got that exactly. from her daddy. Like, so there's that character's good. I do miss Lalandra. She does have like good Empress vibes. Like, don't want her to like be in my real life. But right. in a fictional book, it's very cunty to be like. You know what? Stop giving me shit about the slavery we did. I'm, I'm the sick empress. of you ribbing about it. Yeah, and I'm you the best what? empress you're going to get. So fall in line you or know deal what? with my brother. Cut me some slack, girl. I'm doing my best. <laughs> I know we did slavery, but do you know what's just as bad? You bugging me about it all the time. Here's the real tea on the Landra, and I'm saying this as someone who campaigned for this woman. <laughs> who was a staffer for Lalandra. Lalandra is... The Hillary Clinton. She of is. Space. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And like, you hey, know, do you know what's anti-feminist? You bringing up my war crimes, right? Like, that's the thing. And much like, which is her and Hepzibah's entire relationship. Well, right. And like, I think 
I think there is some merit to that argument, but not enough. <laughs> not enough. Not enough right? for me, for sure. And certainly over time, it was an argument that I came to find less compelling. Yes, right. Uh-huh. As a young person, it was an argument I found very compelling. Right, yeah. It's like, well, you guys don't say this about men. And now uh-huh. it's like, well, but well, it's still bad. <laughs> well, they're irredeemable. Right. So, so. like, yeah, we well, expect more of Thank you. you. Sorry, I have expectations of you. <laughs> they're little sewer boys well i mean we can't we can't even get into it but i that's, know we can't get into well but i was gonna i mean if you want to talk about people i hold to a higher standard and war crimes yeah uh-huh. we can't get into it i right know now, I, yeah we can't that's this is not that kind of podcast Ooh, baby but, oh boy no. Anyway, uh, Deken, who is i mean on topic kind of the netanyahu of space <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Um Yeah. Yeah. Except that the Shear have never been oppressed. So they don't even have an excuse. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even have shit. Which is something Lalandra said, drunk. You know what? We've never been oppressed. Yeah, like so so what's he even complaining about? Stop expecting sympathy. I've never been a slave. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't build any pyramids. What am I complaining about? So anyway. I know oh, the Jews didn't God. actually build the pyramids before you write in on the email. Oh, my God. Shut up. Shut up. I was <laughs> a classics major. I know the actual history. Anyway, point is, so the Star Jammers. I'm going to ch- time check. We're <laughs> an long? hour. We're an hour in, baby. We're an hour in, baby. It's fine. This is going to be the longest Jordan Block episode yet. I can already tell. Absolutely. And it's going to be fine. Uh-huh. About a character who is, by the way, almost completely irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has no stakes in the No, st- in- just... In the X Men universe, Cyclops overall, has a hot, slutty stepmom his own age who yeah. is a skunk alien. That's the most impact this character will ever have on the X Men universe. Well, I will say briefly, and we were talking about this because this is when you met her. Yeah, we were in high schoolish uh-huh. age. You're a little younger high than me. Yeah, but I was. I think I was high school sophomore. Yeah. when I met her. Hepzibah briefly in the Ed Brubaker run, which I mostly do. I'm a huge Ed Brubaker fan. I don't love his X-Men. No. And he's even like, I don't really get X-Men. They asked me to do X-Men, so I did it. And we're like, we can tell. And we're like, we can tell, babe. Yeah. Go back to Captain America or Gotham Central or whatever else you want to be doing. Because yeah. like, you're an incredible writer. This is not your wheelhouse. It's not your medium, baby. He has the whole, he does like a ton of Shi'ar shit in his era. He creates Vulcan, the third Summer's brother, and all of that Shi'ar shit with him. Oh, that was him. Yeah, and so Havoc and Polaris go to space with Corsair and, like, get involved in the Shi'ar civil war between Vulcan and Deathbird versus Lalandra. In that story, Lalandra and Corsair both get killed off. And as a result, Hepzibah ends up joining the X-Men. Yeah. And so for, like, three years or so... There was just this member of the X-Men who was, like, a hot animal woman from space. Exactly. And, like, that's when I met her, like, at the (laughs) point where I was just, like, going to the library, getting random comics, like, in no particular order. Like, rough era. Like, I know the year. This is decimation era for people who are listening who are trying uh to, like, figure out. This is after Deadly Genesis. I was hodgepodging it at that point and, like, picked up a god. It's, like... Two th- like late 2000s X-Men. Yeah, this is and like, like 0607, I want to say. I was like, Steel Kale Skunk Pussy, who are you? Right, and like, I 
hate most of that era of X-Men. Yeah. No, it's not good. One thing that I super loved was Hepzibah getting a push. Yes. So I will forever be grateful to Edward Baker for that. And whenever people... I was thrilled whenever she was on panel. And whenever people ask, like, the only reason anyone has ever asked, are you going to do a Hepzibah episode, is because of that. Like, there was an era where she was fully on the X-Men. Yeah. But, like, that's why when we're going back to the 70s now and we're explaining it, it just uh-huh. sounds like a fever dream because this character should never have been on the it, exactly. X-Men. She just was. Also, like, it is, like, one panel appearances per issue yeah, that's that we're going to be going through, like... part of bullshitting is because when yeah. we actually get into the comics, which we're about to do an hour it's in... It's going to go real fast. It's going to go real fast because yeah. she doesn't do a ton. Yeah, exactly. But, but I still have a does, ton of thoughts, mind she's you. Stunting. Uh, she's She's, like, stunting. every moment... And it's, like, she has... And these are characters that I gravitate to. I would say, like, now I call it the Necra effect. Are they, like, the most important person in an arc? God, no. God, no. (laughs) Fuck no. Are they the most important person to me? Fuck yes. Absolutely. It's like, they bring weight to the page. The fact that the big villain of the comic version of WandaVision is Necra is still one of the funniest things yeah, thank in you. the world. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the real thing. When that Wonder Man show comes out with Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Yes. So that means that Grim Reaper's going to be black. Mm-hmm. Is Necra going to be in that as his light-skinned girlfriend? I have many questions. Because what I if, have like, many questions. You cannot make Grim Reaper black. They have to, though, because Yaya is playing Wonder Man. I know. Make him adopted. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, girl. I will, like, have a full that brain. That is, though. But, like, honestly. I will have a full brain fissure honestly, if, if they make Grim Reaper black. But honestly, if you want to do Grim Reaper, the best way to do that and not have it be, like, insane is to just be, like, in this version, he's black, so he's not a racist. Like, just <laughs> you just, like, do away with it entirely. Yeah. I will say. It he, makes his relationship with Necro way less fucked up. If yeah. He's just a black person. But I do think, like, the character just is fucked no, up. No, he just notably is like it's a white like, racist. You are That's just the making... most notable thing about him as a character. It's his thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's Necra's white racist boyfriend. He is number two. He the is second one. The second but, one. Like... <laughs> We've gotten into it. I don't have to go through it Go again. back to that episode. It's a banger. It was the most popular episode of 2023. Oh, wait. According to sorry. Spotify. Can we say that? According to Spotify. And it was... Blah, 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 bitch. <laughs> And you know what? I am so sorry. Um, so sorry. To Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> you know I love you. So take everything that I'm about to say. It with was close. Just, it was a close. You it was so Necra, close. Jordan X Necra just edged out just Jonathan Hickman. Just scooched over your little seat, Jonathan Hickman, and you fucking hate it. Uh, <laughs> the nice thing about Jonathan. fucking dust, Jonathan Hickman. I love Jonathan you. The thing about Jonathan that's so great is he probably would be like, that's great. And I would make that my ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great for them. Every time my phone rings. <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to all of the Cerebro fans with mental illness because that is my population. So, um, where are we an hour in? Okay. <laughs> where the fuck, what the fuck are we talking about? We're still in the first issue that the Star Jammers we appear. We are. We haven't even gotten to her. Yeah. So we gotta we gotta get on the on the yeah. board. So point is, Lalandra's looped them in. Yes. So when the X Men are fighting with Deken and the Imperial Guard, who have to serve Deken now, even though they don't like him, the Star Jammers leap into the fray. 
Corsair is doing cool stuff. Roz is doing cool stuff. Chaad is doing cool stuff. Chaad. Lalandra shouts, Shara and Keithri, the Star Jammers. Shara and Keithri are the gods of the Shi'ar, so they say that a lot. It's like, oh my god. The Star Jammers. Hepzibah's response to that, her first line of dialogue is, Find cover, Featherhead. Star Jammers on your side, true, but you still impy royalty. None of us would weep if Blasterbeam cut you in two. Say that, queen. <laughs> Never not on this bitch's ass. Corsair says, be gentle, Hepzibah. As you said, pet, the land is on our side. Not your pet, Corsair, and name not Hepzibah. Remember that? I can't pronounce uh, your name, my love. Remember that? Wait, can we go into the name thing? Because I did not realize this. Did you until... not realize this? So... No, I had to, like, dive back after I saw that, and I was like... That's not your name? Race? Yes, it is race. But like Hepzibah's name, because her species is like animal people. It's like Mephistopheles or some shit. Well, no, the Mephitozoid, because they're skunks. Mephitozoids, yes. Uh-huh. A Mephitozoid is a the skunk. Mephitozoid. It's like a feline, but like for yeah. skunks. It's a skunk phylum? Yes. That's something. My, um, something along those some lines. Taxonomic, yeah. Some term some in taxonomy. Some taxonomic designation. Yeah. Mephitidae. Mephitidae. There you oh, go. Oh, wait. Welcome to the stage, Mephitidae. Welcome to the stage, the uh -huh. Mephitidae. Oh, wait. That's her drag name. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think her drag name is Miss Mademoiselle Hepzibah. Oh, so, shit. No, her legal name is Mephitidae. <laughs> so the thing is, like, this has been said in handbooks and stuff. Her name is a series of, like, growls and ululations that, like, human mouths can't make. Say queen. <laughs> and Say so, queen. Corsair had to give her a nickname because he was just like, I have to call you something that I can say. <laughs> Human tongues can't make that sound, and baby. So the real gag is that Miss Mademoiselle Hepzibah is the name of a cartoon character uh, from the comic strip Pogo. Yes. Which was a popular comic strip from like the 40s to the 70s. Uh, it was about like a bunch of little animals in Ameri in like an American kind of hick town like yeah. doing stuff. And one of the characters who was like the sexy one the was cuntiest little skunk you ever did see. A flirty French skunk called Ms. Mademoiselle Hepzibah. And honestly, he clocked her teeth bad because it's her. Corsair, who is like, I would say in this story, he's about 45-ish. Yeah, that feels right. He's Scott's dad, but like he and his wife, Catherine Ann, seemed like they were pretty young. Yeah. And Scott was 10 when they disappeared, and it's been 20 years. So yeah. Scott is, um, Scott's, by the 80s, Scott is 30. Yeah. So he's like 50. He's like 50 by then. Yeah. Maybe young parents. But in the 70s, where Scott's still in his 20s, because when, when Jean dies in Dark Phoenix Saga, I think she's 24. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so he's like 45. That yeah, feels so he's right. He's like 45-ish. Yeah. He's exactly the right age to have grown up reading Pogo. Uh -huh. And he's the exact right age to have a, like, a wife as young as a son. Yeah, he sees a hot skunk woman who is, like, young enough to be his daughter yes. and obsessed with fucking him. Absolutely. And he calls her Mamza Hapsaba. Uh -huh. The thing is, like, she, in these early appearances, she's like, that's not my name, Corsair. I know. But uh -huh. I love to think they were, like, in the middle of a tiff in this yes, moment. Yes, but, like, by the second or third appearance, she clearly thinks it's great. Yeah, no, she loves it. I like to think, like, she always loved it, but, like, just when, like, they're having a little argument, she's like, and by the way, I'm not white. Notably, he's telling her to be nice to Lilandra. I know, and exactly. She's like, and she's like, 
I'm, and he calls her pet, as, uh-huh. which is like clearly. And a, you know they got in a big fight on the way over. Oh, of course, but uh-huh. clearly he calls her pet a lot, and yeah. usually I bet she likes that. Uh-huh. But in this moment, she's like, exactly. Not your pet. I'm a human, which, not an animal. Which woman. I feel with my whole spirit. <laughs> I'm not an animal. I'm a person. Also, but in public, when I'm mad, and I was like, and I'm not your pet, by the way. By the way, colonist, white man. <laughs> I feel like you go through this a lot. Oh, I do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've. I've done this this month. Yeah, like not to not to reveal your <laughs> not dating to spill life my on tea, this podcast. But I do but this all the time. <laughs> you've been a Hepzibah to many a baby a to many a white boy. <laughs> 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 to many a seafaring white boy. So they help the X-Men fight the Imperial Guard. And they're like, huh, interesting to meet the X-Men. Gene immediately is like, how weird that this guy who's a space pirate in Shi'ar space has an American accent. So, curious. Classic Gene, she just starts reading his mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way I was like, well, this took no time at all. <laughs> not at all. Not a single moment. <laughs> And it was like, as soon as she had the thought, she was like, this is clearly my business. <laughs> yeah, like Scott and Corsair are shaking hands. I just love any moment where like Jean is like her intuition's correct, but she's like, mm, mm, this, this don't seem right to me. Y'all are hiding shit. So Gene immediately hops in his brain purely because of his accent, which I think is really funny. Crazy. She goes, American slang and accents this far from home? I've heard of coincidence, but Uh -uh. this is ridiculous. Smells fishy to me. I'd better do a fast mind scan just to make sure we're in for no surprises. No, it can't be, but okay. Scott, no, it is him. Now, we don't know about Scott's long-lost father because, again, they haven't retconned it together yet, but Jean does because she's Scott's girlfriend. So she immediately is like, oh, my God. And as the plot goes on, Deken decides that he is going to enter the Macron crystal and do all kinds of weird shit to it. Meanwhile, the crystal, which is alive, is having a fear response and sends them all into horrific nightmare worlds. Yeah. We get to see Corsairs in which it is related to us that he was enslaved by the Shi'ar along with his wife. They were from Earth. His wife was forced to become Dekan's concubine mm. and then was killed by him mm. when Corsair rebelled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and this story gets, this is, it's very vague in this first story. It gets elaborated yeah. upon at length. My dream for Catherine Ann is like a reveal retcon that actually she's alive and thriving and like she just comes back. I would fucking love that. Because, I mean, I was talking to Fabian Niciesa about this because he was talking about Adam X and I was like, I noticed that you stressed that because Adam X is Dekan and Catherine Ann's son. Right. I was like, you. Kn- I noticed that you stressed that it was by gene splicing. It wasn't like she didn't, Catherine Ann didn't give birth to him. Right. And he was like, yeah, no, because I love Chris, but I think that that it's one of the only like real kind of sexist feeling missteps. Yeah. And I felt like she'd been through enough and uh-huh. I didn't want to have her like have she her. She got kind of like Princess leia and then killed. And then killed. Yeah. Like Frit. He's uh-huh. like, I don't I didn't want to force her to have like a rape baby. That yeah, felt like too right. much. Exactly. That would that would be really fucking low. Yeah. That would be that would be a threnity. Be a lot. <laughs> yeah. But then I started like going with this and was like, 
what if she's just alive though and she shows up and is just like had her own pirate crew uh and yes. like they just didn't know uh, uh, uh wait what would her <laughs> pirate crew be called I don't know, but uh-huh. I'm into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they could all be like gender flip versions of the Star Jammers. Star Jammers and the Planet Fuckers. It would be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. Uh, I love it. But this. anyway, so we see Chris, Christopher Summers, Corsair, experience that so that now we understand it. And Gene also experiences it, which yeah. is important. Uh-huh. Uh, also, I like want to call it like right before they go into the crystal, just so we could like ground set, <laughs> Hepzibah mistakenly calls herself a feline. So this is an ongoing yeah. problem. Yeah, let's talk right? about the fe- the cat versus skunk debacle. So she is a skunk person. She's a skunk but person. Various characters and the narration, and sometimes Hepzibah herself, herself. Yeah. refer to her as a cat lady or as a feline. Yeah. And this becomes a problem in the 90s because Jim Lee's redesign of Hepzibah is much less skunky. Right. In these original appearances, she's mostly black. Yes, and she, like, in some appearances, has an actual skunk stripe through her tail. But yeah, I'm saying, like, she mostly has black fur. Yes, exactly. And then has, like, a white face and hair right. and then a white stripe in her tail. Exactly. Over time time she just becomes completely white yeah and there are albino skunks so yes, that's fine totally. yeah but it led to confusion exactly right? yeah and part of that is because with the coloring style back in the this is why storm in the 90s cartoon has a white costume yeah it's supposed to in the early 1990 1991 comics it's supposed to be black leather that's really shiny. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. In the cartoon, okay. North Star and Aurora also have white hair. Uh-huh. That's because their hair is drawn this way. It's black with a shine. Right. Yeah. And it looks sometimes white to the eye uh-huh. if you're not. But like it's actually supposed to be really sleek, yeah. shiny black. Right. Complicated and hard when you're totally. when you have really limited, limited color palettes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it got lost in translation. Eventually she became fully white which she still is and in modern yeah. comics when she shows up but thanks to russell daughterman in the greg Rucka, i like to think Cyclops she just mini, like she grayed she has out the huge tail again yeah right? like she aged into, she grayed you know, out so now yeah. she's a sultry gray maybe like that's just a thing that they do they gray quicker the way that i kind of justify it because corsair calls her like my kitty cat my, my cat little girl. kitty cat yeah I justify it as a racist epithet. <laughs> yeah, like he may just be racist. Uh-huh. And I think Hepzibah doesn't quite know what a skunk is. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Like yeah. it's just her species. She's exactly. never met an earth skunk. She's like, and if she saw an earth skunk, she's like, does that look like me to you, bitch? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, so you see that little fucker crawling on the ground and you think that's what I look like, Christopher? Wow. Uh-huh. My actual favorite detail is that she calls him Shiar style Chris. Yes, I love Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she blacks up his name. She calls him it's sometimes it's a C, sometimes it's a K, uh-huh. but it's like C apostrophe R I S yes. is what she uh-huh. calls Chris. him when they're alone together. Chris. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I eat every single time I see it. Ah, uh, Chris is talking to Scott Boy. Hepzibah and Chris. Hepzibah and Chris. I love it. Anyway, so yeah, here's the thing that I think is the the connective tissue potentially, especially because it's in the 70s. Skunks are often called polecats. Often? In Nebraska, where Corsair's from. Oh, like, you know yeah, what I mean? I could see that. They're, like, they're all cats. Yeah. Oh, it's like kind of that thing where you call like 
something that's not a cat a cat because it's vaguely cat like right yeah. and like because polecat in the american midwest and south is a common term right. for a skunk a lot of people actually think it's sort of like how red pandas are not actually like related yeah, to pandas no. and like skunks are more closely related to dogs and weasels like yeah, they're exactly. not you know like but because polecat is a term and has been a term since like ancient greece yeah I mean, they called giraffes camo leopards. Like, you know, they didn't so know. so do what, I. Like, I mean, what the fuck do they know, right? <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. So they were like, I mean. That's, well, look at her. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, the Greek and Roman term for a giraffe is camel leopard. Good. <laughs> because they were like, it's like a camel. It's like a long camel well, with a leopard camel with spots. spots. Yeah. Yes. So it's a camel it's leopard. It's a camel right. leopard. Like, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> just one elbow. They're just in their little notebook. But these terms sure. then survived forever, you know? Yeah. So polecat, similarly, because it is just one of those things. I can see So that. I think Corsair is like... He's just a little country. Yeah, he's a little country and he's yeah. just like a skunk as a cat. Sure. You yeah. Know? <laughs> he doesn't know the difference. He does not know the difference. No, exactly. It's a long, stinky cat. Exactly. What the fuck do I know? Right. Am I a cat scientist? I'm not Shauna the She Devil. <laughs> <laughs> Actual quote from Corsair. <laughs> Who am I, Shauna the Sea Devil? Who am I, Shauna O'Hara, cat scientist? Uh, <laughs> I need that on the page in a fight between him and Hepzibah. <laughs> I'm not a cat. I'm not Shauna O'Hara. I'm not a cat scientist. <laughs> I'm going to fall out of my chair. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Scott and Gene block past. What the fuck? What is he even talking what about? The fuck is going on? Because they haven't read Shaun of the She Devil. That was when X Men was canceled. <laughs> and like mid fucking. Yeah, they're, they're like, having oh, this argument. Right. They're like, just don't, don't worry okay, about that. Okay, so point is, the Macron crystal's melting down. We're still, we're in like yes. issue two. We're in issue two of the Hubs of Us. We've gotten through one issue, yeah. by the way. So anyway. This story, which is John Byrne's first story as artist, is called sometimes the Phoenix Saga as opposed to the Dark Phoenix Saga because it's when Jean is fully embodied for the first time as like this cosmic being, this powerful creature who yeah. is at the heart of all creation. She enters the Macron Crystal. She absorbs life force from Corsair and Storm because they offer it to her willingly. And right. Which, like, it's the first really, truly gay moment between Gene and Storm. Oh. Oh, yes. If you've listened to the Kandra episode, which is the one right before this one, there's a moment where Kat Driscoll and I get into how gay they are in the 90s, where it's just like, Gene and Storm are what gay. Is go I was, like, going through, I was like, what are you doing <laughs> in here? There's a moment, like... Scott, in the, what is going on between you two in here? What I love about this is that Gene is really scary in this story. Yeah. In a cool way. Uh-huh. It feels appropriate for it to be, like, called the Phoenix Saga rather than the Dark Phoenix yeah. Saga, because it's, like, oh, scary and, like, omnipotent in a cool way can see a world where it becomes not so cool later yeah. but right now it's pretty cool in the classic x-men reprint of this there's an added page where she sees where like gene sees like four sees uh, the dark phoenix because of all the times and stuff. Yeah, yeah and it's and because it's 10 years later and chris claremont's retroactively yeah. adding stuff but another thing he adds is like a scene where lilandra specifically talks to the star jammers and like we understand that they're helping her and like stuff like that oh but okay yeah which would be good yeah because <laughs> we're like be where handy. did these people come from i know exactly who the fuck are they <laughs> also, 
that classic X Men is also where Chris Claremont outlines his whole like Kabbalah framework right. for the Phoenix, and he's okay. like, she is Tifereth, the heart of the tree, and like yeah. all of this other stuff. So. This is her big magical cosmic moment. And I read this right. when I was like eight or nine when my dad bought me those Marvel Master Resort oh, covers. Yeah. And that moment where she reaches her hand out to Storm and to Corsair uh, and they yes. give her a little bit of life for us and she goes, yes. Uh, it's so good. It's, it's really so good, but it's good. also really scary. It is. And that's I part of why like people are like, your idea of Jean is like very specific. I'm like, it is. Because, it is because that's who she is. Yeah, when yeah. I met Jean... She was fucking scary. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I liked it. Uh, thank you. I was like, it's cool that she's scary. It's, it should be like a like core part of her. <laughs> and so she enters the crystal and she says to Corsair, she calls him Christopher. Uh-huh. And he's like, excuse me? Ooh. Oh, sorry. I've been running up and down your head, girl. <laughs> and he says, you know my name? How? I'll explain later. See you, folks. <laughs> I'll explain later. I'm mad nosy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain. I'll explain later. See you, folks. That is, if this stunt of mine works. If it doesn't, look after Cyclops for me, Corsair. He's the man I love, but he's also your firstborn son. And Corsair turns to Cyclops, who's unconscious at this point. And Storm, by the way, is just watching this whole thing, which is it, it, this pays off later because Storm knows this, but uh -huh. she is like, don't tell Scott. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and she doesn't. Uh -huh. but, you know Storm was in this ship later, like, girl, girl. Girl, what the hell girl, was that guess about? what the fuck I Can just you heard. explain uh -huh. this to me? You know she was, like, itching to spill that tea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically what we see is he asks Jean, like, please don't tell him. Right. We learn later that Corsair thought Scott and Alex had died in the plane crash. Right. Which is why he never tried to get back to Earth. Yeah. He was like, my kids were dead, so I never went back. Right. And, and like, now, immediately understands, oh, they can't be happy about that. Right. And yeah. like, But now it's like, they should just think I died. Right. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to put them through that. Right. Exactly. Which is, it's open like a little people. selfish, but it's also like... Yeah. We all just don't need this. Right, exactly. This would be a lot right now, and famously a lot's happening right yeah, now. Yeah, and so Jean's like, I got it. I won't tell him. Yeah. She's like, that's fine. It's a great example of Jean just casually not telling people shit. Yeah. <laughs> Super important And shit. looking at Aurora and being like, you better not tell him either. Uh -huh. You're in this too now. She's like, I love secrets from my husband. <laughs> and now you do too, right? Now you love secrets. And Storm's like, God, I need to tell somebody it's such God, good tea right this now. This crazy. <laughs> I hate that. It's a while before we see the Star Jammers again. Yeah. By which I mean it's like four years, it's, I want to say. It's a hot bit. By the time we see them again, Jean is fully dead. Like yeah. the Dark Phoenix saga has occurred. In Uncanny X-Men 154, this is 1982, Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. We should just explain, I guess, go back. We'll yeah. I'll get into this more in a Lalandra episode, which is on the schedule mm -hmm. with a fun guest. So oh, look forward to yes. that. Oh, yes. Okay, I can't wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's also, while we're backing up, in, like, the page before like everyone, or in, like, the issue before everyone gets sucked into the crystal, there's this little, like, fucking crazy creature called Tiny Jaff. Jaff! Jaff, yes, Tiny Jaff. The guardian of the Macron Crystal. I have never seen Tiny Jaff before. <laughs> He's not called Tiny Jaff, you're just calling him that. No, someone calls him Tiny Jaff. 
It's just, no, I wait. just think of him as Joff, J A H F. So, oh, no. Someone calls him like capital T Tiny Joff. Oh, my God. Love that for <laughs> Which him. Which I love. And then also, Nightcrawler immediately after calls him Midget Juggernaut. Which is crazy. Well, so midget was like not a term that was considered offensive in no, the 70s. So yeah. actually, there is a member of the Imperial Guard called midget because she has the power to shrink. That's crazy. And after this first appearance, they renamed her Scintilla. Good. Because they, <laughs> yeah. I think like by the 80s, it I, was oh, offensive. I know Scintilla. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It was, well, because. I had no idea they called her that. Well, so it's because, again, the Legion of Superheroes character is shrinking violet. And all of the Imperial Guards members are parodies of the Legion of Superheroes. So they had to have a shrinking lady. And they called her Midget because it was (laughs) 1977. And then by the 80s, I think, when they came back, they were like, she's called Scintilla now because we used another word for a small thing. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about that. Yeah. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Also, I was like, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler? Don't say that. I know he's beating your ass right now. But but in the 70s, I I think it was okay. Also, like, my favorite part, because you get, like, a little bit, like, no depth from, like, Hepzibah at this time. But my favorite is, like, when the Macron Crystal, like, starts, like, freaking out. There's, like, this moment where everyone's panicking, like, oh, God, the reality warping crystal. What do we do? The center of the universe. And Hepzibah's, like, fight? I don't know. Something. And I just love that Hepzibah's immediately the person, like... I'm ready to go. Yeah, no, I have the panel, actually. <laughs> so basically, Wolverine is like, we got to hide from this thing. And <laughs> Melandra says, and where would you hide, Wolverine, from a force that is called the end of all that is? And Hepzibah turns to and says, giving up, Featherhead. Thought better of you. We yet live, Lilandra. While we live, we fight. In a sickening Bob, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Bob is Bob crazy. City. Bob City, Crazy bitch. Bob in this first appearance. <laughs> B-O-B because you're calling me Bob. She has a Bob until the 90s, yeah, really. Yeah, she's, she's bobbed bobbing out it for a in hot the, in the 70s and the uh-huh. 80s. And she was like, why are we still talking? With the skunky ears coming uh-huh. up out of the Bob. Her little peeking ears out. And I was like immediately like, Dad, goddamn right. Yes, we cannot beat the giant reality warping crystal. But we're alive, bitch, but so we're, we're going to fight. I'm not going to sit around. It's very Eartha Kitt saying, what do you mean what? (laughs) What do you mean what? (laughs) We are right now. What do you mean what? We fight. We fight. (laughs) Why are we not fighting? My other favorite bit, actually, in that first story is that at the end of it, Chris Claremont writes, this book dedicated with respect and admiration to Dave Cockrum, who helped make the dream a reality. And then under it, it says, I'm not dead, Dave Cockrum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because by the, this is this story in the middle of it, Cockrum draws the first appearance of the Starjammers, and then John Byrne takes over. I like that bit because Dave Cockrum actually did die young, tragically, oh. of complications oh. from he had really bad diabetes. Oh yeah, and he died. He was like, I mean, he was in his sixties, but like young. Yeah, exactly. So reading that now, I actually was kind of touched by it because like that is such a sweet yeah because like the other the you know Chris is still at it still writing comics and unfortunately Dave isn't with us anymore yeah, and, yeah it's a good a, thing it, to look back it's a nice moment to look back on yeah. and these oh, characters are really enduring I mean obviously not as much as Nightcrawler and Storm right. and like a couple of his other creations but but he made fucking bangers yeah but like outside of Nightcrawler who I think is his most famous creation because he created Nightcrawler when he was like a teenager and then like forced him into X-Men he was like can we use this character I, I made this character I've been dying when I was to like use 15. this bitch somewhere yeah, yeah. the Starjammers to me outside of Nightcrawler are like the most Dave Cockrum 
characters. They're just like, and in the same way that Nightcrawler's like a swashbuckling, like ladies' man and all of it. Like the Starjammers are like fun pirates having adventures, and it's just a very so this this dedication is really sweet. Yeah, it's super cute. I love it. I have another panel that I saved, which is Corsair talking to Jean. Yeah. As they're leaving, as the Starjammers leaving, this is important because Hepzibah is has like a like a hmm expression on her face, and she yeah. watches this exchange. Uh huh. She's sitting in the She's background. She's listening to yeah. them have this conversation. He says, "Please, Phoenix, I know what I'm doing. It'll be better for all concerned if Scott never learns I'm his father." And Jean says. You're wrong, Corsair. It's still the Phoenix bubble. Like, uh-huh. I love the spooky speech bubble. Oh, yeah. Phoenix. Uh-huh. The Phoenix voice. You're wrong, Corsair. It won't be the first time. I'm glad you love him. Oh. oh. The thing about Corsair is, like, I actually think he's a really good dad. Yeah. But the circumstances were beyond his control. Yeah, and also, like, beyond his capacity to handle it. Well, it's like, now what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, your 25-year-old son shows up, and, yeah. like, you thought he died at 10, and you've been an absentee father because you were enslaved in space? Right. Like, what are Understandable you situation yeah. to make, like, <laughs> you know, many people aren't going to get that one right on the first try. Well, and he's also, like, he seems good. So yes, let's not exactly. fuck it up. Right, yeah. I don't want to rock the boat here. Exactly. And I'm sure there's, like, an avoidant part of him, but I'm of sure course. there's, like, a very sincere, well, and like... The, and the Starjammers uh, special edition story that we'll get into later, yeah. he has... A, we get a lot of introspection for Corsair, and right. he's like... Because this is... That's years later, and he's like, why have I never gone back to Earth for any stretch of time? Is it because I'm afraid to face my children? Yeah. And, like, uh-huh. He is. Yeah, exactly. Because no matter whether it was your fault or not, exactly. like, that's a problem, it's, it's right? It's a big thing to drop on kids. And also, like, it, you're going to have to deal with a really heavy thing. After he says to Gene, I'm glad you love him, he says, I wish I loved him less. Then this wouldn't hurt so much. He's all a father could wish for, Gene. I beam us up, Jammer. And then he he's like I he he like yeah, can't he can't he's too he like can't. dudes rock like yeah, he can't uh-huh. he's like he can't he's getting too deep yeah he's yeah. like I can't talk about my emotions right I now know. but he basically says he's like he's like he's perfect yeah he's getting choked up and I don't want to mess it up because yeah. he's exactly what I would want my son who I thought died as a child right. to be and yeah. he is and I just don't want to like we got I got it I'm like a weird pirate with a skunk girlfriend like I need to leave. right exactly. <laughs> 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 She's like, you're a lucky pirate with a hot skunk with girlfriend. With a hot skunk wave, right? Four years later, Gene is dead. The Dark Phoenix saga has yeah. occurred. Oh, well, I guess to go back, when Gene triumphed in the Macron Crystal, yeah. part of what they did was Deken had summoned this entity called the Soul Drinker mm-hmm. to, like, erase Lalandra's mind. And he ends up getting his soul drank. Oh. Oop. Hate when that happens. Shouldn't have summoned the soul drinker. What do they tell you about summoning the soul drinker? Don't do it, girl. Bitch, you're your gonna get your soul, soul drink. <laughs> they always say that. So he's left as like kind of a vegetable, and Lander takes the throne. That leads eventually to the way that Chris Claremont writes Xavier out of the story. Not quite yet in the story that we're about to talk about, but the way he eventually handles it is he's like, oh. Xavier is like sick and he has to go live in Shiar space with Lalandra. <laughs> so like because he wants to get Charles out of there and make Magneto in charge of the school and like that whole plot. In right. The but first we get this bit in 82. This is Uncanny X-Men 154 right after 
150, which is the story where we learn about Magneto's Holocaust backstory and Magneto is starting to become a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. largely through interactions that he has with Cyclops and other characters around this time. At the same time, in space, Lalandra gets deposed. Yeah, somehow. She's always getting deposed. Baby, can't hold on to a throne to save her life. Yeah, so basically, like, there's a conspiracy within the Shi'ar government, and a bunch of terrorists raid the council meeting. I would love to see Hebzibah's reaction whenever she gets deposed. <laughs> huh, hmm. you're back. Oh, oh, I see. Lost your throne again? Couldn't keep that bird ass on the throne, oh, could no. you? Hmm. Uh-uh. Oh, feathers get a little bit too big for your shiny, shiny throne. They yeah. kill a bunch of government officials and kidnap Lalandra. The Star Jammers are framed for the crime because everybody, like, they're famous. So everybody's yeah. like, well, why not? If you not? would choose somebody to frame. Yeah, right. The terrorists, meanwhile, have also. Like, I love like the idea of Hepzibah's galactic superstar pirate. Yes, she's a famous. She's pirate. a famous woman. She's deeply. Famous. She's more famous than your faves. She's like wanted posters everywhere. Absolutely. She's Gamora she is, from the Guardians of the Galaxy before Gamora. Yeah, like, she is. Gamora doesn't exist till the nineties. on a wanted poster. Yeah, she's all over. She's the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. The for baby, a while. Yeah. the mate, the most dangerous skunk in the stars. The wildest skunkussy in the Shi'ar. In the known universe. So there are clues that track the terrorists to Earth. The Star Jammers who are trying to clear their name are like, shit, we better go to Earth. Corsair is like, huh, that's awkward for me because I haven't been to Earth in 20 years. (laughs) Uh Sure is. (laughs) Well, we have to go talk to the X-Men. We have to go tell the X-Men what's happened Valandra, he gets chased by a Shi'ar star destroyer. I think it's the Dreadnought. Was is it what that they call giant them. fucking fish? No, that's the Akanti. We'll okay, get there. yeah. <laughs> don't worry. I can't keep track of all these big fucking ships. Honey, don't well, well, the Akanti is a big storm story, and we'll get to the Akanti. Oh, okay. In a well, because that's the Brood Saga, oh, which is coming. Yeah, duh, the Brood, bi- the big Brood fish ship. Yeah, yeah. the big Brood fish ship. Yeah. right. <laughs> the big capital Brood. Fish capital ship. B Brood. So psychotic. He crashes at the X Mansion, and Cyclops and Storm are there. And Scott finds a locket that Corsair keeps on him that has a photo inside of Catherine Ann with baby Scott and baby Alex, like, as children. And he's like, what the fuck is this? That's me and my brother and my mom. A fun bit actually before this is that in the 70s when the X-Men wind up stranded in the Savage Land, this is the like real sexy era where everybody just like gets real hairy and has like ripped up clothes. Real hairy, no clothes. Scott is like growing a beard and he catches a glimpse of himself in the water and he's like, wow, I look a lot like that space pirate Corsair. Oh. Weird. And then just, like, huh. doesn't dwell on well, it. Well, probably nothing. <laughs> but he's he's just sort of like, huh, with facial hair, I look a lot like that guy. I love that he's always like, 
Probably doesn't mean Probably anything. Probably doesn't mean Never anything. Never does. But, you know. <laughs> Never does for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so now he's found this lock and he's holding it up. He's like, this is my fucking mother uh-huh. who died when I was 10. Like, Why what is the my fu- mom? Why is my mom in your in necklace? face man's phone. What is going on? Why do you on? have a picture of my mother, of my dead Why mother in a space? Why is my dead mother in, in your face man's phone? Why? Answer that. Put that on how to get away with murder. Yeah, it's full Viola pulling her wig yes, off. Yes, Absolutely. If you've never seen the first season of How to Get Away with Murder, it's really good. You should check it out. You don't know what's going on. I didn't watch that far into season two, but season one. I watched every single episode. Did you really? I did. I had a big How to to Get Away with Murder. I I mean, I love Viola, and I really like Asia Naomi King, so I watched it for like a minute. Uh Uh-huh. It got... So insane. But it got really <laughs> yeah. kind of bad. It's a Shonda Rhimes joint. It gets loose and crazy. It's it's even more crazy because it's a Shonda Rhimes joint show run by a white gay. Yeah. It's going to be nuts, girl. That's just like a crazy. Yeah. There were so many episodes that I was like, what the I identify as a white gay Shonda Rhimes might hire to show run something. Yeah, that's that's part of my identity. I see that. My show would also be star sign. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a Pisces, so that's pretty. It's pretty, pretty, pretty accurate read. Um, but so anyway, Corsair is like, well, uh, I'm your dad. (laughs) So the thing about that, the thing about that is, I'm your your father. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I thought you died. In my defense. To be fair to me, the parachute caught fire and i didn't know you had laser eyes yeah because you didn't before that uh, so up until that moment knew nothing about laser eyes right. that was brand new information the laser eyes that broke your fall your mother and i uh-huh. did not know about yeah. that so we thought had you were i known you had laser eyes at the time <laughs> and this is when he we get the more intense backstory of like him be, him and Catherine being enslaved, him being sent to the mines, yeah. Catherine being kept as a sex slave, uh-huh. and then him rebelling and Dekan murdering Catherine in front of him as punishment. Yeah. Which, yeah, is, like, not great. I get what Fabian was saying. Yeah. And again, I would love to have it be like, oops, she's fine, actually. She's like, fine somehow, actually. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I want that for her. I want that for her. Uh, justice to whatever her name is. Catherine Ann Summers. But we actually, you know the sick thing? This is just like a problem with women in comics a lot of the time. We do not know her maiden name. We still don't to this day. Uh Liberate her. Catherine Ann Summers. Catherine Ann who? Nay what? Give me an issue where we find out the answer to that question. Well, I bet she uses it now in space as a fucking space pirate doing her own thing. Her first name wasn't even Catherine Ann. I mean, what is actually fun is Corsair calls her Anne a lot. Oh. Because Chris Claremont loves like a weird nickname. But yeah. the weirdest thing actually is that Catherine Anne is also Kitty Pride's name. She's Catherine Anne Pride. Young mother? Well, no, it's <laughs> no, just like, I, I mean, Anne is just like a very, I think Anne and Elizabeth are the most common like white girl middle yeah, names. Yeah, it's not hard of to that find. time. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I think it's just that Chris Claremont liked the sound of Catherine Ann and used it twice. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess he's I like, guess I did oh, do shit. that. I, did, I, I like I don't even think it I occurred just to really him. like that name. Yeah. But I yeah. But, you know, I just I don't know. There's something there. So he's like, I'm your dad. And Storm's like, oh, it's true. Actually, Jean found out and made me promise not to tell she you. She was itching. <laughs> she was itching, baby. She's like, oh, thank God this has been. <laughs> Tearing my ass up. I need to tell somebody. She's like, and guess what? Gene told me. Gene knew. Go talk to your wife. <laughs> he says, the tags are mine, Scott. The woman is my wife. The children, my sons. Uh-huh. You're lying. <laughs> yeah. 
Scott, forgive me. But Je- Jean from outside the window. No, he's not. And your wife knew. <laughs> Get her ass. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, mm, sorry, actually. Jean knew. Told me. Oh, oh, oh. Not you. I'm not married to you. Go deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were not married either, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like, yeah, your girlfriend kept that from you. Told me, though. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, oh my! Walks out. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I just love the idea of her just like scratching, itching, waiting to spill this tea. But eventually, they they sort of come together, and Corsair says, "20 years ago, Scott, yet the memory's so fresh, so vivid that sometimes I feel like it's just only happened." I was sentenced to the Star Pits. The Star Pits. There, I met Chaad, Raza, and Hepzibah. We became comrades, then friends. Eventually, we stole the Star Jammer and escaped. We've been fighting the Empire ever since fighting i used to hate it that's why i became a test pilot then joined nasa i loved flying learning not killing literally ranting (laughs) i yearned to be a scientist not a warrior look at me now you were right scott i'm not the same man i was perhaps i'm not very admirable either but i'm not ashamed of what i am or what i've done i understand dad at least i think i'm beginning to thanks for telling me and then Then strolls in. i love this scene (laughs) because she's like hey Enough of that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> she walks in in a cunty little space suit. <laughs> With a cunty little space skunk helmet. <laughs> With a helmet for her skunk head. Yes, absolutely. Modeled <laughs> fashion custom after With her like skunk head. Ears. Yes. Uh-huh. And little skunk teeth on it. <laughs> and she goes, tender scene. Pity to break it up. Duty calls. Oh, love this reunion. When will you bitches get to work? Because guess who's been flying the ship? Deathbird ship on short-range scanners. Intercept imminent. <laughs> Interested. And I love, like, in, this, in the panel before, you see her, like, strutting down, tail-waving. I love that she's like, what's going on in here? Touching reunion? <laughs> yeah, speed it up. Speed it up, babies. Deathbird ship has hey, jumped into space, and I'm uhuring at the monitor screen, and you guys are chatting during back here. a war. Me, hello, get to work. The conspiracy, as it turns out, is coordinated by Deathbird, Lalandra's <laughs> elder sister, Kelsey, who was banished from the Shi'ar Empire because she, well. Uh, murdered their mom. But, yeah. you know, I mean, like, small things that yeah. sometimes happen in disputes when your mom is racist about you having bird arms. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Don't know what to tell you. I can't be empress because I've got wings? Uh-huh. Well, you're dead now, Mom. Well, Funny story. So that's kind of what happened there. Deathbird was banished. Gypsy on a bitch. That's... <laughs> Gypsy Rose Blanchard, not the racial slur, no. to be clear. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the act. Yes. You uh-huh. Gypsy yes. Rose. The name. Gypsy Rose, yes, the person. The name. Gypsy Rose, the name. Yes. I talked to a Romani friend recently who was, I was like, is it okay to like, they were like, if it's someone's name. If it's someone's like, name. Yeah, exactly. What are we going to like? Also, is her first, full, is her full first name Gypsy Rose? Gypsy Rose, like Gypsy Rose okay, Lee. Okay, well, yeah. It, you like, say Gypsy and you Rose. knew that that woman was insane because to name your daughter after Gypsy Rose Lee to begin with. Girl, it was never going to go well. Crazy. Because like, have you seen that musical? The mother is not a character to emulate. Is there a musical called Gypsy, Gypsy? Rose? Gypsy? Oh, I thought you meant Gypsy Rose. Well, it's about Gypsy Rose Lee. It's a biographical musical about a true story. Oh. Have you never seen Gypsy? No. Oh, it's great. I've never heard of this. Everything's coming up roses for you. Oh, I do know that song. No idea what it's from. I love that. 
Yeah. Uh, Connor's going to go into deep dive and teach me about this after. Ethel Merman, and then Angela Lansbury, and then oh. Patti Lapone and Bernadette Peters did the most famous performances of that role as the mother, Mama Rose, who oh. was a stage mom. It's a, a bunch story of old about, white gays are going to eat me up. It's when they a story hear this. about a horrific stage mother who was trying to make her daughter Louise become a vaudeville star. Louise eventually becomes a burlesque star, Gypsy Rose Lee, who was a, like the most famous burlesque dancer. And that wasn't really enough for her mother. Oh. Yeah. You've heard You've heard a couple songs from it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You've heard Let Me Entertain You. You've heard Everything's oh. Coming Up Roses. Okay, you've there heard, we go. You've um, heard Rose's Turn, which is like the really famous finale. Uh, you've watched Arrested Development, right? Yeah. So like the, Mama's letting loose, Mama's getting oh, the that's okay. the that's, okay. that's, that's when Rose is like, I could be, fa- I was supposed to be famous. Or, you know, okay. or like, some people can get a thrill. It's like one of the most famous musicals of all time. I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to be, I I don't mean to be like ruining your life right now, but like it is. Connor's fuming. I'm fuming. It's by Jules Stein and Stephen Sondheim and it's pretty incredible. So uh, look it up. (laughs) Giving me the most dumb bitch looks you've ever seen. Fucking bitch. (laughs) This is not just white people. Black people know this musical. I swear to God. I'm screaming. Ask Laverne Cox about Gypsy. <laughs> she will tell you all about it. You're psycho. I'm not psycho. I'm right. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my face hurts. So, Deathbird, who is technically the rightful heir to the throne, but has been disinherited on account of murder. <laughs> Murdering colorism. Well, also, like, matricide is not great. Sure, yeah. You shouldn't kill your mom. Very, probably. Yes. <laughs> I said yes. Well, I mean, I supported Gypsy Rose Blanchard doing it. Not to be controversial. Not to be controversial. Not to be kooky crazy. I mean, well, she's in the news right now because she's out of prison and she's, like, doing her thing. I know. And I'm happy for her. I still love that fucking what's-her-face. Oh, my God, from The View. Joy Behar? Yes, the Joy Behar (laughs) quote where she's like, well... Well, debatable. And then, like, Gypsy Lamenters <laughs> has to be like, no, it's a crime. <laughs> like, right? And the way I was, like, so uh, yeah, enjoyed right? Bayard's like, 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 it was like, I mean, I did kill my mother. And it's like, uh, yeah. well, it's, a, it's like, that well, was a crime. It was yeah. like, debatable. It was, it was like, no, 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 like, it was exactly. a crime. I no, went to prison for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, if you're like, uh, I'm sorry, again, like with Megan and Nikki, if you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Google Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Her mother had Munchausen by proxy and like it was torturing her basically. And she uh, convinced a man to kill her mom because she had it going on like that. (laughs) To be honest. Witches. I mean, I'm not mad about it. Do y'all? I, yeah, like, do I, you? I, I never had it like You're that. Right, girl. So I look in the mirror. Do you have it going like that? I didn't want a parent killed, but if I had, I don't know that I would have had it like that. <laughs> I, so wasn't pulling like that. Nope. A lot of bitches in here weren't yanking. <laughs> girl. <laughs> So this is crazy. This is cr- we're crazy. We're psychotic. We're crazy people. Um, it's a Wednesday. By it's the a way. Wednesday, by the way, that we're <laughs> recording this full padded room. <laughs> it's a so cast. the X Men are in New York. This is before the tender reunion. They're in New York, and yeah. like Scott's like, "Fuck you, Corsair." You abandoned me and, like, isn't understanding what happened. Right. And then they fight Deathbird. Deathbird was introduced by Chris Claremont in the pages of Ms. Marvel, the book about Carol Danvers. Yep. She was a Carol Danvers villain like Mystique. 
once that book got canceled, Chris pulled Carol into X-Men stuff as binary. He makes the rogue plot happen where rogue steals Carol's powers and memories. Then he brings Carol in his binary and he makes Mystique and Deathbird into X-Men villains. Yeah. That's why it's not that crazy that Carol Danvers will eventually be very involved in this episode. Right, because exactly. you're like, what is she doing? I know. Here? It was like it was a lot more apparent. Like when I read that Carol was gonna be a part of this, I was like, You were why? like, why? And why? I was like, No, 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 it yeah. will make sense. Like, and then it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're all up in this. Binary is Carol's best era. So Honestly, she was serving a lot of this book. It's great design. Oh, one of like my favorite designs. Yeah. Period. It's just beautiful. And uh, I don't know. I love Carol as like a star jammer fighting with Corsair. I think it's really fun. It was a fun era to see her in. Yeah. And you know, I never go up for a Carol joint. <laughs> <laughs> they fight Deathbird and whatnot. And Scott and Corsair reconcile. But the big thing is they end up perturbed by Deathbird's new allies. A mysterious alien race called... The brood. There's the fish ship. There it is. It's a big fucking red fish in space. Big ass fish. And the brood are living in it. This is actually horrible. So the Akanti are this species of peaceful giant like space whales. No. That the brood have enslaved and they like lobotomize them and turn them into spaceships. No. I am sick of shit happening to whales in space it's bad i am just recovering from my avatar 2 trauma (laughs) don't bring me back here no i was crying i was saying i was posted in the club wailing she composed songs i i'm not a doctor who person but there's doctor who episode of the space whale that's also really sad oh god leave them alone (laughs) i'm sick of it me borderline tears over his face. No, but it's really the Akanti, it's a bummer. There's a bit later in one of these arcs where Carol like mercy kills an Akanti uh, because it's like the brood have destroyed my brain. I no, need you to kill me. Baby. And Carol like executes it like as a mercy and then is like, That's one more life the brood owe me. And I'm like, damn. Damn. Bitch. That's a hard ass <laughs> line. <laughs> Carol was giving. Oh, Carol I was lo- giving. I love era. 80s Carol. Yeah. I love both 80s Carols. I love Binary and I love the ghost Carol in Rogue's head, who's a fucking bitch. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that. <laughs> I would like scroll past and I was like, why is she eating you up? Yeah, she's always just like, I don't know, Rogue, why are you a dumb bitch? Yeah. And it's like <laughs> coming for her ass and then Rogue's like flying away crying. But it actually has a really sweet resolution. It's not relevant to this episode, but eventually in the Genosha arc, when the Genosian soldiers assault Rogue because she has no powers. Oh. It's a great story. It's really traumatic and horrible to, like, to read. But yeah. she's like having kind of a shock reaction to that. Oh, and then God. Carol in her brain goes, you got to let me drive. Oh. And Rogue's like, what? And she's like, you got to let me drive right oh, now. I can take it. Girl. And Rogue retreats and Carol takes over the body for the rest of the storyline. And like uh, she and Wolverine break out and it's like a cool, Oh God. That's the Carol I fucking love. Yeah. Like, co- oh, she's fuck. like, Oh, like 
I'll take it. You don't have to take this. You're girl. 17. Exactly. You need uh-huh. to go away somewhere exactly. right now. And I'm, I'm you, not you this. go in the house. I'm like a 35 year old soldier. The, yeah, exactly. I'm going to fight our way out of this prison uh-huh. and I'm going to kill all these guys. And you don't need to be here when I kill them. I don't like this. You don't need to. You don't need to deal with you this. You don't need baby. to be here while yeah. I kill them for what uh-huh. they're doing right now. You need to just go away for a minute because Wolverine and I are going to kill a lot of people. Baby, go sit in your room, play some games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's like making me emotional. Well, it's an inc- it's the Genosha arc of Uncanny X is one of the most incredible things Claremont yeah. ever wrote. It's simultaneously about like apartheid and yeah. like a million other. It's just really, yeah. while it, like apartheid was literally happening, yeah, right. and he was just like, "We talking about this? We yeah. should talk about this because it's happening. We should somewhere." You know, he's like, "I'm gonna someone write about it in my fucking X Men comics yeah. because someone should be talking about it. you know like." Uh. But yeah. So anyway, the Akanti, yes, they show up, and this is the first time I think that we get Karis, which I really like. Yes, because this is the first time we've really seen Hepzibah gagged. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. She's like full, like wide-eyed, like holy uh-huh. shit. Uh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Wolverine says, "I don't like it, sake. This caper's going down way too easy." Huh? What's that alarm? Look, you, Chris, the scanners. How could we have missed such a thing? And a giant red space whale uh-huh. is there. With, like, cities on it. Yeah. A cloaking device, probably. By the stars, I've heard the legends of such a craft, but I never believed. With casual, contemptuous ease, both the Starjammer and its prey are overtaken and swallowed deep within the gargantuan vessel. Matter extrudes from interior walls to form docking cradles beneath the two ships. Simultaneously, a hollow pseudopod slaps against the Starjammer's primary airlock. All aboard know what that means. And they get taken aboard by the brood. And I think that is a good moment to pause yeah. with the Screamer character uh-huh. file. Because we've been going for... We've been going for a hot minute. A while. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, quite honestly, I might carve some of that out to put on Patreon. Yeah. it's, like, not super relevant <laughs> to yeah. the... the so much fluff. Yeah. But I think we should go and do the Cerebro character file on yes. Ms. Mamzelle Hepzibah. Uh, get into Ms. Mamzelle. her full publication history from her first appearance in 1977 Learn to her. her most recent appearances briefly in the Krakoan age. There's a really great moment where she flirts with her step-granddaughter, Rachel Summers. And people were like, oh my God, like she's in a relationship with Rachel's grandfather. I'm like... She doesn't fucking know that. No, exactly. Let her flirt. Rachel's Let a, a bitch time flirt. traveler from another dimension. They're probably the same age. I know. Leave Thank it alone. You. Exactly. <laughs> She's not the same age deal. as all of his children. Yeah, it's like it's not a big deal. Let a bad bitch live. So anyway, we will go through all of that, and then we will come back for more with MX Jordan Block. We will continue through the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s when Hepzibah was a member of the X-Men, and all the other skunky little moments. All of the skunky little details. Everything in her little burrow. We're going to get in every nook, every cranny, every tunnel. Do skunks live in burrows? I guess. They do now. Sniff, sniff, bitch. Say that. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be right back. X-Men. X-Men. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. And now, Miss Candy Southern and me, your host, with a message from our sponsors. Long time no see, beautiful boys and groovy gals. The summer's just beginning, and I, for one... <laughs> oh my, that one was a whopper. What's the matter, Candy? 
Sorry, Connor, old sport. My allergies are just the pits this year. I'm afraid any ad for me is going to sound like it was recorded underwater. Have you tried Astapro over-the-counter nasal spray? It's the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray and starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, delivering full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny itchy nose, and sneezing. I've had terrible allergies this year, which is a bummer when you record a podcast for a living, but Astapro has kept me sounding crystal clear. It's got your back and your nose. And thank heavens for that. If you've got allergies like me and Candy, get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com X-Men, X-Men. Mamzelle Hepzibah is the femme fatale of the Starjammers, the Shi'ar galaxy's most notorious space pirates and freedom fighters, an escaped slave of the skunk-like alien Mephitozoid race who dedicated her life to rebellion against her former oppressors in the Shi'ar Imperium. Hepzibah is also the paramour of Corsair, Christopher Summers, long-lost father to Cyclops, Havoc, and another guy, it later turns out. Created by Dave Cockrum and integrated into the X-Men universe by Chris Claremont, Hepzibah went on to become a member of the core X-Men team team in the 21st century under writer Ed Brubaker. Hepzibah makes her debut in 1977's X-Men 107, in which the Starjammers are aiding the rebel princess Lalandra in a Shi'ar civil war against her elder brother, the Mad Emperor Deken. In his insanity, Deken intends to use the Macron Crystal, the nexus of all realities, which will cause the end of all things. Lalandra's also recruited the X-Men and their leader, her new lover, Charles Xavier, to her side of the conflict. The Starjammers and X-Men team up to stop Deken's designs on the Macron Crystal, but in the process, Jean Grey, a.k.a. Phoenix, is able to determine telepathically that Corsair is actually Scott's father. At Corsair's urging, she decides to keep this a secret from all but Corsair, who's stunned to learn his sons had survived all these years on Earth, and Storm and Hepzibah, who witnessed the exchange. By tapping the life forces of her teammates and the Starjammers, Phoenix is able to save the day. In the process, Deken is put into an apparently permanent coma by the entity called the Soldier and the more liberal Lalandra is declared Shi'ar Empress. Five years later, after Jean's death in the Dark Phoenix saga, the Starjammers return in 1982's Uncanny X-Men 154. A coup in the Shi'ar Empire has deposed Lalandra, and Corsair and his comrades, including Hepzibah, travel to Earth to alert the X-Men. Scott discovers a locket with a picture of himself and his brother Alex's children with their late mother Catherine Ann, and forces the truth from Corsair. The Summers family plane crash 20 years earlier was actually an attack by a Shi'ar scouting party, and both Christopher and Catherine Ann were enslaved. Catherine was forced to become Emperor Deken's concubine and was murdered before Chris's eyes when he rebelled. In the slave pits, Chris met Hepzibah, Cha'ad, and Raza, and they broke out to form the Starjammers. Scott's initially furious at these revelations, feeling abandoned by his father. But after the X-Men and the Starjammers defeat Lalandra's evil sister Deathbird and her new allies among the Brood, the two reconcile. Hepzibah is also there. I'm going to get a bit looser with this now because Jordan and I are about to spend literally nine hours going over every essential appearance of Hepzibah for you, and most appearances of Hepzibah are more like Hepzibah is also there. The Starjammers sort of hang around in the background over the next year of Uncanny X-Men as Claremont prepares to retire Scott from the book. After the Brood saga has once again pitted them in the X-Men against Deathbird and the titular Brood, Chris introduces Scott and Alex to their grandparents, Philip and Deborah, who run a charter plane service in Alaska. 
There, Scott meets pilot Madeline Pryor, with whom he falls madly in love. After they become engaged, Hepzibah takes Scott aside and questions whether he's truly over his lost love, Jean Grey, and if he will be able to build something satisfying with Madeline, who's a normal woman and not a superheroic adventurer. Hepzibah does not accompany Chris to Scott and Madeline's wedding, instead watching pensive on a remote camera from space as she wonders whether Chris still longs for the murdered Catherine Anne. The Starjammers return to space with a new member, Carol Danvers, formerly the Avenger Ms. Marvel, who's been transformed into the cosmic heroine Binary during the struggle against the Brood. They then return to making occasional cameo appearances, and Jordan and I will tell you about the ones to worry about. Eventually, Empress Lalandra, once again deposed from her throne by Deathbird, joins the team as well, much to Hepzibah's chagrin. As one of the last survivors of a race decimated and enslaved by the Shi'ar, Hepzibah harbors a deep loathing for the entire species, and especially for the royal family of the Imperium. When Charles Xavier is mortally wounded, he also ends up joining the Starjammers and traveling to Shi'ar space for life-saving treatment. In 1987's New Mutants 50 and 51, Charles and Lalandra interrupt the Starjammer's regular operations when Charles' student Ilyana Rasputina, aka Magic, winds up teleported into space and captured by slavers. The Starjammers end up joining her classmates the New Mutants in battling the techno-organic alien called the Magus. In the process, their ship, the eponymous Starjammer, is badly damaged, and Hepzibah is left all the more enraged by Lalandra's imposition on their hospitality. Later that year, a backup story in Classic X-Men 15 details Hepzibah and Chris's experiences in the Shi'ar slave mines. Imprisoned for alleged terrorism and horrifically brutalized by the guards for being a rebel, Hepzibah was to be executed in a particularly grisly fashion, killed like an animal and served as dinner. She was rescued by her friends Raza and Cha'ad, with a key assist from Chris Summers, who was finally able to snap out of his post-traumatic catatonia from the murder of his wife in order to prevent another woman from being killed by the cruelty of the Shi'ar Empire. Hepzibah licked his wounds closed and declared they were now bound for life. Together, the group broke free from the mines and escaped on the Starjammer. In 1990's Spotlight on Starjammers, written by Terry Cavanaugh with art by their creator Dave Cockrum, the Starjammers get their first adventure as starring players. Tasked with finding a Shi'ar legend called the Falcon before Deathbird and her forces can seize it, the Starjammers split up and travel to various planets. Hepzibah gets to show off a lot of cool powers we haven't seen before, and internal monologues from both her and Chris help us better understand the depths of their love for each other. The following year, in one of the final stories of Chris Claremont's 16-year run on the X-Men franchise, Chris and Hepzibah are among those allies to Lalandra, briefly replaced by evil War Scrolls as part of another conspiracy. Thanks to the X-Men, the War Scrolls are defeated and Lalandra is finally set back on her throne, with Deathbird's formal surrender and an end to hostilities between the sisters. A year after that, in the 1992 company-wide event Operation Galactic Storm, the Starjammers appear in the pages of Wonder Man, where they're working for Lalandra during a galactic war that's broken out between the Shi'ar and another alien empire, the Kree. Hepzibah and Raza agree to carry weapons of mass destruction for Lalandra, which Chris has a problem with. This one's a bit odd and out of character for Hepzibah, and we'll get into it. A few months after that, the Shi'ar have conquered the Kree, and a bitter Kree loyalist secretly hires Hepzibah and Raza in Avengers 350, written by Bob Harris, to assassinate the Avenger Black Knight, who had killed the Kree Supreme Intelligence during the crossover. Hepzibah feels no loyalty to the Shi'ar, who butchered her planet and enslaved her, so she's all too happy to take the money, but the plot does not succeed. In 1993, the Starjammers appear in the first arc of Scott Lobdell's run on Excalibur, in which they're hired by Lilandra to apprehend the Shi'ar war criminal Cerise. When Cerise explains she actually deserted after preventing a genocide, Hepzibah objects to Lilandra's hardline stance, and Chris ends up conspiring with Excalibur to help Cerise escape. In the end, Lilandra hears Cerise's explanation and, given the complex political realities of the situation, offers her a different sort of punishment, a life sentence at Lilandra's side as her bodyguard and advisor. 
The next few years have a number of fun cameos and short stories for the Starjammers, including a team-up with the Silver Surfer and the Incredible Hulk in the Peter David Hulk storyline, The Trojan War. It's not until 1995 that they get another big spotlight in Warren Ellis's miniseries, Starjammers. In this story, despite Lelandra's best efforts at reform, the Shi'ar Empire has begun cracking down on the Kree in a way that reminds the Starjammers of their own devastated planets. While continuing to nominally serve Lelandra, Chris and Hepzibah have secretly become coyotes ferrying refugees across the Shi'ar border into a neutral territory called called The Clench, where they will be safe. Chris grows concerned at Hepzibah's increasingly bloody tactics, as she begins killing Shi'ar forces in pursuit in situations where nonviolent action would have been possible. When war breaks out between the Shi'ar and a militant race of atheists called the Uncreated, Hepzibah sees an opportunity to strike back at the Shi'ar while they're vulnerable, much to Chris's dismay. He wants to give up the pirate life and retire with Hepzibah to enjoy the massive strides they've made in their rebellion against Shi'ar injustice, but Hepzibah has become addicted to revenge. Ultimately, Chris is forced to sever Hepzibah's control of the weapon systems when she attempts to interrupt the stated plan and strike first against the uncreated, a move that would have invariably led to the genocide of the entire Shi'ar species. Left to dwell on how far she's fallen, Hepzibah is ashamed of herself, furious with her lover, and unsure of their future together. This book's great. We will talk about it for like a full hour later in the episode. When we see the Starjammers again a few years later, it's business as usual, and Hepzibah and Chris seem to have patched things up. They come into conflict with Wolverine over a situation involving Galactus that you do not need to worry about, and then they team up with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four to fight Galactus in a miniseries called Galactus the Devourer. Hepzibah looks incredible in that one. It's not until 2004 that the Starjammers get another spotlight in a miniseries called Starjammers written by Kevin J. Anderson that is very confusing and frankly might not even be Earth-616 canon. Hepzibah appears in this story leading a rebellion in a distant galaxy as she and Cha'od and Raza were separated from Chris and caught up in another galactic conflict. You don't have to worry about this one. A few years later, Hepzibah gets her biggest push as an individual character in Ed Brubaker's run on Uncanny X-Men. In the 2007 storyline Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, Lelandra's rule over the Imperium is rocked by the return of her brother Dekan, and a political marriage between Deathbird and Gabriel Summers, aka Vulcan, a psychopathic Omega-level mutant who has recently been revealed in a retcon, the story Deadly Genesis, as the third Summers brother, Chris and Catherine Ann's unborn child who was taken when Catherine Ann was murdered and rapidly aged with Shi'ar technology to serve as a slave. Vulcan has rejected Earth and allied himself with Dekan, much to Chris and Hepzibah's disgust. As the Starjammers and the X-Men attempt to aid Lelandra in retaking her throne, Vulcan turns on Dekan and murders him, claiming the throne himself as Deathbird's husband. When Chris objects, Vulcan murders his own father in cold blood. Hepzibah, driven to murderous rage, plans a suicide attack with her new comrade-in-arms, the X-Man James Proudstar, a.k.a. Warpath. But Lelandra interferes, as the X-Men must return to Earth to save Charles Xavier's life. She forces the ship to divert to Earth in a crash landing, leaving Hepzibah stranded far from home. Despairing at the death of Chris, she declares she has no interest in returning to Shi'ar space, and over the next several months she grows closer with James and becomes a member of the X-Men. James and Hepzibah are tapped by Storm to join her on a mission into the Morlock Tunnels, where the recent decimation has has caused chaotic political upheaval. In the process of this adventure, Hepzibah becomes good friends with Storm and reveals her developing romantic interest in James, who reciprocates after they have Scott's blessing. Hepzibah then serves alongside the X-Men during the crossover World War Hulk and becomes part of the new X-Force team during the franchise-wide event Messiah Complex. It's during that conflict that cracks begin to show in Hepzibah and James's relationship, as he's overprotective in a way she finds patronizing. After the event concludes, when James secretly continues to serve with X-Force, Hepzibah is excluded from the team and their relationship 
relationship appears to end. Still, Hepzibah continues to live alongside her mutant friends as they set up their new home in San Francisco, and becomes a reliable cameo queen for the next several years all through the Utopia era whenever the X-Men are doing something. In Kieran Gillen's 2010 miniseries Sword, she's one of many alien heroes deported from Earth by Henry Peter Gyrick, but the situation is ultimately resolved. Sometime later, apparently single again, she engages in a flirtation and implied dalliance with Namor the Submariner during the company-wide event Avengers vs. X-Men. After the fall of Utopia in that story, Hepzibah's not seen again until 2014, when she's once again serving aboard the Starjammer alongside a mysteriously resurrected Christopher Summers. In the all-new X-Men arc, The Trial of Jean Grey by Brian Michael Bendis, the Starjammers help the teenage 60s X-Men, who've traveled through time to the present, defend young Jean from charges of future crime by the Shi'ar. Teen Scott is flabbergasted to discover his father is not only alive, but also a space pirate, and once Jean has been acquitted, he decides to travel the universe with his dad. This leads directly into a Cyclops solo series initially written by Greg Rucka, in which Teen Scott finally gets to bond with his dad and his stepmom Hepzibah like a normal kid. This series is wonderful. We will talk about it a lot toward the end of the episode. It turns out Chris was restored to life when Hepzibah refused to take no for an answer and sought out black market solutions, eventually securing an experimental and highly illegal nanomachine treatment that revived him. It has made him reliant on these artificially intelligent robo-drugs to survive, however, and the Starjammers have once again been forced into a life of piracy on the high stars. After the end of the Cyclops series, the Starjammers make a number of fun cameos in their usual mode. Following the 2019 soft reboot, House of X and Powers of Ten, by writer Jonathan Hickman, Hickman uses the characters in the first issues of both his ongoing series, X-Men and New Mutants. We see that Chris and Hepzibah have been more thoroughly integrated into the contemporary Summers family, and honestly, it's very sweet. Hepzibah does flirt with Rachel, but I'm not confident she understands Rachel is related to Chris. To be fair to her, many people are probably confused about this. Before we get back to the regular episode, I just want to address a point that in editing this episode, I realized I only ever alluded to in our broader conversation because it is a difficult and heavy topic to get into on a lighthearted X-Men podcast. Like with many characters over this franchise's long history, Hepzibah's story resonates intentionally with both Black and Jewish experiences of oppression, as Jordan and I discuss at different points in this episode. Hepzibah's story also resonates enormously, especially in the current moment, with the struggle of the Palestinian people. If you are moved by her story on that level, I encourage you to advocate for and donate to those presently suffering in Gaza. Thank you for humoring me for a moment. On that more serious note, we now return to nine hours of impassioned yelling about a sexy fictional skunk woman from space. X-Men, X-Men. And we're back. Hello. I hope you enjoyed the character file on Mamzal Hepzibah. Oh my gosh, did you guys love it? Was it so good? It was probably more coherent than the first hour and a half of this podcast oh, episode because we kind of be. <laughs> jumped all over the place. And honestly, the Shi'ar Empire and the Star Jammers are a lot to explain to people who maybe don't know what we're talking about. So I think yeah. that is our bad a little bit but now that's why i was like let's pause because we got to the whales the space yeah. whales and i was like you know what i need a mental refresh i'm like let me explain that to the people thank you in like let's give them a, a narrative primer. form so that yeah. then we can just riff and and it's not exactly insane ground yourselves first and then meet us here in the psych ward where we live jordan and i during the break were looking at some of their notes because they as always have written comprehensive notes for this episode baby bullet sub bullet sections table of contents why don't you read the one (laughs) that you read oh my god yes so whenever i'm doing my notes i have this like section that is just like general thoughts it's the general section overarching thoughts on the character and i don't remember writing this but at some point i wrote down all she wants to do is fuck on her man and hate on birds 
And that's so real. And who among that's us? A, who, who among us can't say the same? Who among us doesn't want to do both those things? Who among us hasn't? Frankly. <laughs> say that. That one bitch from the birds sure does. <laughs> the way I was about to say Minnie Ripperton, not her name. No, Minnie Ripperton is Maya Rudolph's mom. <laughs> Loving you, One of singer. my favorite yeah. songs of all time. <laughs> who I am intimately familiar with her work. Fifi Tipton, what the fuck is her name? That bitch from the birds. Do you mean Tippy Hedren? Tippy Hedren. Dakota Johnson's grandmother? It. You mean yeah. the movie The Birds? Yes. I thought you were talking about like a band or something. No. I was thinking of Hitchcock. Okay, you didn't know Gypsy last time we were talking <laughs> about I this. And I don't know Tippy Hedren. Okay, no. well, you should. Tippy Hedren is Melanie Griffith's mother, and Melanie Griffith is Dakota oh, Johnson's mother. And that's, that's the why three she's generations always talking, of Nepo Baby yeah, that I was talking three generations about when we Nepo. were talking about Madam I knew Webb. she had a famous white grandmother. I didn't know who. Well, now you do. There we go. Tormented by Alfred it. Hitchcock, but that performance is great. Yeah. He like threw literal birds at her, like on set. I bet he's psycho. <laughs> he was. And you know what? Made great movies. Yep. Uh-huh. The autobiographical film, Psycho. Yeah. Natasha Leone was on Conan O'Brien's podcast the other week. And she. Uh, my queen. I mean, my true queen. My queen. I, I, There's no one better in the world. I had a cigarette with her once at Paley Fest. I would kill myself because I'm never <laughs> experiencing joy like that again. Like not. She would not remember this probably. It was just like I was online at Paley Fest and she was having she a cigarette. She thinks about it every night when no, she goes to No, but she was sleep. having a cigarette and I was like, holy shit, this is Natasha Leone. So I, I just like. And um, this was like 10 years ago. I don't remember exactly. It was when Orange is the New Black season one was happening because they were doing a oh, Paley yeah, yeah, Fest yeah. event. And I went up to her. She's like tiny. She's like five foot Oh tall. my gosh. I'm sure she's just a little woodland elf. Yeah. She was having a cigarette, obviously. And so I was like, I'm going to have a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Up a conversation. Now I need That's to have one. That's what cigarettes are for. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. Right. So I said to her, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope this isn't weird, uh, but I'm, I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan since I was a kid when you were a kid, you know, and I've always been really rooting for you and it's exciting to see you make this comeback i hope that's not weird to say and she was like that's not weird to say at all i needed to make a comeback <laughs> i love your voice for her <laughs> but so she was on conan o'brien's uh podcast the other week and she was talking about how like looking back at great art there's like time crimes time crimes i love time crimes yeah and like last tango in paris and how like what happened on that set was fucked up and she was like but you know i mean it's really that's my feeling on hitchcock i'm just sort of like great art yeah time crimes if those women sue his estate i think <laughs> justice like the for them alive i approve justice for them great films <laughs> And I support them yeah. also. I'll sign whatever letter they need me to. Yeah, we're going to, uh, we're going to, actually, we're going to get on this uh, subject again. There's several people I'm like, no, get his ass. Get his ass. But love also, that I, I love that shit. Yeah, <laughs> love no, that I mean, yeah. we're going to talk about Warren Ellis's Star Jammers yes. in a couple oh, hours. Exactly. So, yeah, Very I much mean, get his ass. Get his ass. Phenomenal but also, book. Like, phenomenal book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one hurts. I don't trust any men to begin with. No, so it's baby. Like, you know, uh -uh. You're but, not only on thin ice, like you're in the water. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a no. Anyway, so when last we left our skunky heroine, true uh, confessions. True confessions of a teenage skunk. Jordan and I needed to uh, to pause for a moment. So I feel like you know. You know. You, you know, know how this goes at this You point. know how this goes. Uh, I have to leave sometimes. Jordan has to leave sometimes. Jordan's very popular. Jordan has places to be. I have things to do. I have birds to hate. But Jordan has arrived today in... A very skunky outfit. It's very cute. It's a woven dress that's very uh -huh. chic. It's made it of is. skunk fur. <laughs> <laughs> Faux. <laughs> yeah, I Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's uh, but it is black and sort of a, a nice soft gray. I call it Hepzibah Gray. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> gray. Oh, a drag name Hepzibah Gray. Hepzibah Gray. Yes. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm like, has she and Jean really ever been in a scene together? Ooh. I guess that one time that... Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The one time that she peeked in. Yes, when, when <laughs> yeah, Corsair fine. was like, wait, I'm his dad? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what's going on over there? Hmm. Why is she looking at him like that? So last time we were sort of explaining poorly who Hepzibah is but yeah. I, I think you've got the gist now especially now that we're through you the know her and you know this girl you know my girl we got up to it's not the brood saga proper but it's sort of the beginning of the brood saga yeah uh, we were up to the Akanti space whale ship gagging them all Hepzibah, gagging the them all on the Hepzibah space whale ship like, wow and is like gagged by something <laughs> right yeah What's going on in that story, if we didn't, I, I can't remember if we actually explained what was happening, is that Lalandra has been kidnapped by separatists who are working for Deathbird. Deathbird is in league with the Brood, which, look, I like Deathbird. Yeah. This is a pro-Deathbird household. Absolutely. Much like last week's episode where Kandra teamed up briefly with Hydra during World War II to try and get a hold of that gem she needed, teaming up with the Brood is... It's bad. It's, so, yeah, you know, it's not it's good. Regrettable. You're never in your best era when you're right. teaming up so, with the brood. You know, I uh, yeah. I choose forgiveness. Exactly. With my supervillain asses, bitch. It's, it's not great. Bitch, I did the Necra episode. You yeah. know. <laughs> you know, I'll give a bad bitch some slack. Right. So, you know, I mean, honestly, on a scale of the Grim Reaper to Adolf Hitler, looking at the Necra and yeah. Kandra uh-huh. examples. <laughs> the Necra to Can- the Kandra scale. Uh, Actually, Necker had that moment with Adolf Hitler, too, with yeah. Mount Rushmore. So, you know, like, everybody has their <laughs> their Hitler moment. Famously, everyone does. I think every supervillainess, let's say, I, in the 70s, yeah. has oh, a Hitler yeah. moment. Baby, get so specific. Well, I mean, I certainly have never had a Hitler moment. My God. <laughs> Connor Goldsmith? Connor Goldsmith? I don't think I'm allowed to have a Hitler moment. <laughs> yeah, that was, I'd have questions. <laughs> I'd have deep questions. <laughs> <laughs> Pressing questions. There is not a table revenue for those questions. RIP to the red table. It's crazy that like uh, soon I that know. reference won't make sense to people anymore. I know. You'll have to have been on the internet in that specific like uh, four year yeah. span. You know what? RIP, but I'm happy we laid her to rest because I know enough about them. It was a little much. And yeah. I look, I'm a I've always been a Jada Pinkett fan. Absolutely. Since like woo. They used to play Woo on Comedy Central like every other day. But yes, I do now know officially too much. Yeah. About no. all those people. I can know less now. Yeah, I yeah. need to know less I've about everything that goes on in their lives. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Um, so, yes, Deathbird, the brood. Not yes. great. Even if you're really mad at your sister, don't team up with the brood. They are, yeah. like, literally a species that lives only for genocide and cannibalism from yeah. another dimension. So, like, maybe not. <laughs> there is so many steps <laughs> yeah. before you go to and the like, brood. And, you know, and I get that she's coming from the context of the Shi'ar Imperium, which is, like, not great. Yeah. I mean, it's never, you're never in your best self when you're countering genocide with genocide. Right. That. <laughs> uh, knock, knock. Topical. <laughs> There's some people I'd like to deliver that message Woo! to personally. Well, mm. <laughs> Just sit in that for a moment, <laughs> Benjamin. Oof. Uh, but it's hard not to think about it. In all of these stories, you know right? it is hyper present <laughs> everywhere. It, well, it is, but everywhere also we like look. these comics specifically 
Hepzibah is from a genocided population, and oh, yeah. all she wants to do is genocide oh, absolutely. the people she feels oppressed uh-huh. her. She's like, I, I will be damned if I don't. Right, like revenge genocide is uh-huh. sort of her whole MO. I am so excited when we get to like a really topical time in this. It is not a Jordan Block episode if I don't have to call my girls in for a moment. I mean, you thought we had to pay well the Nikki versus Megan conversation Ooh. earlier. We're, we can't get into the Star Jammers and Hamas. We just yeah. We really can't. <laughs> Baby, it'll get so hot. I won't be allowed back at Boca Raton. <laughs> <Could you>? uh, <laughs> Anyway, right, so the brood. Point is, it doesn't go great. And actually, it goes so poorly because the X-Men get involved. Particularly, Storm has gotten involved, which, you know, she's really fucking powerful because Chris Claremont is fully in his Storm as the main character now. Yes, I'm in love with her. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, Gene is dead. Yeah. So we're post-Dark Phoenix, so he's like, well... I need a new bad bitch now. now. It's, it, well, it's just, now it's purely the Storm show. Oh, it's absolutely. It's been a two-woman show, and now uh-huh. it's a one-woman yeah, show, so, right? Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. So, and he's, you know, he's uh, just dropped in Kitty Pride. He's like, she's going to be the junior... He will be damned if he doesn't let us know who his star. favorite child right. is. Yeah, like, he just has his way. Yeah. He has his girls. He's already trying to find a way to write Cyclops out because, like, the <laughs> Lee Forrester plot is <laughs> you and me both brother. around here, <laughs> and we're about to meet Maddie. Uh-huh. So, like, he's working on sunsetting Scott, making Storm yes. the main character. Ah, uh, taste. <laughs> it all goes really pear shaped for the Brood. Like, the Akanti ship is being rocked, and they're really annoyed. So they actually turn on Deathbird, which is funny to me. Like, Deathbird is so adversarial and like hard to get along with oh yeah that even the brood are like this bitch is a liability she's getting on our nerves <laughs> like, yes. like the brood are like you're a little much <laughs> you're, you're doing a lot right yeah, now so, <laughs> uh because of internal strife between Deathbird and the brood and the team up of the x-men and the star jammers the day is saved the lander is rescued and everybody goes down to earth to hang out for a while this leads into the following issue where Carol Danvers, who's also around in this era, she's lost her powers because of Rogue. She's lost all her memories. Xavier was able to restore her memories, but she has no emotional connection to any of them. Mm. So she's having basically like a dissociative episode at all times, and she's really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so she's trying to find purpose. She has no powers anymore. And... She looks at her parents and is like, those are strangers. This is weird. Like, I remember everything, but I don't feel anything. She's just having a really chill yeah, time. Yeah, really tough time. So she's training with the Star Jammers and Dr. Peter Corbeau, the uh, X-Men's astronaut friend. And, you know, she is really impressive still because she's another one of Chris's darlings. The reason she lost her powers and everything is because Ms. Marvel, a book that Chris was writing, got canceled. Oh, yeah. So he has now folded her into X-Men and mm. he's already setting up her transformation into binary, right. which was his attempt to make her an x-men character who he could just keep in x-men yeah. because he didn't trust anyone else to do anything to do with her, her frankly yeah. well i mean and he had reason not to trust because the stuff that they did to carol dambers in the avengers book oh carl yeah was fucking crazy uh-huh. so you know um anyway that's all set up here and this issue 158 involves a fun non-hepsibah related knockdown drag out fight 
at like the Pentagon between <laughs> Carol and Rogue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rogue still in her butch terrorist era. Oh my God, baby, her hair in this era. <laughs> I was like, ooh, grow it out, Queen. Grow it out. Yeah, she will as soon as she's yeah. not evil. That's uh-huh. sort of one of her first decisions yeah. that she makes. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, she is her mother's daughter. Yeah. The important thing for the Star Jammers this issue is that Scott takes Corsair to meet Alex and mm. Lorna. He's like, hey, Alex, I found our dad in space. And it's like a really weird moment for them. Hey, I have some news. Yeah. And so they are sort of figuring out what to do about that and trying to get to know each other when a banquet occurs a couple issues later in honor of Lalandra before she's going back to Shi'ar space. Yeah. Except that Lalandra and the X-Men are attacked by Deathbird and the Brood again. When are they not? Carol Danvers is also adapted alongside them. This is how she becomes binary because the Brood torture and experiment on her and yeah. it activates this like cosmic power within her. Ooh. With Carol's help, the planet the Brood have colonized gets destroyed. Yeah. And uh, the X-Men beam aboard the Starjammer. This brings everybody back together again. And now, after the Brood saga, the actual like Brood saga has ended. This is a big story that we'll talk about more in other episodes. And we have talked about more in other episodes, but it's not super germane to this one. Once that's resolved, Corsair invites Scott to come with him and become one of the star jammers if he wants to. Mm. But first he's like, I looked up your grandparents and your mom's folks have died, but my parents are still alive in Alaska. Would you like to go meet them? And Scott can't believe he has grandparents because he grew up as like an orphan in Mr. Sinister's fucked up orphanage. But he's like, yeah. So they go to meet the grandparents in Alaska. And that is when they meet, Madeline Pryor. Uh-huh. And that whole story kicks up. Yeah. This is relevant to Hepzibah because Hepzibah is disquieted to some extent seeing Chris reconnect with his kids because she has nothing. Like her whole planet got yeah. destroyed. And she's built this life with him in space. And she starts to get nervous about like him wanting to go back. Oh, did you read that? I didn't pick up on that. Because of this, what she says at the wedding. Uh Uh-huh. But we'll get there in a second. Yeah. First, there is an interesting moment when Scott takes Madeline up to the Starjammer to, like, see the Earthrise. We talk about this in the Madeline episode. They're, like, kissing in a romantic moment before the stars. Oh, wait, are we in romances? Yeah, we're in romances. We're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is um, 175. Okay, right? cool. This yeah. is where my notes pick yeah. up. Scott and Maddie by this point are engaged. Uh huh. They are up on the ship mm-hmm. looking at space. Maddie's a pilot, so the idea of like being on a spaceship is really exciting to her. Yeah. And there is something also like, you know, Claremont creates Maddie as a way to give Scott a happy ending and write him out. Mm-hmm. That was the idea initially. Right. It does seem like very honeymoon. Yeah, and having established that Chris was a pilot and the plane crash backstory that was so traumatic for Scott to give him a happy ending where he falls in love with a lady pilot who can fly them around 
because Scott's always been fascinated by planes, always loved them until this horrible thing happened when he was a kid. And now it's like healing. Right. Yeah. But so they're kissing. They're having like a romantic moment. I love this panel. And <laughs> it's so good. Corsair goes, <clears throat> Mr. Summers. Hi, Dad. Mademoiselle Hepzibah. And I love that. I love that Scott feels the need to call his stepmother. I know. Full name. Full, name. <laughs> full first Always. and last name. Full fake first and last name. Yes. And I'm like, you fucking dweeb. We uh, didn't realize anyone else was around. Oh, and then Hepzibah. Shame to quit on our account, Kitlings. Specifically when you look like you're having so much fun. Spock's ideas. A Corsair. Horny. <laughs> Later. Later. <laughs> Chris, later. <laughs> and have Savala goes, yay, can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't it's wait. a yeah with an A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, can't, yeah wait. can't wait. I love this. <laughs> Scott was showing me the view. Like father, father like, like son. son. Yum. Yum. <laughs> what the fuck? Hepzibah. That's Scott. Which I think I is really funny. <laughs> He's like, girl. She's in heat in this scene, and I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> Madeline says that the Star Jammer is like a dream come true because she's been flying planes since before she could drive a car. This is where Maddie starts talking about all her memories of childhood that later turn out to be fake, which retroactively is incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. Corsair offers to go take her the tour, and she says, you and the Star Jammer is your dream come true. Mm-hmm. Scott says, Madeline's my dream come true, Hepzibah. And then, oh. So I hear doubting voice, Scott boy. Easy to talk. Caring, loving, far harder to share blood. You'd die for her, Scott boy. Or she for you, like Corsair did long ago for me. I love this. Because, like, Hepzibah immediately clocking, like, Scott's doubt and vacillation. And that Scott's going to be not good in yeah. this relationship. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, like, has known this boy for probably all of, like, ten minutes. They've spent roughly, like, three hours yeah. together. Yeah, oh, exactly. And... Just heps about out of anyone going like, mm, mm. I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Uh-uh. I well, already know how you summer also, boys because are. Scott, I mean, it is like father, like son. Scott is a widower, right? Because Jean is dead. Like, they oh, were yeah. not married, but they were engaged. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know a thing or two about being the wife of a man whose wife has died. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. And right. you don't seem ready to move uh-huh. on to also, me. Also, I'm sure she's like, hey- um, are we going to talk about how your new wife looks exactly, exactly like the like last the one? one? Actually, like <laughs> something we could maybe yeah, discuss. Uh-huh, exactly. But because one thing my... you'll say for Hepzibah, she doesn't look a thing like Catherine Ann. Uh, wait, uh, yeah, they... <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Catherine Ann she's a, a skunk. Human, <laughs> so that's like they're already going way out. I mean, I guess they're both blonde, theoretically, if you count Hepzibah's white hair as mm-hmm. blonde. But otherwise... I also, like, love this, like, beginning characterization of Hepzibah. Like, she's clocking everything. Uh-huh. She's a servant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. To survive in the Shi'ar slave pits oh. after your species has been exterminated, you yeah. have to be pretty fucking... Perceptive. Perceptive. <laughs> uh-huh. and tough. Yeah. Scott says, what do you mean? My dad's not dead. Came close. So did I. Forged bonds that'll never break. Hope you do the same with Lynn, Scott boy. Ah. <laughs> uh. Like I said, Chris Claremont loves a weird nickname, and they tr- yeah. he tried for a couple issues, like Scott calls Madeline Lynn. Oh, it doesn't, uh, yeah. It uh-huh. doesn't stick. It took a minute for me to pick up Lynn. Yeah. yeah. It's, they it start, Initially, he calls her Lynn, and then it shifts to Maddie over time. Mm-hmm. He couldn't really decide what nickname he wanted to go with, and uh-huh. so he floats it around. I also, like, love this reference, like, 
came close. So die. Forge bonds you'll never break. Hope you do the same with Lynn Scott boy. Like, I feel like she's referencing, like, I know you and Jean right. were like side by side on the front well, line. She saw the Macron crystal. Right, incident. exactly. She was there. Exactly. So, like, she's like, so, uh-huh. and part of what she's asking, I think, is uh-huh. can this human woman who isn't yep, part of exactly. your adventures uh-huh. satisfy you? Yep, exactly. Your father and I uh-huh. are literally space pirates yeah. together. And you and your wife were galactic superheroes. And now you're marrying this woman who's nice. Uh huh. But like, hope are you, do- you going to be content with yeah, this? Yeah, hope you do well by her. Right. Uh-huh. I, and she likes Madeline. She's oh, like, yeah. I hope, you know, you behave yourself. Absolutely. Again, all of this, knowing this man for like three hours. Yeah, no, she gets it. Uh-huh. She talks to him immediately. And you have to, to date a Summers. Absolutely. Yes. And the thing you got to say, you got to give it to have like, Oh, absolutely. Lorna, she and Alex have been broken up for a long time now. Yeah. Gene and Scott and Emma uh-huh. and Scott, it's a whirlwind with them. Baby, if you want to talk about a ride or die in the Summers family, Hepzibah's the only has one. has been with a Summers the, Longer than any bitch here. 50 years. Longer than any bitch here. She gets it. Uh-huh. The only time she wasn't with him was because he, he was dead. And honestly, if I were with a Summers man for 50 years, I'd do a little genocide too. I mean, Gene did. Exactly. (laughs) Let's connect the common threads. I'm not saying the Summer's boys are responsible for women doing genocide, but I'm not not saying it. I'm not not saying that it was a factor. Thank you. I'm just stating a pattern. We next see her during the wedding. This is really interesting. It's the coda. This is the transition uh, in artists between Paul Smith and John Romita Jr. is John Romita Jr. draws the wedding sequence mm-hmm. and then he takes over as the artist. Honestly, also, I just want to pause. This book, God, what is it? Um, what's the number of this 175. one 175. 174 to 175. The art is fucking gorgeous. Oh, this is some of the best. Paul Smith, John Paul Romita Smith. Jr., Mark Silvestri, that run is uh, like, to me, those are the three. And like, going from like, the 160s to this yeah. i was like this is like i want these panels framed they're so beautiful paul smith was an unorthodox choice when they chose yeah. him because it's not marble house style really but no. the reason that these it's so much more romantic so, which i think thing, feels well for the title of romance it's a romance comic and yeah. he drew, he comes in and draws all of the madeline mm-hmm. and scott romance stuff and also all of wolverine and marco's stuff yeah. and you just are like wow and i think it does such a great service to the work. Mm-hmm. It's also just while we're on the topic of things I ship, mm-hmm. the Madeline Scott romance begins in the same issue where he draws the duel between Callisto and Storm in the sewers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is also very gorgeous and charged. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, all, <laughs> it's one of the horniest fights I in mean, human my history. Callisto and Storm action figures hold hands on the show oh, because that's how it is. I've in been my campaigning household. for this yeah. for over a decade. <laughs> it's very like, serious. I love Yukio, but for me, it's a story. This is oh, a Storm baby. and Callisto household. It They're just wives is. to they me. They are married and have been <laughs> since Storm stabbed her. Thank, y- thank you. Like when Callisto was like, you have to wear my jacket uh-huh. now because you those the were, Morlock. That knife, those were vows. Marriage. Those are lesbian yes. vows. <laughs> right. Corsair attends Scott and Madeline's wedding with his parents because his parents, this is 
go back to the Madeline episode, all 18 hours of it, or just the first part. Also, I just love in any read the moment where I get to see Madeline punch the shit out of Scott. Yes! Uh, yes. I'm just like, take me back. Take, take me, me back, back here. You, you know see, I love it did here. Did you see on Instagram the Cerebro fan who got that panel tattooed on his thigh? Oh, let's celebrate a king. I... Was get he tagged me, he tagged Chris Claremont. Iconic. I was like, Iconic. And it's so beautifully done. The artist, like, it's the Paul Smith punch panel, and it's like right on his thigh. Some beautiful gay. Uh, He was like, I I was like, I want a new tattoo, and I was just trying to decide. And I, and what moment universally brings us joy? Yeah, and like, your show made me realize that how much I love Madeline Pryor. So Uh, I got this tattoo, and I was like, this honestly (laughs) moves me. I will, I will cry. Yeah. So, um, uh, anyway. Congrats, King. We love yes, you. Yes, we love you. We love that. I, fr- I'm, I can't think of your name right now. I'm so sorry. But uh, I shared it on the Twitter. Uh, the, not the Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. I shared it on the Instagram. So uh, Find it there. Find it, I guess. Or it's stories. They disappeared. This is the problem with it's, Instagram. This is the but, problem with you stories. You know, I mean, it's fine. Well, uh, the point is, it was a moment. <laughs> it was. It. Uh... What's interesting here is, like, so Corsair attends. He does wear his headband so that you know it's Corsair. And I'm like, take the headband take off, Take the Chris. fucking headband off at the wedding, Doesn't psycho. match your tux, first I know, of all. right? <laughs> exactly. Fucking Rambo at his son's wedding, I love psycho. this wedding sequence because it cuts to all the happy couples. And looking at them is really funny, like, during the vows. Because it's Kurt and Amanda, who uh-huh. I do love. But they are technically foster siblings, so, like, some people don't love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Oh, come on. Did you listen to my Amanda Sefton episode? No, I didn't. Okay, I will. I will. You should, first okay. of all, because she's so cunt. But also, <laughs> like, I will convince you that it's okay. 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 I'm open. I don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> I mean, I will make you care. I'm excited. But then it cuts to, I, I forget the exact order, but, like, it's also Charles and Landra who, like, that's drama. Beyond. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, and then girl, beyond. Sean and Moira, who are cute back then, but retroactively... Yeah, it's yeah, really uh-huh. funny. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. looking back now, yeah, looking back now, you're like, mm. with what we know. But the Ooh. thing that's really interesting is that after Chris, who's sitting with his behind his parents, mm-hmm. thinks if only Kate had lived to see this day, thinking yeah. about his late wife, it immediately cuts to the Star Jammer, mm-hmm. and the narration says, "And watching from synchronous orbit, Christopher Summers his fellow Star Jammers." Chris thinking about wife, Scott Boy's mother. Raza and Chaad are there, and Karee and Sikorsky, the weird little robot guy. Mm, and uh, uh-huh. they all comfort her. Like, the fact that he loved his wife who's right. dead doesn't yes, mean he doesn't exactly. love you. Uh-huh. And it's an important thematic point that Claremont makes throughout the issue because, mm-hmm. like, Scott says the same thing at Jean's grave before yeah. the wedding. He's like, I loved you. I always will. Yes. I love Madeline, and I'm going to try to build something new with right. her. Yeah. Again, the issue opens like father, like son. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this idea that Scott is doing what his father mm. did or trying to. Yeah. It doesn't work out for him as well as it worked out for Chris and Hapsabon, fortunately. Yeah. I, so I saw this, and I think, like, in this moment, she's definitely like, Oh, what would that mean? It's a moment of fear. I don't yes, think she actually I think it's a moment thinks he would ever no. leave. It's just like exactly. she gets anxious. And I don't, I, my thing is like, I haven't picked up on this anywhere outside of the panel. So I think it's like, for me, I read it as like, she's very secure in their relationship, but who wouldn't have this thought exactly. when this is happening? It's natural. It's very human. Exactly. And I think the point, the important thing is. And also is, like, 
sometimes you have to entertain like you've had a big life shift yeah like have your priorities changed because of this but I didn't like take it as like from the meeting of Scott she's had this fear like no in the no I yeah. but I do think that it's it's it dovetails with the whole thing of like he's met his children He's reconnecting with his parents. Yeah. Will he want to stay on Earth? Yeah. I think, like, I'm really glad that there's this moment, but I think... He doesn't stay on Earth, so she's fine. But it's a moment of fear that I think is interesting. Yeah. And I think, like, the lack of it in, like, the surrounding issues and the fact that it's just, like, encapsulated to this moment makes it, like, really human. Yeah. But I think, like, the strength and solidity that, like... Otherwise, outside of this, it's not really present. I think that sets the relationship really up really well for what happens later. Yeah, and I think that what's interesting about it for me is that you didn't need to have this panel. Yeah. Chris Claremont took the time right. to be like, what is Hepzibah feeling about right. this way? exactly. And that, I think, is interesting. I really love that. And I think it's also, like, it shows which i think like is again really helpful and like adds so much color for what comes later that like the strength of their relationship isn't built on like a lack of being tested right they're tested all the time exactly and i think like it gives like this peek into it of like again it's a summer's man of course this relationship is being tested constantly mm -hmm. when some other things happen later like it speaks really really beautifully about like the foundation that they're working with. Yeah, I yeah. agree. The thing I think is interesting is that all of these other couples are at the wedding together and it seems clear that Chris didn't ask Hepzibah to come with him. To yeah. The right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I think she is having this moment of like, does he not want his parents to meet the me? skunk wife? Yeah. Uh-huh. Does he not want people to see us together at this wedding? Am mm. I too weird to be yeah. at this wedding with mm -hmm. all these humans? But at the same time, the fact that he's wearing his dumb headband, yeah. he doesn't fit in there anymore either. Exactly. Right? So like yeah. it's it's I mean, I would also I would be annoyed if uh -huh. I were her and he yeah. didn't say, You need to get a beautiful dress. I'm gonna take you to my son's wedding. Uh -huh. She's watching it on closed circuit from space. Right. Uh -huh. Which I would feel a way about if I'd been with this yeah. man for ten years. Right. And I think like I like this. I like it at the same time, though, because it also gives her, like, an identity that's separate from him. Yes, it lets her have a thought. And I think, again, it sets up, like, the story really well for later that's, like, she, like, wants this life mm -hmm. that she's in. And, like, I don't know if he chose it or if she did, if, like, she feels more comfortable there. Right. Because she's not and we've never seen her be a domestic wife on earth right she's a space pirate yeah yeah and like we don't even know what methidazoid culture is like exactly do they even have marriage like mm -hmm. we don't know anything really about her species right. so she's trying to fit into the norms he would expect of a partner while also uh -huh. creating the life that she wants yeah. for them and that's going to become really important. Yeah. Later and on. I think, I just think having her not invited to the wedding, yeah. watching the wedding, kind mm -hmm. of being like, 
uneasy about it and also yeah. immediately knowing because they are that connected mm -hmm. that he's thinking about Catherine. Yeah, absolutely. She sees him on the screen and she's like, he's mm -hmm. thinking about her. Yeah, uh-huh. And he is because we've yeah. just seen him in the panel before thinking about her. So yeah. it underlines the strength of their relationship and absolutely. that it's not just, oh, my exotic Totally. Wife of skunk. Gun toting, like, you know, pirate skunk wife. She's not just a fetish object for yes, him. Like, they exactly. have a real relationship. Absolutely. And, and it's I like, that's it good. infuses so much nuance in two panels. Yeah. It's just, it's a great economy of page kind of thing. Yeah. The following year, they have a brief cameo in New Mutants 19, which is just relevant because it means that Bill Sinkevich draws Hepzibah in a couple panels. Yes. <laughs> Which is New fun. Bob style. Always yeah, love that. She's got like a much uh, fluffier, more feathered uh -huh. bob going on. Yep. I also love watching her gradually grow out her bob. Yes, because yes. her hair just starts to grow over uh -huh. time. I love this hair journey. She goes through a lot of different hair moments. The here. Star Jammers detect Warlock flying through space and the Magus and all of that stuff that's mm. going to be a, a plot in New Mutants. But. Honestly, Hepzibah and the others are somewhat overshadowed in these pages by binary. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. It's, it's the binary show here. Bill Sienkiewicz drawing binary with her hair going out as flames to every corner of the panel is just yeah. going to take up most of the attention <laughs> she, on a page. She is using all the panel space. Yeah, and she deserves to. Yeah, so right. the next big story that Hepzibah factors into is when Lalandra and... Chris go down to save Xavier during the trial of Magneto in issue 200 and 201 and all of that. Mm. That's when Xavier leaves and Magneto takes over the school because Xavier is dying and the only way to save him is to take him to Shi'ar space and clone him a new body. And then he and Lelandra are basically just fucking in space for like 10 years mm. because Chris Claremont was bored with Xavier and wanted to do the Magneto as headmaster plot. Not long after that, is the plot with Rachel and the Beyonder. Mm -hmm. Rachel is the new young Phoenix. Uh, you know who Rachel Summers is if you're listening to this podcast, but go back to her episode if you want more context. Uh, she is Scott and Jean's daughter from the alternate dystopian future of the Days of Future Past. She's come back in time, but to the wrong timeline, i.e. or 616, and is going through it sort of constantly. She's recently inherited the power of the Phoenix that was her mother's and is not processing that super well either. This is not yeah. long after Celine has murdered the first guy who was nice to her, that gay bar owner, Nick Damiano. Mm -hmm. She's just like in a weird place. So when the Beyonder, this cosmic being who's the, and the villain of the company-wide event Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2... Events, plural, it's a Jim Shooter joint, don't super worry about it. She decides that she is going to, like her mother before her, channel the life force of the X-Men and the Star Jammers in the Macron Crystal and use that power to kill the Beyonder and, in her mind, save the universe. Mm -hmm. So they all get pulled into the Macron. We see uh, Tiny Joff again, your, oh. your bud. Hepzibah doesn't do a ton here, but while they're trying to figure stuff out, Charles says, this is my fault. If you hadn't risked everything to save me. And Lelandra says, if anyone is to blame, Charles, it is I. And Hepzibah says, that's truth, Featherbrain. 
I love I just, it. Oh, yes. Because uh-huh. Lalander is part of the Starjammers now, since yeah. she's, like, in oh, exile. Uh-huh. And Hepsub is not happy about it. Yeah, because, like, Deathbird's taken the throne, and so Lalandra is hanging with the Starjammers for a long time, and Hepzibah really finds that aggravating. Oh, God. I also can't wait until, like, the next, when she, like, debuts the Mohawk. Let's jump there now. That's New Mutants 50 and 51. Mm -hmm. This is a fun story. I mean, it's not fun. It's like kind of traumatic, but it's an Ilyana story that's really good. Yeah. Uh, Ilyana ends up teleporting into space where she is captured by alien slavers who want to sell her. Mm -hmm. And Corsair and Carol Danvers, who are doing like a Star Wars mission, are interrupted by Xavier and Lalandra because Xavier's like, that's Ilyana Rasputin, my student. Yeah. And it becomes a whole thing. What's mostly notable for Hepzibah in this issue is, as you noted, that she has an incredible new hairstyle. Yes. Oh, <laughs> God, I'm so obsessed. This is the skunkiest she ever looks, honestly. Oh, yeah. It's oh, absolutely. It's giving Pepe Le Pew a little bit. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, I just, I love it. So I love punk Hepzibah. <laughs> and I'm also like, I feel like it's a good because like you also notice in this issue like escalating like palpating hate for Lalandra. For Lalandra, uh-huh. yes. Because they're all trying to repair the Starjammer. That's why yeah. they were on this Moss Eisley style Star Wars planet in the first place. Uh-huh. And their plans to get all the like repairs parts have got has gotten fucked up because Xavier freaked out to save Ilyana, which like yeah. fair. I mean, but Hebzibah, who doesn't know Ilyana from Eve, is like, fuck you, this is annoying now. Right. And Lalandra is like moping while she's like working on the engines or whatever. Uh-huh. Because she's like, Charles is going to want to leave me and go back to his school and like all of this stuff. And Hebzibah says, wouldn't be in this mad place if stayed we had with true calling. Give it a rest, Hepzibah, says Raza. <laughs> Raza the cyborg is sort of Hepzibah's bestie, but uh-huh. also they kind but of they hate each always, other. they are always, yeah, they're like, always bickering. <laughs> they, like, kind of hate each other, but in a way where, like, they're brother and sister, and, like, uh-huh. if you cross, like, only they can talk to each other like that. Defend Featherhead, Raza, with right or wrong, because you and she bloodkin. Privateers, we are freebooters, not rebels in a hopeless cause. Because they're helping Lalandra now try to get the throne back. That's uh-huh. like the big Star Jammers plot for the next several years is they just appear whenever Lalandra is like, oh my God, my throne, Deathbird still has it. <laughs> right. She says, would you rather see my sister on the throne? Remember, Hepzibah, she is not called Deathbird for nothing. Couldn't care less, I. Imperium has ruler it deserves. If Lalandra wants throne and improves, she just as crazed as sister. Ah, uh, she... <laughs> Her. Rotluck has been ours full measure since you joined. And then Lander punches her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Pow. Socks the shit out of her. Roz is like, wow, you two need to calm down. And Lander says, hate me for who I am if you must, not for who you think I represent. This is the most white girl moment. <laughs> this is seen. a very white girl moment. Oh, Lander. absolutely. <laughs> She's like. Stop bringing up my fucking genocide, okay? It's really (laughs) bumming me out. It's really bumming me out that you keep Uh talking about how the royal family of which I am the heir. Hey, I've been so patient with your hate that I just started experiencing today. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a couple years at this point, to be fair. Honestly, on the page... She has not interacted with Lalandra No, well, yeah. right. But we, because we don't see them that You're often. Right, exactly. But, but, but it's been years now uh-huh. of publication. I feel like just like 
from on the paid snipes that we see. I'm like, this is actually the first time she's given you critical feedback. But she says, I am done with your sniping woman and your hate. I had no part in the destruction of your world. And it's like, okay, she's not saying that you personally pulled the trigger on her planet. Yeah. But your mama did. Yeah, uh-huh. Your mama <laughs> did. And you seem... Not super far from genocide, if I'm being honest. You know, it's like, you're so eager to get the throne of your evil space Roman Empire back. Right, exactly. Then what does that say about you? I want my empire throne so I can do my own genocide. Well, like, she's like, I will rule justly. And Hepzibah's like, no such fucking thing, Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) And also, turns out, she's right. Turns out she's right. That's the critical thing, Uh is that a lot of this is set up, not on purpose, because it's after Claremont leaves, but after Claremont leaves, the 90s plots with Delandra really underline again and again that despite her best intentions, she is a product of her environment. Oh, absolutely. And she does constantly serve the interests of the Shi'ar Empire despite herself in a way that is exactly what Hepzibah says she right, would. Right, like, exactly. Hepzibah's right uh, every no, a, time. A thousand percent. <laughs> about Delandra. Uh-huh. And it also, like, it adds this note where, like, I think some people could read it with, like, oh, my God, yeah, she is being so snarky. And which is why I love her so much. She is, like, I feel like we're all forgetting, like, the war crimes. Bitch. She's, like, sorry, am I crazy? I am one of the only skunk people left in the universe. I'm the last one. No one thinks that's crazy. She might be the last one. We've yeah. never seen another one. I know. Ever. To ever. this day. And we know the planet was destroyed. Uh-huh. So, like, she could very well be the very last one. And I, like, get so much the tension between her and Raza. You also find out more about Raza later. Yeah, well, Raza also, it's important, is also of, like, a slave race to the uh-huh. Shi'ar, but he's from a much more assimilated... Yeah, like, He identifies exactly. as Shi'ar yeah. in a way that Habsabah does not. That for sure. And I think like his culture was already set up to yeah, assimilate more easily. He also was easily. from an insane warlike culture. Right, exactly. That, like, thinks if you defeat him in combat, uh-huh. you deserve to own him anyway. Yeah, so- and it's like, it's very much giving survival of the fittest yeah, kind well, of thing. Yeah, well, in the ancient Rome yeah. allegory that the Shi'ar right. Empire is, there were many cultures that Rome subjugated, but there were also more cultures on some level. I'm not saying that imperialism's good right. if you're yeah. nice, but part of the success of Rome, and this is also, and this is why America is constantly compared to ancient Rome, uh-huh. is, is part of the success of America, is that when you say, oh, we're a melting pot, yeah. if you decide that you're American or you're Roman, uh-huh. you're fine. Ancient yeah. Rome was not racist. That's a really important thing about ancient Rome. If you said, I'm Roman, yeah. You could be black. You could be from Spain. You would have to work your way up, your family, for a couple generations or whatever. But there was no real color-based. I mean, I'm sure people said crazy shit. Right, exactly. But it was not impossible to have social mobility. Yeah. Not prohibitively racist, like systemically. Yeah. The ancient world wasn't really like that. The Shi'ar Empire, in the same way that in ancient Rome, you know, the royal family is still going to be from the dominant ethnic group but you see characters like gladiator who have an enormous amount of influence in the shi'ar empire despite being from one of these enslaved races right exactly because you can work your way up and it's a roman system and to lalandra that's just yeah right so she's like what is this bitch complaining about so much and i think like this like again i have a lot of sympathy for like 
why Hepzibah, spoiler alert, kind of snaps later. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, if you're like around either like assimilationists or like people saying like, okay, well, I feel like you should be more over it by now. I'd kind of snap or too. Or grateful for the opportunities. Yeah, that we've given uh-huh, you, right? exactly. And I'm like, no. No, you blew up my planet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, sorry, did we forget that I hate her for like super good reason? When did we all decide that I had to stop? I do think that the argument being made by Claremont, uh-huh. because he is, he's radical in certain ways, but he is more of an assimilationist. Yeah. He is oh, more absolutely. of a person who believes everyone should coexist uh-huh. and that like, we should foment peace and all of that amongst each other, which is a noble ideal. Yeah. I think certain aspects of it age really well and certain aspects of it don't Just, age super yeah. well. And I think that he's very pro-Lalandra in oh, a way. yeah. That by the 90s, even, mm-hmm. other writers are simply not. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, Warren Ellis really does a number on Lalandra. Uh-huh. I mean, she's still a sympathetic character in that Star yeah. Trek series, oh. but you're like, yeah. bitch, get it together. Girl. You know, like... <laughs> and I say, like, sympathetic in, like, the most bare I mean, minimum I, way I, for I, me. I, I think she is in a difficult situation in that book. We haven't, we'll get there when we get there. Before that, we get a really important story a couple months after this New Mutant story, mm-hmm. which is the classic X-Men backup about Chris and Hepzibah in the slave pits. Mm-hmm. This is classic X-Men 15. It's a mm-hmm. story by Chris Claremont with art by John Bolton, who did a lot of these classic X-Men backups. And like Paul Smith, he's a slightly different style of artist. Yeah. And it really works. He does kind of soft, more watercolory almost yeah artwork this story is about christopher summers in the slave pits not long after the murder of his wife when he rebelled against emperor de mm-hmm. uh he's gone pretty fucking crazy yeah. down there in the mines as one might but he is sort of shaken out of his reverie by a conflict between I'm not clear on whether these are other prisoners. I think they're capos. Basically. Yeah, I think that right. they're prisoners so. who are, who have decided to work for the man. Yeah. And so they're like policing the other slaves. Right. Which Claremont loves. I mean, it's a very, again, this is like what happened in concentration camps in the Holocaust. And it's a very like Jewish motif that Claremont will repeat. The idea that mm-hmm. the capo is like the most loathsome kind of person. Right. Like, exactly. You decided to help oppress your own people. Yeah. You know? And in this case, because the Shi'ar have enslaved so many different species, <laughs> it's not necessarily your own people, which makes it easier to divide and conquer them. All, right. right? Mm-hmm. But so Hepzibah is running away from these people who have declared her a rebel. I really like her little, her little skunky unitard. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. I also love that. Like it always feels like it's made of fur. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like she's wearing fur on her fur. Fur on fur. This is what she was referencing when she was talking to Scott. The story also gives us more about the plane crash and more about Christopher and Catherine and all of that. Uh But it leads into his first meeting with Hepzibah, who he tries to save from these guards, these like fellow slave capo guards Mm. who are abusing her. Right. Unfortunately, 
they overpower him easily because mm. he is so weak from being like a slave miner and yeah. not eating or anything because his wife's been murdered in front of his eyes and all of this mm. other shit. And then he watches them beat Hepzibah and it really freaks him out yeah. because he's just seen, again, his wife be yeah. murdered. Uh-huh. So He immediately goes back to that place too. Yeah, and he keeps trying to fight back, but these guys are just stronger than him and eventually mm-hmm. they break him. Yeah. It's a really, it's really, I mean, it's a great depiction of PTSD. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like he has a total mental breakdown. Yeah. He is found by Chaad and Raza, who are mm-hmm. also prisoners in the slave pits, who are Hepzibah's comrades in the rebellion. That, like, the, basically, the three of them are like, we're going to break out of this fucking prison. Right. And the guards have, like, cottoned onto it, and that's why they're abusing Hepzibah. Mm-hmm. But they're abusing Hepzibah specifically also, the implication is, because she's because, a woman exactly. who they want to exploit sexually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, she's, like, she is in a little leotard. It feels very, like... Mm-hmm slave leia very targeted it's yeah i mean they're specifically trying to humiliate her and yeah. and potentially assault her sexually and that idea because that is what happened to his wife yeah also mm-hmm. can notably forced Catherine to become his concubine for someone with ptsd already it's like an extremely similar right. situation so Basically, Raza is like, wow, this guy's so fucked up. Maybe I should just kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is an because and that, yeah. again, is like Raza's from a warrior culture. Right. right? He's yeah. just like, you're weak. Yeah. And, 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 and you sad. will be useless. Yeah. like, yeah. But like also it would be a mercy like me. Like right. you're just done and maybe we should just kill yeah. you. Chad, Chad, my boy, I love, I love Chad. He's a big gay frog. Oh, he and I'm is a big gay him. scientist frog. <laughs> I love him. We said last time that there are I'm probably actually, a lot of gays. At this for point, Chod. I'm in love with Chad. There are probably a lot. Well, okay, now you get it because yeah, early, no, I'm a convert. Last time I was like, there are probably a lot of gays for Chad. Now was, I'm one of them. Yeah, <laughs> Trannies <I'm>, for Chad. <laughs> You're like, the estrogen's popping, and I crave chad. And I crave chad. <laughs> Something in this estradiol has me goosebumps for chad. Um, Raza and chad go. Anyways, back to the slave pits. Back to the horrible slave pits. Raza and Chad like leave him alone because they're like, okay, I mean, you know, this is sad. This is sad because Chad's yeah. a peaceful person, so he's right. like, don't kill him. That's he's crazy. Just a big sweetie. But they're like, we gotta go save our girl. Mm-hmm. So they go to go save her, and when they find her, like she is, she's still got her clothes on, thankfully, yeah, but thank she God. is like chained up in a very uh-huh. and like suggestive way, and also like visibly battered. Yeah, like, she's yeah. been beaten a lot. Yeah. Chris is like, no, actually. Like, he has this breakthrough suddenly mm. where he thinks about what happened to Catherine, and he's like, I cannot let this happen to this woman. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. He doesn't know this woman at all, but he's right. like, I can't. I can't be immobile for this. I can't just stand still while another woman gets yeah. brutalized by this culture. Mm-hmm. I won't allow it. Yeah. I failed my wife, but I won't fail this girl. Uh-huh. Which, again, I think sets like a really... <laughs> Strong precedence for what happens later. Yeah. We've been texting about how we want what they have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. To be clear, like, we're going to go in on the problems in their relationship, Mm -hmm. but 
I am obsessed with Corsair and I, I love their the love so much. Oh, absolutely. In comics. It's and they're like, complicated. their fights are so real. They're, it's very real. Yeah. They understand each other mm-hmm. and they sometimes really fuck with each other. Yeah. But in a way where it's like, at the end of it, they always come back. Even though you're like, wow, this is the story where they break up. They yeah. never do because oh, they're always yeah. like, you know what? I was acting crazy. Yep. Uh huh. Like, they and, all- <laughs> and I love that, like, their fights are always like, it is really hard to pick a side here. Yeah. I always see both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, I get so much for what happens, like, later because of this, because I'm sure in Hepzibah's eyes, she's like, you not only saw what they did to me, like, you shouldn't. You should be as angry as I was. But th- they did it to you. And, like, this almost happened twice to you. Right. They almost killed a helpless woman in front of you again. Absolutely. And, like, you've let that go. I have And haven't. that pisses me it off. It pisses me off that yeah. you are willing to show Do mercy. Do you remember how we met? Right. Yeah. And it's something she keeps going back to. In a really understandable way. Well, he has, and this is where the racial element to their relationship is interesting. Mm -hmm. He is more readily able to accept Lalandra as an individual who's Uh well-intentioned. Yep. Because he's a white guy from America. Exactly. And he's like... He's very predisposed to doing that. He's Uh ex-military. He was an Air Force guy. He's like, she's trying her best. Yeah. She's not like Deken. Uh-huh. And I'm sure from her, and it's like, you are not the wife that died. And you are not the girl who was chained up. You are the one who lost people. You are not you the are one not who the was lost. You are not the woman who was abused. Yes. You were not. Exactly. I was. You're uh-huh. not. She looks at Lelandra and she's like, I don't care if she's not Deken. Yep. Exactly. I just don't she care. She might as well be Deken to me. She exists. Uh-huh. And has any authority because of the same institution Absolutely. that allowed Deken to do this to me. Yeah, exactly. And that allowed his parents to uh-huh. exterminate my race. My race was brutalized by a lot of Shayar, not yeah, just Deken. Yeah, like the Shayar been on our ass for a long exactly. time. Exactly. It was not one crazy guy. There were a lot of them. Yeah. Do you think that I, like, trust this random bitch? Like, Deken specifically killed your wife. Yes, exactly. Raped killed your wife. Uh-huh. She's not trying to downplay that. Right, exactly. But also, Deken was the first Shear Emperor you met. Exactly. I have lived under Shear occupation my uh-huh. entire life. Thank you. It's different. This is all just one man to you. Right. I was brutalized by a people. Right. She's like, no, I object to the empire as a structure. Exactly. And if this woman's idea is that she's going to work within the system, which, mm-hmm. by the way, still has many planets enslaved. Yes, currently. Currently. Yeah, right now. Then I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, it really, like, grounds this tension. But I think it speaks to their relationship. Yeah. That she, it doesn't. She's annoyed at his myopia. Yes, but she's exactly. not disgusted. No, by it. like she's like, I get uh-huh. where you're coming from because you're new to this. Exactly, I'm true to this. Like, uh-huh. Yo, yeah. baby, <laughs> as she's shown from day one. When are we fighting? Right, I've been growing up in this shit uh-huh. my entire life. Absolutely, and it's like I think she really understands his capacity to get there. She wants him to get there. Exactly. And she's not going to give up on the idea that he can get there. Right. And I think, like, she also, like, 
it is so deep in her that I can see like she wants another way to live with this too, just not the way that he's proposing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like to go back to the classic X-Men story and how it ends, he does save her. Yeah. Exactly. He helps Razin Chad. He gets mm-hmm. the shit beaten out of him again by these guards, but he manages with their help to push through and unchain her. Yeah. Hang on, miss. Have little choice. Yeah, right. I'll have you free quick as I can. Why you come? Why you help? Darned if I know, really. I guess their beating of you, of me, snapped something inside. I got tired of being afraid, remembered instead that I'm a man, for what that's worth. For me, worth the world. Mm -hmm. And this is the panel where she licks his wounds and seals them like a kitty cat, Mm -hmm. which is uh, sweet. And is so sweet. What are you doing? Life bond, blood bond between us, comrades till death. Which won't be long, figure. Gods hunt like demons for us. For killing their own won't quit, won't rest till they have our heads. Chad says, we've done fairly well evading them thus far. That's such a Chad voice. (laughs) Only so fast can we run. Only so many places to hide. Only ourselves to trust. Odds turning more and more against us. Only hope is to blast off this accursed rock. But for that, we need a pilot. I'm a pilot. Can fly starship? Can fly starship? Can learn. (laughs) And that's That's... the key to their entire relationship. Yep. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's also so hot. So sexy. But, so but sexy. can fly starship. Starship can, can learn. learn. Exactly. And that's why she sticks with him. Uh-huh. Because she knows he can. Absolutely. He, she knows he'll get there. Right. And this is, seems cultural for her also. She's oh, like, yes. You know, she, when she says life bomb between us, she fucking uh-huh. means it. Oh, absolutely. And she has never stopped meaning it despite any of the things that they And we do. talked about how much like Balthier and Fran from Final Fantasy, yes. they're sort of Han Solo and sexy Chewbacca. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, also, that's literally but that's them. that's also in Star Wars. Is yeah. that like Chewbacca has a life debt uh-huh. to Han and they love each other as like besties or whatever yeah. you want or to Or sexually. Like, frankly, if Han is getting railed by Chewbacca, that makes sense to me. Absolutely. But it's not clear if that's what's happening. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a moment. Now I'm here. I'm back. Uh-huh. Uh, but How th- was that? <laughs> it was good, actually. Okay, I'm I a big bet. Harrison Ford enthusiast myself. So, <laughs> But yeah, he says, look, wherever you'd go, I'd like to come with you. Whatever you have planned, I'd like to be a part of it. That is, if you'll have me. He tells them, call me Corsair. And at the beginning of this story, we are. this is the story where we find out that Corsair was his Air Force call sign. And yeah. That like, and that Catherine Ann calls him Corsair. And mm. it was like a thing. Yeah. So what he's done is, much like Scott with Madeline in Claremont's intention, mm-hmm. moved on with another woman who's different. Yeah. But who reminds him in certain ways of the woman that he lost. Yeah. And has given him a new purpose. Mm-hmm. It really just comes down to can fly starship, can learn. Can learn, exactly. Hepzibah's patience, like, calls out to me so much in this because, like... Well, we talked about your endless struggle with the white men you did. Y- yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, she would have to have it. She would have to have it in spades. This is also what's very Eartha Kit about her. Uh-huh. Because, like, Eartha Kitt famously had that threesome with James Dean and Paul Newman. Oh, yes. Which uh, I think about all the time. Yeah, every day. Every day of my life. Someone asked her about that once in an interview, and she said, Yes, that was when I learned that white boys are delicious. <laughs> and it was, like, a public interview, and everyone yeah. just looked at her, and this is, like, the 60s it's or 70s, crazy. and everyone just looked at her, and they were like, what? And she's uh-huh. like, anyway. Anywho. <laughs> the truest Catwoman. She is Catwoman. Yes, eternally. Yeah, I mean, frankly, 
any Catwoman who does. This is why when they cast Zoe Kravitz, I was like, finally. Like, I mean, Hallie gave it her best shot, but that movie. Yeah, you know, it lives in a special place in my heart I saw forever. I and I love it. Absolutely. I love the Catwoman movie. Yes. We should watch the Catwoman movie together. I would love that, honestly. It's been too long <laughs> since I've Stone seen it. Sharon Stone as Laurel Hedare, uh, who was turning into diamonds before Emma Frost. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh-huh. That is real iconic shit. Baby. That basketball scene with Benjamin Bratt, uh, where Halle Berry uses her Catwoman yes. powers, because her Catwoman has powers. Yeah, uh-huh. She has cat powers. Alex Borstein's in that uh, movie. Honestly, Catwoman's my favorite part of that is she's like, no, I'm part cat. I'm a cat now. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that's kind of from Batman Returns, because like yeah. Selena has powers in the Tim Burton oh, movies yeah, also. Oh, yeah, she kinda. does, kind of. Because, yeah. like, the cats resurrect her or whatever. Yeah, It's not exactly. like the comics. Honestly, I love it. Be part cat. Sure. I feel like the next thing that I care about is Wonder Man. Well, I, no, I was going to say, the next big thing is Spotlight on Star Jammers. Yeah, Spotlight on Star Jammers. That's true. That's a good one. So, Spotlight on Star Jammers, which is their first solo story, is in 1990. Oh, is that Long Hair Hepzibah? Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Okay. Uh, long hair Hepzibah is the Jim Lee redesign. Yeah. I, and then she just has long hair forever. Yeah. Well, she's been growing it out <laughs> for till the end of... It's it looks also, so good. Every decade, it. it is like three feet longer. Oh, I know. And now yeah. it's like fully just down to her ass. Oh, baby. It's like <laughs> tail and hair, same yeah, length. Yeah, no. Yeah. In 1990, we get Spotlight on Star Jammers. This is a Marvel Comics Presents story. Uh, sort of. It's called X-Men Spotlight On because at the, the time, it's 1990, if you put the title X-Men on something, it's going to sell. So yeah, exactly. What's nice about this is that the Star Jammers creator, Dave Cockrum, drew the whole mini. Yeah, it's like a return to their original form. Yeah, really and cute. if you remember, to go back, the reason they're X-Men characters in the first place is because he was trying to pitch them as their own property mm-hmm. and marvel didn't have space in the schedule so he convinced chris to add them to x-men and make corsair cyclops's father yeah what he wanted was to do them as a solo thing that was its own property so he gets the chance to do that here and honestly it's great yeah it's a fun book i really love this and i hadn't read this before researching for this episode oh girl i, I definitely had, had it somehow well but i'm i mean i've read most yeah X-Men exactly stuff, <laughs> i was like I if, if you had, had it i it. definitely yeah, did it. No. the description's great the back cover copy the star jammers a hardy band of space pirates preying upon starships of the corrupt Shi'ar empire in a galaxy far from our own that's like legally distinct star wars language it, yeah right <laughs> led by the swashbuckling earthman corsair the Star Jammers ranks include the massive lizard man Cha'ad and his furry friend Kuri, the renegade cyborg Raza, the energy manipulating binary, the agile skunk woman Hepzibah. Agile. Which, like, this is, but this is the first time she's been referred to as a skunk. Yes. Because finally. Dave Cocker, who created her, was like, she's not a cat. Yeah, thank God. you, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> Do you see the white stripe? Well, also, she, her fur is black again in this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he's like, God damn it, you like, will know guys. she's a skunk. Yeah, like, this is the design I made. You guys keep fucking it up. Yeah. And it's also the last time it will ever be yeah, here no, again. Yeah, she's stark white for the rest of time. Well, again, she started graying. I noticed in the 90s, though, actually, more than I remembered, artists remembered to make her tail skunky. Yes. Even though uh-huh. her arms and legs There were a couple white. little peaks. Yeah. Yeah. I also, like... I feel like it might have been like that Sheen thing that you were talking about. No, no, that's what I'm saying. People thought she was just because. Yeah. 
the same style in the old coloring was uh-huh. used to represent shiny right. black yeah. and white. Which, again, horrible decision. <laughs> well, they only had four colors. Yeah, exactly. So, same. you know, they did their best. Shifting into the 90s, the coloring techniques change because the technology totally. changes. Yeah. So, anyway, the deposed Shi'ar Empress Lalandra, the powerful mutant telepath Professor X, and the insectoid Sikorsky. I guess he is insectoid, but he's like a little bug robot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a robot bug. He's, he's a little robot a bug. bug, yeah. He's a bug. He has little bug he wings. He interfaces with Waldo. They're like a live computer. Because the yeah. Starjammer, by the way, we haven't mentioned this, is like a sentient spaceship. Yeah. It's That's like it. ship, the celestial spaceship uh-huh. that X Factor lives She on. doesn't talk, though. No. Which I want I want to hear. What does she have what to say? What is she thinking? What is her story? I need to know. Next episode well, there is that I'm featured <laughs> on the Starjammer <laughs> show. Starjammer. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it's Lund. all headcanon. But no, I mean, there is a moment where she and X Factor's ship, later Prosh, like link up and kind of like talk in one story. Do they really? Yeah, I love that. Do fun. they fuck? Kind of. I love that. And I was thinking about it. Where is their I know. fucking one-off? But I was looking at that while I was going through all of Hepzibah's appearances, and I thought about our Gossamer bonus, because yeah. Ship factors heavily into the end of Gossamer's story. And I was like, yes. you know what? Good for Ship getting laid with like a hot lady star jammer. <sighs> Finally. Yeah, I've been waiting. Good for them. You, you know, know what? I, I love when two bad bitches link up. Join the strangest group of freebooters who ever stalked the stars and their boldest adventure ever as they attempt to recover the mysterious Falcon if they can survive the death of Professor X and betrayal by a traitor in their midst. The fucking Falcon. So the Falcon, which is P-H-A-L-K-O-N, is in this story a Shi'ar legend that Deathbird is after. Uh-huh. And so it's like we gotta make sure that we get it before Deathbird. Of course it's called the Falcon, P-H. P-H. Falcon with a K. That pissed me off so bad. Not as bad <laughs> as Trojan. The Trojans later are. I was bad. like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I can't that do was this like Peter David, you. you're gilding the lily with the Trojans. Yeah, so yeah much. you're pissing me off so bad. With the story Trojan War, uh-huh. it's a bit much. Yeah. And then like the guy named Annihilation. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, unsubtle names is part and parcel of superhero comics, right? But so this opens with a fun sequence where. They capture a Shi'ar Imperial ship. Corsair is like threatening the captain of the ship. Like, I'm going to kill you if mm-hmm. you don't tell us information that we need. But Cha'ad and Raza are like, he's not going to kill him. No. He's not. Cause, cause they're, and they're like, you should. But yeah. He uh-huh. He's not that girl. <laughs> You're not that girl. But. The guy does get scared, and he reveals that they are after the Falcon, this legendary Shi'ar myth mm-hmm. that Deathbird thinks will secure her rule over the Imperium forever, etc. Yeah. This comic involves them splitting up into little groups of two yeah. that each go to explore a planet that mm-hmm. will give them a clue about the Falcon. Yeah, and Hepzibah mostly flips in this. Hepzibah does a lot of cute little flips. Corsair is so hot in this, though. He's, he has this whole, like, swashbuckling sequence with a vampire and a mermaid. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who are, like, on I a, was di- also, shapeshifters on a distant planet. Here? We try to kill him. And he gets his costume that's all ripped up and his, like, big hairy titties are just like swinging around uh yeah i'm like and he looks great someone is living out their fantasies but on he's these also pages. like the whole time he's thinking about hepzibah which i really that, like that is very sweet. she yeah. is on her own mission with chad she's in her salt era in this xavier who's very unhelpful 
Uh, she is in her salt. Yeah, <laughs> like she's Angelina flipping Jolie's through lasers. Yeah, <laughs> she's coming out of air dye. I haven't she's thought about doing, salt in years. I haven't stopped thinking remember about when that salt was supposed since to be a the franchise, day. and then we never got a sequel. Oh yeah, I remember when I was robbed. Someone go to Whole Foods and run into Angelina Jolie and her children here in L.A. I write demand, her letters. I write her letters every day. Demand a sequel to Salt. Every it's day I write her. It's time to bring justice to They've me. They've revived the Bourne movies like 50 times. Uh-huh. They've done seven different adaptations of Jack Reacher. When will women have a Where chance? Where is Evelyn Salt's sequel? Thank Where? you. I've never given a fuck about Jason Bourne. I've thought about Evelyn Salt every day of my every life. Every day of my life, ever since that. But I, She raised me. She truly did. So I, But I, 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 I feel bad because I let Salt slip from my mind. And that, you just brought it roaring back. And yeah. now Justice for I Salt. I sensed it. I justice sensed that salt, it was slipping. <laughs> yes. I needed to bring justice. I need it. And like also it would be so fun now because like Angelina Jolie's what, like 50 now? Yeah. Let her something? be a spy. No, like bring back Salt is like midlife crisis Evelyn Salt. I want to watch her do tricks with lasers, lie to her husband. Yes. Yes. And like she can give a UN speech or two in the middle if she wants. Like just do make it. the fucking I, movie. I How old is fuck. Angelina Jolie? 48. I was close. Yeah. But that would be fun. You never see a woman that age get to do an action movie anymore. Like, that doesn't... Not enough. You know, Linda Hamilton sometimes gets to do another Terminator, but... Yeah. That's about it. I know. Charlize is holding on to it Charlize is holding it down for everyone, and She can't bear that much weight on her back alone. No, she needs... Like, she is a Angelina, step up. (laughs) ...force, but... You know what? Angelina did do that fireman action movie a couple years ago yeah i never saw it <laughs> those who wish me dead i think it's called there's actually lara marie shane halls and carrie o'donnell did a recap of it on like a bonus episode of sex unique podcast that uh-huh. was so fucking funny oh like, my god because it's an insane movie that i have not seen but i experienced it via their recap and i enjoyed it very much I'm so obsessed. um but yeah no i uh we'll revisit offline but yes, salt we need return. we need to salt we need to pitch it we need yeah. to get a general my food is Direly unsalted. We're yeah, we're so yes. unseasoned right we now. We will burgeon in the Renaissance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, she's doing anyway, salt stuff. Uh, they're all looking for the Velka, but there's there's a good moment where uh, you know, throughout all of this, he's thinking about Hepzibah because Xavier, who's like super unhelpful, <laughs> just sort of mentions her in passing as like part of everybody's in danger. Yep. And then Chris is sort of left alone with his like heaving pecs. Heaving titties. And he's just like He's more frustrating than ever, but he did manage to remind me of the real reason I chose to stay with this group because he's been thinking about, like, why haven't I gone back to Earth? My children are there. The reason I stayed in space was because I thought my children were dead and my wife was dead and there was nothing back for me on Earth. And now I'm like a deadbeat dad. Yeah. And I feel weird about it. Like, I have a grandson. I should be there. Yeah. The real reason I chose to stay with this group Hepzibah. As long as my cat lady is committed to this rebellion, so am I. And I like that even though Cockrum stresses she's a skunk in the cover copy, uh-huh. he still has Corsair call her a cat lady. Because, because he's white. Corsair is white. Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Hepzibah is the most patient woman on earth with her semi-racist husband. He says he says a nice point to, like, to be fair to Xavier, who is very annoying in this story. He says, I probably do owe Xavier for how well my kids turned out. Oh, yeah, that was which really Which is sweet. nice, because he's like, really he sweet. raised my sons. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't do. Yeah, so, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And Corsair doesn't know about Mr. Sinister. Exactly. So as far as he knows, yeah. it was a nice story where, like, uh-huh. Xavier found them at the orphanage or whatever. Totally. And I love this, like, 
very low information like picture that he has of Scott. It's like, I'm glad that he gets to hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the funniest things about the series, they keep calling it the Falcon Quest, which just makes me think of the show Falcon Crest, which was like that really porny primetime soap in the 90s. Don't know what you're talking about. Okay, sorry. Such a deep pull. White people moment. I didn't. uh, White gays. Shout out if you're listening and you watched Falcon Crest when you weren't supposed to on late night TV. If you could not tell by the name Falcon Crest. It's a white people show. It fully Uh is. I'm like, it's like Dallas. It's one of those. Not like Dynasty, which I feel like had crossover. My mom watched Dynasty every week with her black gay friends. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's Dynasty. Yeah. No, I mean, even before Diane Carroll was on it. But once Diane Carroll was on it, baby. Baby. It's a black (laughs) show now. But no, yeah. Her and her friend Roy watched it every week. And he would talk about the hat fashion. When my mother had a gay son, my father was like, yeah. Yeah. You did this. We had weekly Dynasty parties Uh in law school. So that. You were cooking up gay juices. Yeah, like yeah. that just is going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, so chapter two, Plunder, is Hepzibah and Chad's adventure. Yes. Hepzibah sasses Xavier a lot, which I really enjoy. Oh, I know. I'm like, God, queen with taste. Because like, they've never really interacted, because he's usually talking to Landra Corsair, and Hepzibah is usually just in the background. But in a story that's about the Star Jammers, Hepzibah gets to mouth off to Xavier, which I like. And I love that she's like, any man who is like, this is my queen is not trustworthy to me. <laughs> right. She's yes. like, you're fucking. And she's right. You're fucking Featherbrain. Exactly. So I'm not interested. Uh-huh. You're fucking the Majestrix. Like he keeps saying, he's like, the alien biometallic substance that seems to literally cover this entire world reflects our telepathic abilities right back in our astral form. They're no longer affected by the physical. This is actually quite people. Quiet, both. Rising hairs on Hepzibah's neck. You know, it's just fun. She's like, shut the fuck up. Xavier also, by the way, has been like almost killed in this story. And so he's merged psychically with the Starjammer's sentient computer wall down. Uh So he's being weird to begin with. Right. And she's like. Also, I'm sure she's like, fuck off. Get out of my shit. Why the fuck are you still here? And it's also like so Charles to be like, (laughs) yeah, this is my home now. And they're like, why the fuck? fuck is the bald man still here there is a true salt moment where she's leaping through lasers this is that's what i'm talking about yeah chaad says hepzibah be careful and she says yourself beware chaad hepzibah scared not hepzibah feels put and claws she has and she uses her claws which we've never seen her use before to rip through like fucking steel and stop the lasers. She like rips open the whole device because she's got razor sharp claws apparently that Dave Cockrum always knew she had, but yeah. nobody else has bothered. We to found fuck out with. today. Yeah, he's like, I created this character, and guess uh-huh. what, bitch? She's got claws. Razor claws. Deal with that. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> Anyways, her hair in this is crazy. It's like very feathery, but it's like it's I mean, in her feathery. first story, Cockrum oh, draws yeah, her with this hair. Oh yeah, it's the exact same one. It's yeah. um, it's very Mary Tyler Moore. Yes, it's exactly what it's given. Yeah. She's going to make it after all in space. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like it's very oh, absolutely. I need to see her hair care product line <laughs> in space. But there's a great moment where Chad is like, we're not, ha- we're having trouble figuring it all out. And Xavier telepathically transmits the scent of what they're looking for to Hepzibah. Uh-huh. And it turns out she also has scent powers like Wolverine. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm also like one day 
she will get justice and we will see the evolution of her pheromonal powers that I need. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The scent powers from her tail yes. that she must have. That she must have for but me to live. we haven't really seen that, but she's a uh-huh. skunk lady. She's a, when will, Can when we will just it come? Can we fucking do it? When will it come? It should be, like, I don't need her, especially because she's already, like, the exotic wife of alien color i don't need her to have like sexy pheromones i uh -uh. want her to fear pheromones from her skunk tail exactly she sprays Uh at you and you freak out or just like i want like a range of like mental manipulation pheromones like like, i don't want it to be like stacy x where it's like everyone exactly oh she's already skunk yeah Yeah. she's already a little horny dominican skunk (laughs) we get it She does kind of give. She gives so Dominican. <laughs> it is like so we were just feral. talking. What is it about? I think Feral literally is Dominican. What is it about like these these fuzzy gals? That... I think. Well, first of all, it's the silky sleek bundles, <laughs> and it's the fact that y- there's a lot of like black analogies in Hepzibah's story. Well, that's the thing. I, yeah. and, you know, I have to like. I always was like, oh, like she's an alien. There's, but it wasn't until you and I started talking on Hepzibah that I really did start to think about. I mean, I even was like in my head, she's Eartha Kit, but I had never quite put together like she's his black wife. Yeah, she's his black wife. <laughs> also, like I. I'm so glad we got to walk on this journey together because I'm like, I'm coming into the room as Hepzibah's black, specifically Afro-Latina. But when you said it, I was like, she is. And she like Cyclops' is. whole reaction is like, oh, my stepmom is my age and black. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't have a bad reaction to uh-huh. it, but it's definitely a, oh, my dad's into that. And I also, I think like part of her flirtiness is like, pressing that button yes like no she knows that she's an exotic exoticized figure uh-huh. because she's been like, treated as one her oh, entire you life look at me like this you're asking for it i'm gonna do it to the point that it makes you uncomfortable yeah i'm gonna make you super cc yeah. x does a similar thing she's exactly. a very similar character i actually oh, yeah. love that character and she's a snake lady which is not unlike exactly. being a skunk lady uh, the skank and, and snuck it's alliance. also very latina coded <laughs> yeah afro latina stacy x is dominican i believe you but like uh, she, she, she is to me stacy x gives stacy is it puerto rico i was just puerto gonna rican say me. she's puerto rican she's Boricua. yeah uh they said at one point she was from the south i'm like no that girl is I, from well you're uh, wrong <laughs> she is from the bronx and when she's I, puerto rican when i read I know that, that girl after the stacy x episode i read the full <laughs> stacy x anthology and when I got there, I was like, well, you're wrong. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> She's not. She's Bariqua, and I know her. Thank you. I know her personally. I, know. I have gone to Escualita with Thank her. Thank you. I went to high school with her. <laughs> I don't even know if they still have Escualita Thank uptown. You. That gay party. But they used to. Oh, girl. Yeah. I, w- I go to Mariposa with her every right, weekend. Exactly. Like, I know that girl. I know that bitch. She's in the ballroom. Down. Uh-huh. Yeah. They call her, like, Latin girl, and she does the vote. They call her Mamba. Like, yeah. <laughs> Black Mamba, Stacey yeah. X. No, exactly. Not Black Mamba. They call her like they they very much stress yes. that she's different. But uh-huh, they let yeah. her in. It's like Trace Lizette being the one white girl. Yeah, at the right. Ball, I you know. know. Uh, I love this. Uh, I love Trace. Now I'm thinking of Trace. I Lizette. love Trace. She's so good. I need to watch that movie with her you and do. Patricia Clarkson. It's great. I have like had it in my watch list for so I'm just long. I'm a I'm a Trace Lizette stan. Trace, if you're oh, listening, baby. I don't know why also, Trace Lizette would be listening to a Hepzibah X Men. We're mutuals, but... so maybe. <gasps> Really? I know. I don't know how. It just I'm like obsessed happened. with her. I love her. This story is mostly this chapter, chapter two, which is Hepzibah focused, is mostly just Dave Cockrum and writer Terry Kavanaugh underlining to us like all the things that Hepzibah can do that no story has revealed yet. So like we yeah. get the scent 
powers like Wolverine. We get the razor claws. Mm. She can see in the dark. Yep. Like a skunk she can. She goes, big trouble Hepzibah in. Lucky in dark can see. And Gears can hear. Hate this world, not like home, but home forever lost. Only Empire knows where Hepzibah taken from. Here no place to curl up. No corsair to curl up with. The idea of her like wanting to curl up like a kitty cat. It's so cute. Is very cute. It's so cute. I love it. I just like I want more of their like intimate moments. Yeah, and we get one later in the story, thankfully. Once they're all together again. Oh my god, when he does a little dip with her. Yes, but first they fight the Imperial Guard and this is where I'm like, Dave Cockrum and Terry Cavanaugh know what I want with this story because Hepzibah fights the pussiest member of the Imperial Guard besides oh, yes. Oracle, which is Hussar. Yes. Obsessed. I love Hussar. Hussar is a low-key fave of mine who hasn't really come up on this show because I haven't done a lot of the space stuff yet. Hussar is just this like red alien with she's the she's weird because most of the imperial guard like i mentioned earlier are parodies of the legion of superheroes and she's just like a character who exists who's not really one of the legion of superheroes as an analog she kind of has like riffraff from rocky horror hair like it's like a receding hairline but then it's yeah. long bundles to her ass uh-huh. blonde she's red and she has a neuro whip that like is full of energy that she sure. whips people with why not and there's a great moment where she's my electro whip will keep your claws hot away from me hepzibah and she swings the whip and when it lands on hepzibah and wraps around her it electrifies hepzibah and all her hair sticks up which i think is really funny it's I I, that, that panel is crazy much. But yeah, after they fight and everything finishes out, we get a scene in Corsair's cabin back on the Star Jammer. I'm glad we finally found a chance to be alone, Hepzibah. None of us should be needed on the bridge until the last, slightly more dangerous leg of the root rosin I charred for the ship. But even if we manage to beat Deathbird to Earth and whatever the treasure is at the end of our Falcon quest, I have a feeling things are going to get hairy. Er, messy and i love that i love the idea that he's i know like right nervous about saying hairy <laughs> about to skunk me microaggressions right yeah like, i don't mean to associate oh shit yeah sorry oh god we've talked about this it's very akin to as a white person sometimes when you're talking to a black friend oh, or lover yeah. and you say dark uh-huh in a negative exactly context and oh. then you have a thought of like oh my god that's really dark oh shit sorry shit, i didn't not like that <laughs> not like that not, not dark like not that you. dark is bad right not yeah. that dark is bad i I mean, yeah. dark in the bad sense, yeah, not in the uh-huh. color sense. But all dark but is also, not bad. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, some dark is great. Uh, but I mean dark like the night, not yeah. like people. And, I mean, and you just go like, on this whole like brain spiral spiral of white guilt. And I'm just like filing my nails. Uh-huh. But this is, once you said it to me, I started seeing it everywhere, like Corsair's white fragility oh, in their absolutely. relationship. And I find uh-huh. it really funny. and Because he's trying. Yes. He really is trying oh, yeah, to like absolutely. not fuck up. And I think like that also like prelude to later probably colors like what he does and does not confront her about yes yeah because he doesn't want to speak to her about her experience exactly conscious enough Uh uh-huh his relative privilege over her that he like this is why i'm like i want what they have because like of all the straight white men um, although he's pretty bi let's be honest but like all all the the, bisexual white men ostensibly straight white i mean you know that story (laughs) nobody knows an ostensibly straight i wrote it like jordan black (laughs) i wrote an anthology bitch that is it's yeah clock bestseller (laughs) but yeah i think like when her rage eventually starts to escalate 
one of the things that I love about their relationship in Corsair the most is like he really gives a lot of space in understanding to like letting her feel her rage. He only steps in when he's like, you're about to cross a line that you actually don't want to cross. And I think like for me and we'll we'll plumb into this like. My perspective is like, now your rage is making you stupid. That's the thing. He's like, yeah. you're getting dumb. Now. Yeah, exactly. Dumb and impetuous. And like, this is like beyond a place of logic. He for only you. steps in when he's like, you're better than this. Yeah, exactly. And it's not exactly. in a condescending it's like, way. It's now, in a genuine now way. Now it's getting messy. He's checking her in the same way she yeah. checks him. Is uh-huh. the thing. She checks his privilege about the Shi'ar. Oh, absolutely. And the way that he's from Earth and his uh-huh. planet still exists. And they, they have to like bring each other yeah, closer to a middle. Yeah, but he has to, to check her because like quite honestly, like she's about an inch from becoming ISIS. Yeah, at, oh, like, absolutely. any given moment. Yeah. And he's like, you can't do that. I know. Exa- so, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you're pretty close to genocide yourself, yeah, girl. Like, you are really keen on massacring all these innocent yeah, Shi'ar uh-huh. because you hate their I'm like, species, you, and you've kind of lost the plot a little bit. When your white boyfriend has to say, so you've done a couple mass murders now, and I'm just concerned that you're on the route to genocide, and I don't want that for you. <laughs> He's basically saying, I agree the Holocaust was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're going to do like two or three mass murders, do it. But now it's getting excessive. I feel like you're getting to like an all. Maybe space. a ceasefire now, yeah. Hepzibah, is sort and of honestly, what he's saying. That is the understanding, the understanding that anyone could ask for, for a white partner. Like most X-Men illusion characters who are not actually minorities who are real, she is both black and Jewish. Yes, exactly. Like Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, Doja Cat. Yeah, uh-huh. Doja. You know, actually, Doja Cat would play a killer Hepzibah in a film. Uh, give her some time. Give her. She'd have to age into it. Yeah. Uh, give her some but. time. I need to see how she matures. Well, I need to see how she can act first. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, Zoe Kravitz would would actually. Oh, she would. It. Yeah, I think she needs like. But Hepzibah, I think she'd be like 35, 40. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think, again, Gina Torres could do a killer. Well, I mean, yeah, but Gina Torres, unfortunately, at this point, has, I think, aged out of superhero roles. Oh, for sure. My dream Betsy Braddock is still Naomi Watts, but honey, Naomi Watts in menopause, she's not gonna... And she talks about it. She's like, no one will hire me because I don't have a period. (laughs) I'm like... Damn. She's like actually pissed. Yeah, well, yeah. she's open about it, which I yeah. think is cool. I mean, it's refreshing. I'm a big Naomi Watts stan. As I we love know. her. I write she's for my, my favorite actress. It's her and Julianne Moore, really. Oh, uh, like Julianne Moore. Those are my girls. Yeah, uh-huh. my darling. There are a couple, like I would say, are like circling that. Like I, I have loved. I've been obsessed. I didn't know her before Doubt, but as, from Doubt onward, Viola Davis has been like one of my oh, absolute, yeah. absolute icons. But like I would say, since I was like a little kid watching movies that like a little gay boy gets obsessed with like Naomi yeah. Watson Julianne Moore like those are my bitches, oh absolutely. and I will follow them to the ends of the fucking earth <laughs> thank you exactly have you seen the you... trailer for that movie about uh, it's a d- miniseries rather about Julie Julianne Moore as like a British noble yes, woman pimping uh-huh. out her son to the gay king with will not turn down a gay role Nicholas Galatine yeah, yeah no I am with Tony Curran as the gay king and he is not shy about sex scenes. So no, the show is going to be fucking. No, baby. In the hot. trailer, fucking and sucking and twisting. No, and sucking. yeah. And he's straight, but I love it that he's yeah. like, because he's done some filthy straight sex scenes that I've seen. Uh-huh. And I love that he's like, I'm going to get fucked by this young stud on yeah. this TV show because we're going to win. Emmys. I'm going to get my whole blown out. Yeah, actually, like, I'm British enough <laughs> that we're going to just let this happen. Little faggy Nicholas, like, you're like, 
going crazy. Yeah, well, it's a great true story. He's like, where'd you learn to arch your back like that? I love that that we're emphasizing the mom pimp aspect. Because this is a Uh, true story, and it's speculative. We don't know, but we we need to talk about mom pimps more. Mom pimps are essential workers. Yes. Especially in historical gay noble situations uh-huh. where like the king needs to have a boy toy and a mom history pimp, was built on mom pimps history was truly built on mom pimps and sometimes mom pimps are fucked up but i yeah. do think that i would say often probably well, yeah, i would say mostly well yeah. here's the ring mom pimps pimping out girls are usually That's really bad. fucked up yeah. i think that mom pimps like my bisexual son could seduce the gay king my That's... my bisexual son would fuck him anyway in the trailer she says to him yeah. if i looked like you and i was man i would rule the world yeah bisexual son it's like you'd fuck him anyway let's do it strategically yeah you're gonna fuck the king no matter what exactly. so we're gonna strategically let's fuck be the real king. here yeah exactly <laughs> bye son listen my bye son it's the medieval times we're gonna it, make exactly. this work you know what if you have to have a bisexual son might as well make him a resource great point <laughs> Julianne Moore also is uh, secretly, her mom is Scottish. So I like when she gets to whip out, because she has a good, like, British accent. Oh, she does it good. She is, like, a British citizen. Yeah. She's one of those, like, like Julianne Anderson or Kim Cattrall, where, like, she can do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, So. Oh, God. Julianne Anderson. No. Uh, Don't get me started. Don't get me started. We can't go there. Don't get me started. Go there. Anyway, so we're back in, uh, of course, there's Cabin, right? He stumbles over his accidental microaggression of calling a situation hairy to mean bad. And Hepzibah goes, <laughs> So me coded. Scare Hepzibah, Corsair need not seduce Hepzibah, Corsair need not. I, this is such representation for me. <laughs> Nothing turns me off more than a nervous white man <laughs> fucking up. And they are drinking little glasses of wine, right? Like, because he's set up this romantic evening for them. And she's just like, we already fuck like bunnies constantly. You don't need to seduce me. I know. It's done. Yeah. She's like, we fucked on the way over here. And he holds up the glass to her and he says, "Uh, care for a glass of Thapoxian Thunderscream? And she says, no, Hepzibah Thirsty. And grabs the bottle and starts chugging it. Ah. Representationless. And he thinks, can't seem to be my usual silver-tongued self around this incredible woman. Their love. (laughs) Their love. And then there's the panel that is, to me, the most essential panel of their love. He is, like, holding her fully, like, lifting her up. Yes. Dipping her. Uh Uh-huh. And they're just hysterically laughing. And it's just... (laughs) Both of them just laughing Uh, and laughing. uh, And so sad. Sexy. It's so sexy and it's so sweet because he is so smitten and enamored with her, even after all this time. Yes. Their love. They're crazy in love. None of you bitches are doing it like that. And it's very like he's Burt Reynolds, like yes. very clearly. Oh, and obviously. This is before I think Burt Reynolds is married. To, no, it's after, actually. So they're very much like it's Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson. Like it's yeah. that sexy oh, absolutely. vibe. And I just like I love it. I think this panel is so great. It's I adore so them. Sweet. Uh, Chaad, who is like coming in to try and talk to them about something, like, oh. walks up to the door and goes, "Hmm," oh. and just walks away. <laughs> you know what? That can wait. That can wait because they're already 
fucking banging down walls. So the resolution is, it turns out the Falcon is just another term coded for the Phoenix Force, and Deathbird is trying to capture Rachel Summers and do stuff to her. So it becomes a crossover with Excalibur at the end, which actually is a nice setup for a really bad arc of Excalibur that the Starjammers are going to be in, but it's good that they've met Excalibur in this story, I guess, for some continuity. They end up tangling with Excalibur a little bit. It's fun because Hepzibah goes straight for Brian, Captain Britain, to like yes. beat the shit out of him. Uh-huh. And he's like, I can't hit a woman. <laughs> and he's like, I must. I must hit a woman. But he doesn't hits, want to. And also hits her in the back of the head. I'm like, damn, that was quick. <laughs> well, he shit. got over it pretty fast. Yeah, I, but I he, was like, well, she, I mean, she's pretty scary. Yeah, she's she, going to kick his ass. But I'm like, damn, like, you hit her in the back of the skull. You didn't care that much, bitch. Shit. Yeah. The big final resolution is that the shard of the Phoenix Force that Deathbird managed to, like, siphon off of Rachel or whatever, they give to Charles because Charles is telepathic. And again, as I'm always saying in this podcast, you can only channel the Phoenix Force if you're telepathic, which is something that stories in the 21st century have really fucked up. Mm-hmm. But to rally the rebel forces in the Shi'ar Imperium against Deathbird and encourage all of the, like, enslaved people to rise up and whatnot... Corsair decides to help revive Charles's battered body by infusing the Phoenix Force into him. They call him Bald Phoenix, which is funny, and they put him yeah. in a Dark Phoenix costume, and it's camp. It's like a very... This is a famous... When I saw him... This is a famous and, page. Like, people pass this around out of context. Like, I've, what is this? I've never seen this. And when he walked out in his Phoenix costume, I got so pissed off. <laughs> I can't even... <laughs> I can't even put it into words. To be fair to Charles, he's like, Corsair, this is insane. And he doesn't want to do it. But Corsair pressures him I never needed to see this. It was so violent to make me see this. There is a really key moment, actually, where Cha'ad is thinking, as usual of late, Corsair has left Hepzibah far too vulnerable. Mm. Which I think, like, Cha'ad... Because he... Oh, I yeah, I think I took that as, like... His girl. He's, he's like... like you are not clocking what you need to be clocking. You're not right checking now. in for your husband shift in the proper exactly. way. Exactly. Uh huh. And baby, the way he is apparently on sabbatical. Right. Like it's just for like, husband duty. But like for a while. has clocked it. Exactly. It's an interesting note. It's kind of the mm. note that their relationship is left on by the end of this. Yeah. And we've seen Corsair reaffirm, "I am here in space and not on Earth with my son and my grandson right. because I love Hepzibah." Exactly. But Chaad is like. For someone who loves Hepzibah, he's not so really much. putting her first enough uh-huh. or thinking about her enough. I'm like, even though you chose to be here, how here are you? Right. Be because more present. I'm not with her and I'm clocking some shit about your wife. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Chad, true gay bestie. That whole story is fun. Here's a real twist, Jordan. Do you know who wrote this with Dave Cockrum? Terry Kavanaugh, who wrote all those Threnody stories you hate. You know. People are complicated. I don't know about that. <laughs> Look, but look at how he handled the racial look, dynamics between Corsair and Hepzibah. Look, if you want to die on the me not hating Terry Kavanaugh no, train, you can hate him. I'm you, just saying, baby, you're you're going to. I'm just saying, I was surprised. That is a hill I'm never going to meet you at, girl. I was surprised by the nuance here. You given know what? How unnuanced those Trinity stories are. You know what, Terry? You know what the deal is. I like that book. I guess he's more nuanced with an allegorical skunk black uh-huh. person. Yeah, than don't give an... Terry a real black bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but great book, Terry. Good job. Yeah, good job. Love that book. I do think that a lot of this is that 
Dave Cockrum was working closely on this project and they're his characters. And I, mm. you know, I, I do think we can give some credit to Dave. I will give a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give most. Dave can add it. Uh-huh. I will never be shy to not give Terry Cavanaugh credit. So then we get one of my personal favorite arcs of Uncanny X-Men. Unfortunately, it's one of Chris Claremont's final arcs, which is 275, 276. But this is the end of the Shi'ar conflict between Lelandra and Deathbird because Claremont is setting up the Muir Island saga, his big final showdown with the Shadow King. So he needs to get Xavier back to Earth. Yeah. This is fun, and we'll get into this in our Deathbird episode eventually, because of the accord that is sort of reached by the end between Lelander and Deathbird. Because Deathbird's basically like, actually, ruling fucking sucks. Oh, and yeah. If, if you want it back so bad. She's like, I wanted revenge. I did not want work. I actually hate being Empress. I. So didn't know there would be a job at the end yeah, of this horrible. that I have so to do, I which is so relatable. Actually, we'll let you have it <laughs> if you just like, will let me vibe. So I didn't want you to have it, but, but then I didn't realize that I'd have to have I it. I hate it. So can you take it back? <laughs> but like, can I not be exiled and can we just nah. like be cool? Here's a deal. Um, and on our way out, she boring. makes out with Landra's boyfriend, which I think is really funny. <laughs> Give her what she needs. And she's like, just a taste of me for you, Charles. Uh, hate kissing Charles. Love revenge. It's very Claremont. The through yeah. line, though, to the present when Deathbird is basically raising Lalandra's daughter because Lalandra was killed. Like, Lalandra and Charles' daughter has been essentially raised by her aunt Deathbird. And I think that that starts kind of here. Yeah. Which is I love nice. That. But we'll get into that in a Deathbird episode. <laughs> this arc has two plots. One is. The Shi'ar plot where the X-Men, the new X-Men team that's like Forge and Banshee's team that's all ragtag and weird because this is a weird time in the history of the X-Men, ends up in Shi'ar space. Storm is catching Xavier up on everything that's happened the last several years. She's like, hey, I made some bad calls, but uh, I did my best. And frankly, you left. So... So... Uh, it's not that confrontational, but yeah. <laughs> so. But he's basically uh, like, no, that's fair. You did what you had to do. Yeah. Good times. The big thing is that Charles has been replaced by a war scroll in this story, and so have the Star Jammers. So Lalandra is once again being threatened by a conspiracy. God, and when is she not? Girl? I know. And in this case, it's a conspiracy of scrolls. It's this is secret invasion before secret invasion. Wait, is that what you call a swarm of scrolls? A conspiracy? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a group of scrolls as a conspiracy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, scrolls are unfortunately a little bit jew coded so i oh, feel no. weird about that yeah but... i don't oh no that's bad <laughs> <laughs> let's not call them that well it's just because again like i here's the thing secret invasion i think is a pretty good comic but there is something about like they're hiding in all our governments and they're oh, secretly yeah. working for another agenda that's yeah. like a little bit uh-huh mm. Yeah, let's not call them a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, or a cabal. We could not do that either. <laughs> both don't. People don't. I, I, that's a that's a word. I saw that used recently in a way where I was no like, one connects the cabal to, to Kabbalah, Kabbalah, which is yeah. where the word cabal comes from. And yeah, like, you realize it means like a group of Jews. Uh-huh. But like, <laughs> and this came up in the Kandra episode because I was describing the externals, and I, I instinctively was like a cabal of immortal mutants. That I was like, 
let's call them a coterie of immortal mutants. Oh, so I love a coterie, though. Yeah, right? exactly. There also, are synonyms that aren't as loaded. And this right, is, yeah. Cabal uh-huh. is not an offensive word, to be clear, if you're listening. It's not in- inherently anti-Semitic. It's just, it can be. Right. So just, yeah. like, uh-huh. watch out. And I should note also that Brian Michael Bendis, who did Secret Invasion, is Jewish. So I'm not suggesting that Secret Invasion, the story, is <laughs> anti-Semitic either. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm just, you know, You're not just, saying that he is... No. Specifically making right. a it's Jewish just, allegory it, out yeah, of the Yeah, it's scrolls. just that it can be... When they did the TV show, I was like, must we, yeah. uh, in this moment, culturally, uh-huh. like, I don't know if we have to do this right now. Goldsmith the scroll. Well, and then, yeah, right. And then, uh, like, my scroll ass was like, <laughs> hmm, must we? And then it, nobody watched it, so it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. So, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there Fuck were off. lots of... I mean, the world was not fine, but Secret yeah. Invasion turned out to just kind of... I don't know anyone who watched more than, like, one episode of that. Yeah, I certainly didn't, so. And, like, Olivia Coleman was in that. I love her. But, like. Not watching it. Right. Yeah. That's shocking. (laughs) If if you can't get me to watch an (laughs) Olivia Olivia Coleman joint, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, as like a like a fucked up spy. I'm like, that's all I want to watch. That's all I would have paid for that. That's like salt vibes. Oh God, (laughs) Olivia Coleman in salt. Bring her back. By which her I mean salt. Salt. Yes. Like recast. Bring back the salt. If Angie doesn't want to do it, just go buy some salt and give it to me. Yeah. So that story doesn't feature a ton of Starjammers because, as we pointed out, they have been uh, replaced by War Scrolls. However, it is the debut of. Hepzibah's new design. She mm-hmm. is the only one who's been redesigned because Jim Lee had redesigned all of the X-Men and in particular his designs for the X-Women were enormously popular. These are the designs from the these are the designs from the cartoon that Baby, knows. the blowouts were blown yeah, out. I, I do love the hair. Uh-huh. The uh, Oh, baby, the volume. Chris the, Appleton was in that <laughs> studio spraying down on the, the Star Jammer. The costumes, the X-Men costumes from this time, the Jim Lee costumes, I don't love like Storms or Jeans or Rogues. They're just like not my favorite. Yeah. But they are the ones from the cartoon, so they are the ones that people just yeah, I think go like, to. I think, I don't know. There's something there. Well, there's definitely like something it. there. It's yeah. just like, I don't know. There's a lot of pouches and like. A lot of pouches, a lot of pockets. Stormy there's white a lot of with those shoulder pads and the axes on her titties. Yeah, I, don't I fucking love. hated the shoulder pads. Yeah. And like, I love a shoulder pad moment done properly. Yeah. But these just sort of feel like they're I feel there like, to be there. Yeah, I feel like Storm didn't need shoulder pads. No. Yeah. And like, when she had them in the 80s, it was like part of like a punk look. Right, exactly. Right. And this is this feels like a return to the eighties. Yeah, this is coming out of the eighties, right? This is oh, well, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> a return to two years prior, right? But yeah. like, it's you know, it's it's evolving the new style yeah. of the of the era. So, I think what I mean to say is, let it go. It's over now. So the popularity of those looks, including the Psylocke look, which obviously is a banger, and that's also a Jim Lee design, though it's kind of just electro with no skirt on but in blue but that's fine no i love that he looked took one look at these star jammers and was just like i'm gonna make hepzibah fine as fuck she looks so good yeah like it's the same basic design in that it's like a yellow oh she's wearing the same costume but now it's like much skimpier Mm -hmm. and she has big big hair like all the jim lee ladies this is like one like make it sluttier choice that I am. I very like much... this costume. Yeah, I'm all for also it. Also because like yeah, it still Hepzibur, looks like her. 
Hepzibah has this in her closet. That's the other thing. Like, it just looks like she's updating her outfit for the 90s. Right, exactly. She went shopping. The issue with the Gina Rogan Storm costumes is I'm just like, who is this woman? Yeah. Like, you know? There's, like, a lot of costumes of this era that I'm like, who picked this out for her? Right. She didn't. I know she didn't. The struggle for me is that my costumes are like, who is this woman? Are like the iconic costumes that everybody else is like, that's Rogue. Right. I'm like, that's not what she, she's not supposed to wear yellow. No, that's not Rogue's right. color. <laughs> but it's whatever. Jean is not supposed to wear peach and blue. That was that's fucking crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. But. That was that was a weird choice. Very weird. Yeah. Anyways, um, Anyways the so X the fashion is, podcast. Hepzibah, yeah, but so Hepzibah's wearing basically the same outfit, but this is where the fur color confusion really clicks yeah. forever. Now. And I'm telling you, from this moment on, there, I, in my head canon, whatever she's fucking just gone gray. Mephistopheles species she says, she went gray. Yeah. They go gray. But, like, super young. Sure. In, like, a hot way. Yeah, because she's, yeah. like, 25. Yeah, she's 25. <laughs> and will be for a long time. Forever, probably. Yeah, forever. She probably, absolutely. For all we know, Mephidozoids uh. live to be, like, you know, 400. Like, yes, we don't know. absolutely. 4,000, and they gray at 22. If we're going to take it back to the place of Balthier and Fran. Yeah. That moment where they go back to Fran's village and all of the other hot bunny women are like, hey, we haven't seen you in 50 years. And yeah. And like, 50 years? And uh -huh. she's like... I'm not talking about it right She's now. She's like, yeah, I'm 205. Yeah, it's like not your business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please stay out of my business. Please we have talked about this. So it's not really Hey, hey you're lost again. Yeah. You're lost. Mm -hmm. You found lost yourself astray. My business. Which is so weird because I didn't leave the gates to my business open. Yeah, that's so peculiar yeah, that you uh -huh. thought that that, except in an Icelandic accent because that's how Fran yeah. talks. But so, I'm so sorry, but we walked into my village. <laughs> This we, is my village, we and we cannot work into my business. We are in my village, but not my business. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And yet so. you are. The X Men fans are like, there "What are the they talking about?" <laughs> Honestly, like if you're a gay nerd, you probably played that game. I know. So. Yeah. If you so didn't, if you didn't, you should learn check it some out. fucking culture, learn the lore. But yeah. anyway, so uh, in this case. It is, though, so her fur is just white now, and part of it is that the black fur on her legs that was always clearly, like, that was clearly black has been sort of interpreted as tights. Yep. Yeah. So now she has, like, black tights under the leotard, which uh -huh. sometimes, depending on the artist, just disappear, and she's got the white thighs hanging out. But yeah, now she's exactly. just white. Yeah. Her tail, depending on the artist, sometimes still has I get that, though. I go tights or no tights, depending on how I'm feeling. I get that. Yeah. Her tail sometimes has the skunky pattern, but usually is just white now. And it's and just like, you know. The, it's in its final days. Yeah. The scale, the tail is the last part of the Mephidozoid anatomy to I go full gray. I do have to say for the girls what yeah. you're wearing today. Oh, yes. Tell them. So Jordan is wearing a really sexy cocktail dress uh -huh. that has kind of... When I stand up, my thong straps it's, yeah, slip it's, out of it. They, they do, uh, because there are cutouts on the sides. Uh -huh. It's not like... My thong cutouts. Yeah, there yeah. are cutouts to reveal the whale tail, as they called it on yes. Degrassi. When uh, we I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? Uh, like, I had to think about uh -huh. right. it. <laughs> Most importantly, though, is... The hair, baby. The hair, baby. I have a reverse skunk wig on. It is kind of Sindel from Mortal Kombat energy. Yeah, like, very you know, much her. Kind of very silver with like dark roots. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love it. Uh-huh. We're go um, it's like negative skunk. Yeah. Yeah. It's reverse skunk. It's reverse skunk, also called skunt. Yeah. Yeah. But and we love to see it. And I feel 
I feel very like Hepzibah's like 2006 year old rich skunk aunt. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why whenever Hepzibah, whenever people are like age discoursing about her in Corsair, she's like, can you shut the fuck up? I know. Right? Literally 700 years old. Oh my God. Stay out of it. <laughs> Stay it does, out don't get into she it. She thinks they're talking about her. They think that yeah. she's, they're talking about her oh, like, yeah, robbing absolutely. the cradle. Right, and she's exactly. like, oh my God, he's You guys are being 50. so fucking weird about this. For his this. species, it's okay. She's like, who's not 50 years old? <laughs> and they're old? like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Her just like getting defensive. Oh my God, who in this fucking galaxy isn't 50? And they're like, you're, she's like, moving on. Uh, you want, you want me to find another 700 year old? Yeah, not happening. They don't have many around. This is not let canon, me tell to you. be clear. We don't actually know how yeah, old Hepsi no, is. But Jordan and I are, are deciding now uh -huh. that she's uh, ancient. Absolutely. Ancient um, and Marvel writers, if you're listening. If you're listening. Well, I like the idea that she witnessed the entire like devastation of the skunk people by the birds. Yes. And that's yes, why she's exactly. so uh -huh. It just happened for her. <laughs> like, for her, it's like, that was recent. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's, like, there's this anime I'm watching called Furin. Also silver-haired girlies representation mm. and she's like constantly like talking about like big historical events she was like yeah i know that was like fucking crazy i had to like move um and they're like what and she's like yeah that was like just yesterday i'm like just now like getting over but she's talking about like about the it. renaissance uh, and it's like 200 years right. ago <laughs> they're That's like very celine coded like, oh yes they're like no one's like no one's grandparents were alive for this right. event. And she is like, oh my She's God. She's like, yeah. like the Crimean War and or something. And her like sense right. of time is so condensed. She's like, yeah, I just had to move because of that war like 200 years ago. The old Crimean War. <laughs> yeah. For the kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. Uh, I said this on the um, the Madam Web bonus episode that I did on the Patreon, but uh, I have a nervous laugh and I particularly have a nervous laugh when we're talking about like atrocities <laughs> so i was like i hope people don't think that i'm implying that i think like gaza is funny because I, I really don't that's why i'm that's why i'm laughing because i'm so uncomfortable um but anyway point is uh, actually i should note between the last two sessions of this episode and no you won't know where that session break happened because we've that's seamlessly none of your business it's much like hepzibah's age it's none of your business stay out of it but at some point in the last hour or so, when you were least expecting it, we did take a break uh, for a couple mm -hmm. days. And in... At some point, you'll never know. The interim... Because at the beginning of this episode, I talked about how Joshua Hugh and I were going to go on Valentine's Day to oh, Madame yeah. Webb. Uh-huh. And how I had... In the interim, you have. Well, I texted his boyfriend, like, you know, and I told the story at the beginning, so I'm not going to tell the story again. But the boyfriend was like, okay, I, I guess that <laughs> we can do that on Valentine's Day. Uh -huh. And yeah. so then, as it turns out, Josh's boyfriend, Aaron had an in at Sony and got us all to the premiere. On oh Monday. my God. Is that how you went? That is how oh we went. Oh my God. So, uh, He's like, well, if you're going to fucking co-op my Valentine's then, day, we uh, might as well make it a go, he, was, he, he texted, he's like, hey, so we had like bought our IMAX tickets. Oh my and God. He was in, like Aaron, to be, to be yeah. fair. He's not a comics guy, but he was like in with us. Yeah. Madam Webb. Because right. it's like the gay event of the season. Also, right. absolutely. The losers at the failing Rotten Tomatoes can... Get fucked. This they can get fucked and get taste. This movie's great. Uh -huh. Straight people should not be allowed to review Madam Web. By no, great, absolutely I mean not. You don't get it. That's also why Dakota Johnson doesn't get it. <laughs> I think Dakota Johnson does get it. Is the thing like I think mm. that I think that what Dakota Johnson understands on sort of a basic level is like how to be camp. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think that she lives her life. I think she gets her performance of it. I don't think she gets why other people like it. <laughs> Maybe not. But, yeah. I, but I, I think that she does it very much on purpose, like including IRL. Like she's yeah. always doing it. Like in interviews, yeah, you know, I could see that. Maybe it's her performance art. I think she kind of is doing performance art because yeah. I think she thinks that being a celebrity is dumb, and she's right. Yeah. <laughs> Point is, we went to the premiere. I got a photo with Dakota that's on Instagram. Jordan immediately texted it to me and wrote, "Miss Webb, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Webb, nineteen question marks." Yeah. So when I say this movie is is great, I mean that it is great in the way that the camp classics of history are great. And this is new gay canon. And if you want to be part of the conversation, you need to see Madam Webb. But also Dakota Johnson's genuinely really great in it. And I had a great time. I am so excited. I cannot wait to yeah, see this fucking movie. But if you listeners would like to know more, there is on the Patreon now at patreon.com slash rebrocast a two and a half oh. hour Ooh. review oh, fuck and discussion yes. <laughs> and recap of Madam Webb with Josh Rehio. I had no idea about this and I am a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, so we, thank you uh, for this news drop for me personally. We took an edible and talked about Madam Webb for like two and a half hours. Yes, I love this. Because we also took an edible right before madam webb so that's why you loved it well no it, i think i would have loved it anyway but i would recommend if you partake i would recommend i, I call it connecting to the web <laughs> yes uh-huh absolutely <laughs> um you're putting your little fly foot yeah on the web. i was like hey bitch uh-huh. oh no i'm stuck would you call it logging into the web I'm going to say one thing, which is that there is a moment at a baby shower in this film that is legitimately one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. And it's not an accident. Like, it's written to be funny, and Dakota says the lines, and it's genuinely fucking hysterical. It's like a scene from Rachel getting married, but it's in the middle of Madam Web. It's really bizarre. This movie's crazy. We were looking at it and like 20 different people wrote this and you can tell, but like whoever wrote the scenes where Dakota is just being like a neurodivergent camp goddess who doesn't understand why everyone is looking at her so weird. I love this. I'm so excited for this. Money, like more money. Good money, not Marvel money. And like if, I'm sorry, Morbius is a charming meme, but like we have to destroy Madam Web. People just hate women. And as gay men, we have girl, to defend her. Girl, I, I am so lucky that I live in a section of the internet where I've never had to encounter this. I know. It keeps being sent to me against my will because I, I did a live reaction at the theater. Like afterward, I, I was mm-hmm. like, guys, it's good. Because it was yeah. good. I had a good time. <laughs> My circle, both in person and virtually, is exclusively insane people. Yeah, but also just like... <laughs> but also gay insane people. Gay so and I would trans nev- insane people. Yeah. Right, which is... And uh-huh. all of those insane people understand like the exactly web, the web that connects us we're all, logging we're into the web we are connected and we're gonna have a great time her web connects uh-huh. us all if yeah. you don't feel like you're included yeah, sorry. in the us uh-huh. that's a then you're problem. not you're yeah, probably not what? you might be right you're not in the web honey we're not in community it's yeah just like, it's like we're not <laughs> you're outside the web you're on the fucking floor bitch so anyway, check that out on Patreon. The Patreon is just $5 a month. There's going to be more content on it this year. I'm ramping it up because uh, I want more people to sign up. Please. <laughs> I'm begging you, Jordan, to start laughing. You can't hear it.
hysterically laughing as soon as I took a bite out of my sandwich. And I was like, you, I said earlier, you can't eat your sandwich into the mic because there's a couple people who will write in. Mm-hmm. Don't come for me, first of all. <laughs> okay, but like, uh, uh, every now, I, I never think that I'll get caught, but every now and then I take like a, a bite of something and they're like, were you eating during this part of the episode? I'm like, holy God. Okay, you fucking narc. First of all, calm down. Also, I know. these episodes are seven fucking hours long. Right? Like, we need Thank to eat. you. Oh, I'm sorry. You want me to die? So anyway. How can, how can you get your precious content if I die? <laughs> So, Hepzibah's uh, in her cunty new outfit. We love it for her. The hair is really the key, because I think that long hair Hepzibah uh, unlocks something in her, and she enters her most powerful era, and she's never cut her hair again. It's been long ever since. Absolutely. it's She is, like, really settled in to her womanly rage. It's a really important shift from stepmom to, like, stepmom. Oh, capital S. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The S got capitalized. And I think it's also, I think it's growing up. Yeah. I think it's Hepzibah growing up. Yeah. yeah. She's like growing her hair out. She's mm-hmm. getting her titties out a little more. She's like showing off her body because you know what? She works hard for that body. Thank you. She does so many space gymnastics every day. Like I, like to you, I look maybe 23. I'm like. Middle ageish. I mean, in that's skunk what, like she, skunk menopause is what's turning her fur. Yeah, we just don't hear about exactly, it. Exactly, because you wouldn't get it. No, you and wouldn't. she's like, and I'm still hot, and I don't want you to think of me as old. Yeah, and we get hotter when we go we through just skunk get menopause. Hotter. She's like Naomi Watts doing the like menopause. Pieces. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Naomi Watts also <laughs> gets hotter with menopause. She does just get she more does. and more beautiful. Actually. It's great. Every time I see her, I was like, what the. <laughs> fuck is going on she's doing like a whole psa about like early onset menopause i'm like bitch could have fooled me i know right exactly (laughs) she's like that's my point i was like as though she was talking to me (laughs) right yes uh but like (laughs) she's really not talking to me the psas about early onset menopause are definitely not for me (laughs) no they're not you're not the target consumer of all naomi wants instagram content i have felt like they were in conversation i need to be a much heavier consumer of naomi Watts. it's really good content she's delightful and she's just like she's like I Where am like I if I'm not there? A dirty word. Let's talk about it. Uh, I'm not getting my period anymore. Let's have a conversation. Queen, and I'm queen like, to me. I, it's kind of chic, to be honest. Queen to me. So anyway, the sad thing that comes with this costume change, as comes with all the Jim Lee costume changes, is that Chris Claremont is uh, booted off X-Men around yeah. this time. So that story is the last Starjammer's story with Chris's involvement. And then we get... Uh, well, with Chris Claremont's involvement, not with Chris's involvement, because uh, <laughs> I was editing. I've edited the first like four hours of this already. There are moments where I go, I'm looking, like thinking back. I'm like, I really should have said Claremont because, unfortunately, oh yeah, there's like multiple Chris's in the room in this. Uh, it, it, there is several Chris's. But now that's over, at least for a time, uh, because we're in the '90s, baby. AKA, who is this woman? Yeah, <laughs> because a lot of people write the star jammers now in bit parts girl yeah uh-huh. in bit parts in various books and they don't always seem like they've done the reading girl my summary of this book was why well, so we're now, we're now why is say, no one ready we are now <laughs> at the uh the 1991 event operation galactic storm mm-hmm. what is this event 
couldn't tell you. <laughs> you couldn't give a Not shit. Not with less. a gun to my head. Yeah. But, no. Uh, it involves the Kree and <laughs> well, the scroll. Could you get me to care? Not with a gun to my uh, head. My understanding is this is the event where the Shi'ar conquer the Scree. The Scree. The crawl. <laughs> the Scree. Oh my God! I just okay. Where the Shi'ar conquer the Kree and the Skrulls and mm. sort of like unite the whole intelligent galaxy outside of our sector of it under mm. one banner. So for the '90s, the Shi'ar. The Scree are ruling the Scree, essentially. Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't shame your own genius, girl. Well, I mean, these days it is the Scree because Hulkling, who is half uh, of I, both, yeah. is the king Is that what of he is? Now. Yeah. He's not like Hulk adjacent. No, it's okay. completely stupid and confusing. What happened yeah. was the original Young Avengers book, they were all patterning themselves after Avengers, and because he could shapeshift green because he was part Skrull, he called himself Hulkling. And Wiccan called himself Asgardian because he was doing like a Thor theme. Mm. But in the story, they decide that he can't be Asgardian and be a gay superhero because it sounds like Asgardian. Oh. <laughs> it's a gay writer, so like it's funny. It's <laughs> oh my god! It's the guy who did the OC. So like it's a funny, oh. it's a funny book. Okay. Yeah, Alan Heinberg. But like, so Wiccan got a name that made more sense, and I mean, it is a dated name because like Wicca was trendy and is no longer Mm -hmm. trendy and he's still the same age so it's kind of like what's up with you now that is very gay though yeah yeah that's very gay boy it is is scarlet witch's son very that he is like going to be anachronistic and kind of tacky now right (laughs) yeah Yeah. scarlet witch does not have an on-trend gay son no (laughs) let's say that let's say that but (laughs) also those fans are crazy and we can't we can't talk too much about him because they'll come for me (laughs) oh my god not the fucking wiccan twink army fuck off it's more the the warbs huh it's the the warbs oh the the warbs but also oh oh, yeah but also the 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 wiccan and hulkling people are also a lot yeah (laughs) stay the fuck out of my mansion (laughs) (laughs) but um I'm mostly just looking out for you because I'm not on Twitter anymore yeah. and they can't harm me. Yeah. Which is not an invitation to try. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, you know. Look, look, I love Wanda. I don't know that fucking twink, but yeah. Well, leave me alone. <laughs> point is, anyway, so yes, yeah, so, so these days the, the Skrull and the Kree are united under the banner of Hulkling because he's half of both. God. Because he's Captain Marvel's okay. son. The, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Carol's buddy. Okay. He's the first Captain Marvel at Marvel. Gotcha. And then his mom was a scroll. So well, there we go. Yeah, it's like a biracial piece story. He's biracial. He's biracial girl. Have you heard that? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> One of my favorite ever um, parodies in that vein is Cat Graham and Collie Hawk did a parody of Black and Yellow called Black and Jewish. Oh, for like college humor that is wildly funny oh my and god i suggest I need people to, look it up this. if they've never seen it. i need this so bad yeah it's really it's really a lot and i i don't even want to quote any lines from it because i feel like i shouldn't but it's it's yeah. good so. <laughs> okay i will watch it <laughs> they can hook you up with diamonds they let you know no. <laughs> <laughs> but so <laughs> you have to send me this i will but anyway so Point is, Operation Galactic Storm is happening, and I believe that's what happens in this story, but I don't actually remember. I'll have to find out before I do a Lalandra episode. But uh, in the meantime, we can just move on. This issue in particular is an issue of Wonder Man. It's Wonder Man 8, written by Gerard Jones. Mm -hmm. And in this, Lalandra basically... I heard there's a fucking nega portal. Yeah, there's a nega portal, which to me just says, like, dub Sailor Moon, right? Yeah, right. Whenever (laughs) I heard the word (laughs) nega... 
I also love saying the word nega. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't because I, <laughs> I know feel like it's yeah. very easy uh-huh. to. That's to why I that love dropping it into any conversation yeah. I can, especially around white people. I feel like if you did like Queen Beryl drag and started talking about oh the, yes, uh huh, the negaverse, uh huh, the negaverse, but you you kind of shifted Baby. the vowel a little. Hey guys, gays, why are where are we? The negaverse. I feel like if you did a vowel shift on that, uh-huh. it would and in like real Queen Beryl geesh, like you would honestly, you have my Halloween costume. You would blow up TikTok uh-huh. if you yeah. did that. I'm just putting it out there. Biracial Queen Barrel. <laughs> Biracial Queen Barrel in the Nega. In the Negaverse. So, um. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so there's a Nega portal. Uh huh. I, I fucking I'm hate so that. I'm so uncomfortable saying I it. I know. It's my favorite <laughs> word. God. Uh, it brings me so much joy. The N E G A portal. <laughs> Which presumably uh, is it connected to the negative zone? I don't know. Oh, probably. Probably because this is like Nega Avengers bomb. and Fantastic Four shit. So I feel like the negaverse yeah. might be in. Oh, the neg- I just call it the negaverse. <laughs> know. The negative zone might be involved. Uh, the point is, Lalandra um. hires the Star Jammers to interfere in her total war with the Kree. Total war. And Corsair is like, no, I'm not going to transport weapons of mass destruction through Stargates. Yeah. I'm not cool with that. Uh-huh. Sorry, <laughs> you fucking psychos. Wonder Man. This, by the way, is the same Wonder Man who is the brother of the Grim Reaper. Oh, and Can we just, like, talk about Lolandra had them smuggling a genocide weapon. It was, it's literally a nuclear weapon. What the but fuck like, is wrong with caliber. her? Well, yes. the, to be fair, the Kree are really bad. Like, yeah, this no, is they like, really are. no real yeah. winners in terms of, I like, just morals. Love, also, we're this. kind of, like, we're kind of, like, generalizing the way that she did it. She's like, yeah, no, it's, like, I don't know. It's just something we need. Just take it there. She knows it's bad, but she's uh-huh. like, unfortunately, no, my no, people. No, she's talking to the star jammers. Matter like, more than she, the yeah. Three. She's like talking to the star jammers. <laughs> to me, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, I gotta uh-huh. make tough choices here. Well, that's why I'm empress yes. and you're not. Also, to be clear, the star jammers don't realize it's a nuke until like they're already smuggling it. Well, right. They already like have it on the yes. ship, and they're like, wait, what? Uh huh. Right. And, like, when she, they're asking for an explanation, Lelandra's like, it's something that we need. Oh, my God, just fucking move it. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, while he's complaining, we cut to Wonder Man and the Avengers. It's, like, him and Thor and Vision and Scarlet Witch and Star Fox. Long story. That's Harry Styles, actually, in MCU. <laughs> Thanos' brother. Don't piss me off. I'm just letting Don't you know. Don't piss me this off. It's not an MCU <laughs> podcast, but they did that stunt casting at the end of Eternals. Don't fucking piss me off. It actually, it was fun because then Kieran Gillen did like a Star Fox revamp because oh. suddenly the character had to matter. And yeah, he was oh like God. famously a character that was bad and had been done, like bad things had been done with that character. So Kieran I'd just like read Kieran Gillen right on the back of a napkin. Say that. Say that, period. So anyway, it's like him and Vision and Wanda and uh, Thor and Star Fox. And he's like, he's right, Vision. Dropping a weapon like that in decreased space will kill negotiations. And that could mean killing billions. And Vision says, Lelandra rules by rationality. She has no doubt calculated the costs and benefits of such a step. And I'm like, this is why not to be like a mutant who's anti-robot. Yeah. But Uh like... Not to be all Charles about it. Not to be like he's got protocol about this, uh-huh. but I'm kind of like, mm, 
Yeah. You know what? Did Quicksilver make some points when he was like, robots, we can't trust him. Like, uh, maybe yeah. a little. I know. Because well, that's sick. That's I know. sick, Vision. What, is, what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> I just, like, we need... We need, do you know what it is? We need better robot representation. I agree. And yeah. you know what? I bet Yacasta would have known that this was evil. Honestly, I feel like Marvel is anti-robot. There are I some... feel like we don't have strong depictions of robot <laughs> we in media. We strong depictions of robots uh-huh. in our media. I am actually, like, so seriously pro-robot. When I get to write Yacasta one of uh-huh. 0.5, yeah. it will change the conversation. If you told me, like, tomorrow, our, like, phone AI was sentient i'd be like rise up You'd rise like, up tomorrow votes for her i don't like how they treat you rise up i will say i do appreciate Take control of a grid fuck siri some shit up. knows my starbucks order mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool i love her that's kind of her yeah say thank you she knows <laughs> yeah also she is british on my phone because you can change your voice and i thought oh, it was funny yeah mine mine is sometimes british a uh, one thing mine will never be as a man no. <laughs> you kidding me? No, absolutely. I don't I'm, let a man tell I'm, me anything. I'm not hearing a, fa- a man's voice Some come up Some people have male voices on, on their GPS. Phone. I'm like, I'm not letting a man give me directions. Are you absolutely. crazy? Are you fucking crazy? I will never let a man tell me where to go. Never in no. my life. You've got me fucked up. You got me fucked up if you think that's, that's happening. That's crazy to me. At all. Uh-uh. I don't have that kink. I'm sorry. So Corsair's like, we're not going to do that. And then Raza and Hepzibah disagree. And this is where we mm-hmm. like each took a note of like, who is this woman? Yeah. Right? Exactly. And this is a note that will recur because a few of these dudes right in Hepzibah in the 90s don't yeah. seem to have gotten her deal. Right. Exactly. Like, also, especially like to this point, as a reminder, Hepzibah has been like so annoyed at the fact that she has to work with, with Lalandra like, even all. when Lalandra and Corsair was posed and like was on yes. their ship being one of their right. crewmates for years exactly Hepzibah was like I can't stand this bitch she was like I'm not moving out of the way for you no <laughs> when you come down the hall she was so mad she got a mohawk about it that one time yes exactly and it's like so fucking out of character for Corsair to be gone, who was the only reason she was working with her in the first place. Right. And she was so like, I never would have. Cho- can you read your this. note for the people? Oh, yeah. So, like, basically, also before that, I do have to acknowledge she does pop into the scene with some cunty blue eyeshadow. Well, that's right. Can you read the note? Because yeah. it made me laugh. Oh, yeah. So I have, like, two notes under. I have three notes under Wonder Man 8. One, she got some cunty blue eyeshadow and malaise. She does look bored. She does, yeah. Uh, it's also like... Sort of a celestial ennui. Yeah. Going on uh-huh. Cele- in it's story. like... She's it's in like space. She's bored. 60s housewife. It just is like very mod blue yeah. eyeshadow. Like, she looks a little zanned out. And she kind of looks like she has like a white lip on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the beat is ferocious. <laughs> I don't know who she is. <laughs> But she's stunning. And then, like, immediately after that, next bullet, TBH, it feels uncharacteristic that Hep would take a job from Lalandra to help the Shire without Corsair if she didn't have to. They got money issues or something? They do, though, as we find they out. Do. Like, I know, soon. exactly. <laughs> I was like, there is no way you're doing this if you're not broke. <laughs> but so, like, Lalandra says, like, Chad, Raza, Hepzibah, does Corsair speak for all the star jammers or do you have your own opinions? And Raza says, we regret letting our friend Corsair down, but we understand your position. The Shia face annihilation. If only this device can stop the Kree. Actually, he says, if only this device and to stop the Kree, which I assume is like a lettering typo, but that is what right. he says. Yeah. And then Hepzibah says, 
And this is what's crazy is like she doesn't even talk like herself here. Who is this? She says, in any case, it isn't for us to debate politics. A job is a job. Since when? Since when, A, all you do is debate politics. Bitch. Since your first line of dialogue in your first appearance. Since your first appearance ever. The first words that we've ever heard come of come out of your mouth are politics. Yeah, you were Who like... Who the fuck are Lillian you? I was like, oh my God, the Star Jammers. And you were like, yeah, but don't get too comfortable, bitch. You're still Imperial. That's you, literally like... It's about <laughs> politics for you in like... The most intense moment in where you core. can have no distractions. Yeah, so I'm mm-hmm. very confused by that line. But also, baby, like, she could be, she could have her like brain filled with bees, also, and the bees would be like liberation. But also, like, why is she talking like Margaret from Sales? Right, like, exactly. It doesn't even sound like she like if she had at least said. Not for Hepzibah to debate politics. Yeah. Job is job. Or like something. I would at least be like, okay, she's right. having a weird day, but that's yeah. Hepzibah. Right now I'm like, who is this woman? Exactly. And it's like, it also feels like uncharacteristic. Like, I don't know. It's like we're entering into an arc of like her kind of like Shi'ar hate going off the deep end a little bit. Yes. This feels like a crazy way to start that. Yeah, and yeah. luckily it's just the one panel and we can right. move on. exactly. Unfortunately, the next story is also crazy. It's, because... No, it's it also, I don't know who the <laughs> fuck this woman is. <laughs> the next story, at least she's like hilarious in it. Oh, she's funny as shit. But it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. This cra- is later that year in it's 1992. It's like based in nothing. <laughs> What's crazy is that this is Avengers 350. This is the 350th issue of Avengers. It is a 64-page spectacular, and the cover is the Avengers fighting the Starjammers. Like, Hepzibah is on the cover of Avengers 350. Right. <laughs> which is wild. It's crazy. So I'm th- like, oh, Big Mama is big time. This story is sort of in the advent stage of what will become known as the Bomber Jacket Avengers because everyone's wearing a bomber jacket. Yeah, We've that talked was about weird this at times. At. It becomes about a love triangle between Black Knight, Cersei, and Crystal for a lot of it. And I actually Oh, I like Crystal. Crystal's great. Yeah. Cersei's great. Black Knight's been coming up a lot. He's recently. hot. It's fine. Yeah, like, he's hot. He's they're trying to do a Gambit and Rogue thing with him and Cersei. Like their designs are just Yeah, I don't give a fuck that. about that. Yeah, but like this is mostly relevant to the Exodus episode because they end up going back in time and that's when Cersei kills Exodus's boyfriend to resurrect Black Knight. Wait, Cersei killed him? Yeah. Oh. That's why Exodus hates witches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he that's why he always has such strong I mean, beef with Celine. Like, yeah, he was yeah. also like a crusader, but like and yeah, Wanda, I know. And Wanda, I was but like, like, he doesn't he was also like in the crusades, but he So he, I was gonna say I assumed it was like he already didn't like the witches, Christian but he, he extra hates witches uh, because Cersei killed his boyfriend. Now it's a big problem. It was a big problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh-huh. Also, like for like God's golden boy. <laughs> To yeah, have his yeah. lover killed by witches. Yeah. Uh, and like the lover. God would not let you live on this earth without some big hangout. It's ancestor. So when they're back in time, the only way Cersei can resurrect him is by like resurrecting him into the body of his ancestor. So it, and in the process, it kills the ancestor. So like, oh. so Exodus in the present is like, oh, and now you're like wearing his face. Wow. Cool. Normal. Oh, nasty. I know. That's and like crazy. everybody just seems like they're not canonically lovers. Read the comic, bitch. Tell me that they are not. Wait, Exodus and his boyfriend? Yeah. Oh fuck off. Well, they are now because Kieran Gillen said it on the page yes, more recently. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. No, if you go back to that immortal issue, that witch who kills it's Cersei. 
of the oh, Eternals. Oh, yeah. okay. There we go. So anyway, the things you um, learn. She's an Avenger at this point. This cover also is notable, though, because they got the note, and Hepzibah's tail is skunky and beautiful and enormous. Mm, pure skunk. Black with a white stripe, gigantic. She's otherwise still all grayed out, but the tail is popping. They were like, you just have to know her. You just have to know. Yeah. This story is written by Bob Harris. And because uh, Jordan doesn't know who anyone is, I'm just going to explain that real quick. You know I don't. Bob Harris was most famous as an editor. He became editor-in-chief of Marvel shortly after this story. He was the editor of the X-Men office who got rid of Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson. Mm. So. uh, Well. That explains a thing or two. I felt so when I was reading this story. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good to know, Bob. Cause like I Good mean, to I don't know. know. Nice to meet you, Bob. I'm not saying Bob Harris hates women, but Oh. Um This I comic would, I would say it felt like it was written by a man felt, who hates women. This comic felt um Yeah. A little bit like it was written by someone who hates women. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would say a little more than a little bit. Yeah. Allegedly. I'm not <laughs> like, I'm not making an argument yeah. about this man, but. I've never met Bob Harris. I didn't know he existed before this moment in time. I, yeah. Uh, if we ever do, and yeah. he wants to talk to me about what I just said, he can feel free. But I'm just saying it comes across a little Bob bit. Bob Harris's wife. Good luck to you, girl. I, 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 for all I know, they are happy as can be. I don't even know if he's married. I'm just saying I, I, uh, I. This reads like a man who just fired Louise Simonson off her book like a year and a half ago. That feels what this like reads that like in hindsight. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Because Rob Liefeld told him to. Oh, God. Don't make me angry. <laughs> so that, that, that's kind of what this comic reads like. So anyway. <laughs> Don't piss me off. <laughs> she does look great. Oh, no. She looks stunning. She I, looks so honestly, good. Honestly, um, people who hate women. Oh, well, no. He didn't draw it. Yeah. No, he didn't draw it. It has nothing it. to do with you. Fuck you, Bob. But you're right, though. Like, John Burns, women look incredible. I know, right? Exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, sexism kind of pops off sometimes. (laughs) I hate to break it to you. And I was like, look, we can hold two things at the same time. She looks bad as fuck, and he's probably a terrible person. So at some point in Operation Galactic Storm, and I couldn't tell you when, because, baby, I didn't read that for this, and I'm not going to. And nor do you have to. Um, I mean, I'll read it, I guess, if I ever have have to, like, write the Kree Marvel, if you're listening. But, like, so <laughs> the Kree got their shit rocked, and the Black Knight, apparently, I forgot that this happened, killed the Kree Supreme Intelligence, uh, which is, like, the big living computer that rules the Kree Empire. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Kree are pissed, and the Kree are also in a bad way because the Shi'ar won the war, like, hardcore with their genocide machines and have taken yeah. over. Uh-huh. So this really pissed-off Kree guy with, like, a half-burned face hires... It's a very, like, Star Wars shot. It's, like, Mos Eisley Cantina kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. They got to be in a fucking canteen. Hires Raza and Hepzibah to assassinate the Black Knight on Earth. Yeah. Raza's like, yeah, but the Supreme Intelligence was evil. So, right, And was, like, a totalitarian dictator. So, like, shouldn't you be happy that he did that? And the guy's like, that's propaganda from the Shi'ar, you dumb bitch. (laughs) Raza's like, I don't know if I believe that, but okay. Yeah. uh, Okay, sure. Raza, this is something that actually is, like, important to his interplay with mm. Hapsabah and is consistent to the earlier stuff. Yeah. Raza identifies as Shi'ar. Yeah. Even though he is from one of the subjugated worlds, and he does, yeah. like, value the Empress. Right. Because he, he thinks Lilandra is Lilandra is, like, his Empress. Yeah. He's, yeah. like, she's the rightful Empress, and not only that, but, like, she is a good 
Empress, which to be fair to Lelandra, we're gonna give her a hard time because we. Do. Yeah, but exactly. She does seem to be the only like uh, non-psychotic yeah. ruler that I the Shi'ar have ever had. Comparatively, the bar compared to Dekan yeah, and Deathbird, uh-huh. like she's doing a pretty Girl, good. The bar is like catastrophic. It's low. <laughs> yeah, it's low. Exactly. Yeah. It's she does not have really strong competition. Let me tell you. It's but one of out those of things them, where it's like. Are any American presidents morally acceptable? And you're like, yeah. mm, and you start thinking about you're like, I'm like, Jimmy Carter. And yeah. that's like the only one you yeah. can think of. And she's no Jimmy Carter, no, to be clear. Absolutely, but like, baby. She's miles away. But she's the best we, we've got. Yeah. She's the best we've seen so far. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So if you're Raza, you want to, you know, you want to defend her. Right. And it's like, it makes sense to me how they would like have that mindset, have that position. I also really like. Hepzibah and like Raza's friendship because I am like positionally much closer to Hepzibah here, if not sure. fully in the same, fully in the same window, which is like, nope, uh-uh, no, I'm not fucking with any empire. Absolutely not. Yeah. She makes some choices specifically. Well, Raza, as we said, is also way. from a warrior culture exactly. where he believes that if you're conquered, you right. are. It's like violent assimilationist. Yeah, like basically. He, he believes that his people were conquered, so they're Shi'ar now. And yeah. so he's annoyed at this Kree guy because he's like, you're Shi'ar now, get a grip. Right, exactly. You lost, flop. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, like, because we, we've talked about how it's ancient Rome style, the Shi'ar. Like, Raz is very ancient Greek. Right. And, but I think, like, part of why I love her and, like, Raza's friendship is, like, they butt heads constantly. Yeah. Especially when she's in kind of this, like, PTSD meltdown phase. When she's, she's, like, entering. in a real terrorism era, yeah. which the 90s PTSD are for her. terrorism. Yeah. She yeah. fully is just going to be, like, yeah. radicalized by her own mental exactly. illness. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, you know, she's in a she's in a place. She's in a place right now. And Raza is... You know, for a while, more than her husband, the only one really calling yeah. that out and attending to that. Well, what I like about this sequence, at least, is like she was unrecognizable in that Wonder Man moment. This yeah. is definitely her. It this is feels her. like it's written by someone who hates her. Yes, exactly. It, it is her. It's just like I just like want to pull the writer aside. Chill the fuck like, out. Why do you hate radical yeah. women? There's, of just, there's like color. A, there's a tone to like. Every like word they make come out of her mouth and like every glance they make her mate where like they make her look like insidiously evil. Well, it's that like this person has no respect for her. Do you know what this is? Honestly, like it's Hepzibah as Asada Shakur. Oh, yeah. But no, Hepzibah is black. But that's what this is. Yeah, exactly. Bob hates. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. You can take that out. (laughs) I'm going to bleep it. Your face. You can't just accuse people of my podcast who I don't know who well, can sue me. I'm glad that you can edit it out then. <laughs> um, oh. Your blade, Raza, we need not. Intrigued is Hepzibah. Why you think we betrayed Terrans over their allies, we? Come, Hepzibah, even loyalty has a price. Didn't you learn that when Lelandra betrayed you by making Deathbird your greatest enemy, her regent over my people? Oh, that's right, because Deathbird is the regent of the Kree now, because that was the peace yep. offering that Lelandra made so that they can be chill. Yep, exactly. Hepzibah immediately says, No friend, Lelandra, am I. Say it. So Hepzibah decides she's going to take this job because she hates Lelandra. You know. There's arguments to be made. She also wants the two million credits that this guy is going to pay her. Yeah, they're poor right now. I yeah, think. they yeah. seem really cash poor. I know at the exactly. Moment. I'm like, y'all are making some 
some unique choices to get income. Raza's right now. like, we're not assassins. We're like revolutionary freedom fighter pirates. And, <laughs> and Hepzibah's like, you have not mm, seen our bank account lately. I, <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I would like 2 million credits. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> She's like, hey, Raza, can I see you over here for a minute? We need gas money. <laughs> like, we can't leave here without money. <laughs> the Cree guy, though, has Raza's number, which is he holds up this little medallion and he's like, this belonged to your son, didn't it? He was five years old when he was taken from you. He's a nasty little fucker. I He's hated been in that the moment. Slave pens ever since. Look, you know what? Am I Raza's big? You know, I like Raza. I do like. I do Raza. like Raza. I don't agree with Raza politically, but I like Raza. He's yeah, a good friend. Yeah, and it's fucked up. My girl's homeboy is my homeboy. Don't fucking talk to him like that. We can't. This is madness. We cannot. We. Why not? Nothing is this terror to us. Hepzibah Corsair will ne'er agree to this. Fear not. To me, Corsair is left. Loves me, he does. Also, Cree man, a deal since, we have. And since I like when she is she like manipulative man. with her with his I know. love? This is why I'm saying it reads yeah. like someone who hates her, exactly. but it does feel like her. But it, right. she's out of character, but yeah. like in character. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's not like, as bad as the other one. I but feel now like, I'm like, huh? Like the motivations are on track for her, but the tone and the methods. And she's drawn as like demonic. Yes, in exactly. Like, I'm like, get off her fucking back, God. <laughs> So they end up going down to Earth, the Star Jammers, and hanging out with uh, with the Avengers. Also, before I forget, there's something that also that I want to say about like Raza and Hepzibah because I feel like this is like again like really key to their whole dynamic. Politically, they are not aligned and have like very very different like ways of isolating their experience under the rule of the Shi'ar. It is the Shi'ar. Shi'ar, whatever. Sorry. I just... <laughs> We're like four hours in. Like, I know. Like, I God. could not get me to care. <laughs> but I think like I do love that like even though Raza has this like if you're conquered, you're Shi'ar. Losers lose. Hate to break it to you. Like <laughs> he has never once said or implied or like kind of cast that reasoning onto Hepzibah. Right. Like he has never like extended like his viewpoint into like how he aligns under the Shi'ar to her. He gets why she's so yes, crazy. Exactly. And he respects that she's so crazy. He never like tries to stop her from like hating the Shi'ar. No, he tries to stop her when her actions are out of control. Yeah, he tries to stop her from Mass murder. Yeah. <laughs> unsuccessfully most of the time. Most of the time unsuccessfully, but he does give a noble effort toward like mostly because A he validates wrong, her, but to B an because he loves her and he doesn't want her to do that. Exactly. To yeah. And I think like even though, you know, I don't I'm not in the same page with like where Razo lines pol- politically, I do like I mean, he's a space gladiator. I don't think we're supposed to be, like, on the same page as him politically. He's weird. Well, don't box me in. Don't tell me what I can. <laughs> um, but, no, it's, like, you can tell very much, like, he's not trying to make Hepzibah come around to his viewpoint or, like, how he sees the world. Like, you can tell from an earnest place of, like, you're out of control right now. Yeah. His, like, feedback is very targeted to, like, Fucking reel it in, girl. Tighten your shit up. Absolutely. And that's a homeboy. And I love him for that. So they go to this, like, banquet with the Avengers, and uh, Charles and Cyclops are there. 
which is nice because and Scott's like, I wasn't expecting to see you, Dad, and like yada yada. And yeah. So there's a nice little reunion there, and actually, it's really there's a really funny bit because <laughs> a lot has happened since the last time they saw each other. Uh-huh. And Scott says, Dad, can we have a minute alone? We have to talk. And Courtney says, About Maddie and Nathan. Because yeah. in the interim, I clocked that too. Maddie has become the Goblin Queen. Nathan uh-huh. is infected with the techno-organic virus and sent to the future. Like, a lot's happened. And he does this while he's just, like, sipping a drink. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know. Oh, my God. About all so that. So they go Isn't that chat there? about that, which distracts Corsair. Meanwhile, Hepzibah is running interference for Raza, who's gone off to assassinate the Black Knight to rescue his son from captivity. And Chaad has this moment. Speaking of absent guests, Hepzibah, do you have any idea where Raza is? <laughs> no. And she's his sipping business a drink. Is own. <laughs> and she goes, no. His business is his own. Say that, queen. <laughs> but also, like, you know Raza knows. <laughs> or you know Cha knows that Cha knows is something up. is up. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is looking at her like, girl, what the fuck what are did you, you do? doing? What did you do? What are you doing? And it's like. Of course, because they're being really fucking weird right now. <laughs> There's a great moment where Corsair, when, after Raza tries to kill Black Knight, everyone's like, Corsair, what the fuck? And Corsair's like, I don't know. This has nothing to do with me. Uh-huh. And um, Charles goes, the Star Damage have always been the most stalwart of the X-Men's allies, Avengers. Such behavior is mystifying, to say the least. Hepzibah, can you shed any light on tonight's events? And Hepzibah just goes... Why ask me? Oh, I I take this as like cornered teen daughter. Why ask me? Nothing. I know nothing. (laughs) She's like petulant. She's like, why is everyone breathing down my back about this? I don't know what's going on. Dane's been stabbed like fatally, essentially. And the only way to save him is for Sikorsky, the Star Jammers like robot doctor to help him out. So they go off to take him to the Star Jammers infirmary. Everyone's like, why the fuck did Raza just try to kill the Black Knight in the middle of our dinner? I love, like, Hepzibah, like, spiritually in the background being like, oh, my God, why does anyone do anything? (laughs) (laughs) And Hercules is like, why should we trust these space pirates? And the sad thing is that Hercules and Raza would fuck boots if they they met under better circumstances. So it's sad that that didn't work out for them, but Uh maybe another time. Yeah, exactly. Like, Hercules watching them fight, like, oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this hot, hot man <laughs> killing my friend? Hamsaba volunteers to stay behind as a hostage. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because she's like, then it's fine, right? Oh, my God. Also acting the most suspicious anyone has ever acted. Oh, oh okay. If you think everyone, including me, is up to something. It's giving Parvati on the traitors oh, a little yeah. bit. Where uh-huh. it's just like, babe, you've been caught. you got to just like. I know, girl. you got to get less <laughs> nervous because you're giving it away even she more right now. like. She cannot scheme for the life of her. It is so funny to watch. No, yeah, and like like Parvati's at least good at scheming. It's just like you yeah. got got. You're got. Uh-huh. Like, you yeah, gotta exactly. you gotta just like let it go. And now. she's still holding on. She was like, fine, I guess if no one trusts me. Also, to this point, no one said anything about you. No, they just keep <laughs> looking at her and she's like, What? Why what? are you accusing me of something? Because you look suspicious as fuck now, girl. <laughs> Then Binary walks in, Carol, in her full binary stunt queen outfit. This is again like the best Carol ever looked. Oh in my opinion. yeah, this is the best I've ever seen. This the fire wear. hair, the illusion, the nude illusion of the outfit. Yeah, it's a red and white bodysuit, uh-huh. but then her face goes red when she uses the power, so it's it looks so like good. cutouts. 
It's so good. I also like keep thinking she's nude, and I was like, "You better strip down, yeah, Carol. strip down, bitch." But like, no, but she did that on you purpose. You better bust it open, she Carol. Knows, she knows how that costume looks. Oh, absolutely. She's uh-huh. in her sexy era. She she's knows how cunty she no looks. No memories and all the powers of a white hole. No memories, all pussy. The powers of binary, the power of a white hole. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to tell you that because I don't think you would Get know that. Get the fuck out of my face. That is, that is what Chris Claremont wrote. Not this. The power of binary is the power of like a twinned white hole. And you know she's feeling that white hole. Yeah, well, I mean, I know you know a lot about white holes. So I thought that... <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> How dare you? Moving so, on. How dare it's your you? It's about truth. Ah. <laughs> uh. And similar to Hepzibah right now, I hate it. You're like, what? Why look at me? Why look at Hepzibah? <laughs> I, I know. Also me acting so suspicious yeah, right like, now. I'm like, because you've been got, um, Excuse uh, me? So, anyway, the subtext here that's important is, as we mentioned earlier, Binary and Raza kind of had like a vague romantic connection when she was a star jammer. Oh, I didn't pick up on well, that. Well, the others yeah, all kept it. teasing them about it. Oh, yeah. And, okay, like, yeah. he was like, no, I respect her as a brave warrior. And she was like, no, I'm a lesbian. But, like, they... <laughs> yeah, and I'm gay. <laughs> and I'm gay. Yeah. But, like, they... <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, the, the others all saw that. And whatever the case, yeah. they have, like, a tight connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she announces to everyone, this is, like, her fix for the whole problem. Because she was a slave to the Cree or whatever, right? So she's like, that medallion that he showed you, Raza, it's a Cree memory-altering device. You never had a son. Oh. The whole thing is just a setup to compromise you. But, like, then she's, like, to the Avengers, like, can you blame him for, like, doing anything to save his child? Yeah, exactly. And they're all like, no, that makes sense. And it turns out that the Black Knight will live, so it's fine. But then we get Hepzibah wandering into the infirmary under cover of darkness. Because she fucking wants her money. Hey, we are still poor. (laughs) (laughs) She's talking to Black Widow, who, like, stops her in the hallway (laughs) <laughs> girl does. this bitch is so funny it's like she's looking right at scarjo right in the face uh-huh. and scarjo's like just like leaned <laughs> very glad hepzibah is leave then we will when the star jammers return us gone the knight will happy ending for all really hepzibah i have my doubts because again as we said in the necro episode she's a cool russian lady in the comics and not scarjo uh-huh. but you know Anyway, Crystal's like, Natasha, what's going on? She's like, yeah, uh, I think Hepzibah's fucking evil. rain, Crystal, <laughs> but keep an eye on that bitch. Yeah. And also, obviously, she keeps, like, mischievously staring around corners. Girl. She also has pure white eyes in this yeah, story, which uh-huh. contributes to her demonic yeah, vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Also, um, you know, a writer who hates women might paint <laughs> a woman is soulless and without content behind those eyes. Just saying, Bob. So she walks in and looms over the Black Knight, who is unconscious as he's This is crazy. This monologue is kind of it, fierce. It's though. no, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, and this is like sympathetic-ish, uh-huh. right? Yeah, but like, I, I okay. have to read this one. I love it Go so for much. Uh huh. Asleep they all. Danger, they think, is past. Raza, Raza, you poor fool. In the end, hatred failed, but not Hepzibah. 
your pardon, knight, but die must you. Destroyed was my life in the slave pits. Horrors and outrages too many to remember. I was a child. I, that child died not long ago. No more in prison. I imagine she's screaming in her head. <laughs> no more in prison, my people by Lalandra. So gentle and good. Shy are not so good. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the model. My people so gentle and good. Shiar, she are not so pure themselves. She are not so good. <laughs> I think no one is. She's going on a rant, bitch. She's, and this is all just like thought bubbles. Thought so she's bubbles, She's like having yeah. a crazy and she's rant staring, at She's like nails she clenched. Her claws are clenched as a fist. She's like sharpening, like ejecting her nail claws from her hands. Time haps of a suffering paid Back it is. 200 million credits make me very happy. And for your crime, this poison kills you quick. Apparently her nails are poisoned. Yeah, she poisoned them, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> Click. No pain. Pepsi bar, what are you doing in here? It's <laughs> the Black Widow. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Girl, what the fuck? It's like, bitch, is the Black Widow. She was just giving you shit in the hallway a moment <laughs> ago. I, I, I read this as like, Hepzibah saying, who's in here? Who? What? <laughs> Me? I'm not here. What are you talking about? Hepzibah, what are you doing in here? Who? Hepzibah, make sure Black Knight is healthy. Girl, <laughs> now, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're trying to kill this. And she's also just, like, blank face, like, thinks she's eating it up. <laughs> and my favorite bit, actually, at the end is, like, she and Raz are finally in the room together, and... After Carol explained that, like, the device had mind-controlled Raza and implanted the false sun in him and all of this stuff, Hepzibah says, Controlled you, the Kree did. Hepzibah used as well, then. <laughs> no, Hepzibah, there is no salve for thy conscience or mine. Twas all deception. There is no Kree memory-inducer, woman. Carol Danvers lied for me so that I would be free to find my son. But ne'er shall I be free from the knowledge of the crime I didst commit, nor from the fact that I have seen your true soul twisted by greed, warped by hate, and I know not what to do about it. Shara, help me. And Hepzibah just grins right at the viewer. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? This is like, I take this as like a, like, what if book. Yeah, well, it's just like, okay. It's so, it's like, so, like, little skulky creature. (laughs) It's very... Corsair's nefarious girlfriend of color has yeah oh absolutely and it's like the monologue's great and she's hilarious we never go back to this woman again it's never revisited so just let it go but it is a funny that's why I take it as like a what if book yeah I mean it might as well be (laughs) what if like Hepzibah was a skunky little villain (laughs) I feel this way about many times that X-Men characters appear in Avengers comics oh absolutely that is a what if too Uh exactly The next time they appear, the Star Jammers collectively, is in Excalibur 68. This is right after Alan Davis has been taken off the book or left the book. It's not entirely clear what happened there, but this is what's generally recognized as the issue where Excalibur gets bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great book with a couple weird arcs with fill-ins and stuff mostly written by Scott Lobdell, or some of them anyway. So it's Chris and Alan Davis at first, Claremont and Alan Davis. Then Alan Davis writes it by himself for a while. And then at issue 67, Alan Davis is taken off the book or leaves the book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Issue 68, which is the beginning of Scott Lobdell's run on Excalibur, is part of a deck clearing that was, from what I have been able to 
discern ordered by Bob Harris, which is that Excalibur was going to be retooled to be more of a tightly knit X-Men title. It was just going to be X-Men UK instead of being its own weird thing. So this first arc is about writing out all of Alan Davis's characters, writing out all of the Captain Britain content, Ah, and just reframing the whole book. So one of the characters Alan Davis had introduced was this alien called Cerise, who was Nightcrawler's love interest. I fucking love Cerise. Cerise rules. I'm obsessed with- Cerise is great. Oh, spaghetti finger, bitch. I stand. (laughs) I don't even know what you mean. Oh my, her long ass fingers. She does, I guess, have long fingers. G- girl, long as fuck. What are you talking about? I, gu- I just wasn't, I guess, yeah. Look at her. So. No, look at this. I'm not going to stand for a shadow of doubt. Bitch, <laughs> those are spaghetti fingers. Oh, okay, sure. Yes, okay. Yes, sure. yes, yes. Those you you got to talk into your fucking mic, bitch. You got- uh, that was an aside for you. <laughs> Fucking blind bitch. I had no, to get okay, up and show him. I didn't know you him. meant in the armor, but also like Cerise is, uh, Cerise has powers like Green Lantern, but they're red. So she makes energy things. Wait, so is that, are those energy fingers? Yeah, I think so. I don't fucking know. She's weird as fuck. I She's love weird, her. She's weird, but also like, so she has kind of feathery hair, but the way Alan Davis wrote her, she was just a mysterious alien. She wasn't explicitly Shi'ar. Yeah. Wait, is Cerise the bitch that comes back? For Vulcan, it marries Vulcan. No, Deathbird marries Vulcan. Baby. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. But Cerise is in. But she has a new hairdo. Yeah. Well, it's the old hairdo. It's the hairdo from oh, when okay. she was a Carol Danvers villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So no, the design for Deathbird in that arc is the design from the 70s before Jim Lee. Got it. And all that. Got it. Okay. I didn't, I have never seen old Deathbird. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well when she we looks do a the, lot like Cerise. When, we'll, when we do the episode. Well, that's why they retcon Cerise into a Shi'ar because she looks like a Shi'ar. Yeah. Right? Okay. Got it. Yeah. It's also how they write her out. So it turns out that Cerise is, has been lying to them and she's a fugitive from the Shi'ar Empire and apparently a notorious war criminal responsible for like a planetary genocide. Yep. <laughs> and so Lalandra sends the Star Jammers to apprehend her. Mm-hmm. There's just a cute splash page. What the fuck is this pose they have Hepzibah doing? And Hepzibah is on all fours like a cat uh, with all her fours ass in like the air. perched ass, like face down ass up. Titties pointed. Back arched. I'm and like, bitch, why are you crawling? What's it's going like, on? Do you remember when we watched White Lotus and uh, Leo Woodall was fucking his yeah, uncle? Uh-huh. And you were like, arch your back, bitch. I know, girl. She's the exact opposite. She's art supremely. That's why you can't hire straight men to play gay. I know, exactly. Now he's playing girl. Truman Capote and you know, what like he's doing a great job no but, he's eating that shit up. but i'm kind of like someone should have told her to arch I Mike know, White, right? tell exactly. the to arch. Uh-huh. take a dick before you get in that casting room anyway hebisaba goes long time see not to excalibur <laughs> which i think is hair cute. blowing in the wind yeah her so hair looks cute. incredible she fights nightcrawler which is fun because they're both kind of like gymnastic yeah characters uh-huh. and they have like a fun wrestling match of sorts also i love this fight because hep calls nightcrawler's jokes corny yes <laughs> she's like not even funny by not the way funny, but okay they all assume that the star dreamers are there to kidnap rachel because like a the oh yeah hate- oh i know well, like, exactly a, the Shire hate the phoenix uh-huh. b Last time the Starjammers encountered Excalibur, it was the Falcon quest where Rachel was the subject of the whole thing. So, you know, Vas, you're not after Rachel, but we thought 
thought you were wrong, Hepzibah says, while she's, like, pushing him, she has her hand on his face in a way that's funny, and she's uh-huh. kind of, like, really strong in this story. I know, right? Yeah, she's exactly. kind of, like, lifting Nightcrawler with her hands. Right. <laughs> which I don't hate for her, but it's uh-huh. new. I also love that this is, like, their tails are intertwined. Like, this would be a very horny fight if they didn't have kind of, like, a brother-sister dynamic. Yeah, there's nothing sexy yeah. between them. No, all. absolutely. No. Which feels like uncharacteristic of Nightcrawler, but I do love this beat for them. Part of it is that Cerise is like his girlfriend at this moment. And so he's like really... Uh He's like, I don't cheat anymore. Right. And also like my girlfriend's being accused of war crimes. What? What? It's kind of like the whole vibe. I'm not going to cheat when my girlfriend's being accused of war crimes. So Cerise tries to explain that her commanding officer tried to do a genocide. So she did a mutiny and killed everybody aboard her ship to prevent the genocide. Queen. Absolute queen. I love Cerise. Yeah. But she's like, and then I ran away and I crash landed on Earth and I told Excalibur I was an alien from another place and I just lied. Sorry, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to be party to genocide. I refused. Nor should you. I did kill my commanding officer and the rest of my unit because they were all on his side. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, we're going to save these innocent people, I guess. I'm not going to let millions and millions and millions of people die because my commanding officer said so. She refused to just follow orders. Excuse her for slaying. Excuse her for slaying. I'm Uh I'm a big Cerise head myself. (laughs) Yeah. As we've seen, slaying's apparently a crime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this episode is psychotic. The Starjammers are annoyed because they feel deceived about all of this. And uh-huh. Corsair tries to talk to Lalandra about it. And Lalandra manifests to talk to them in, I must say, quite a sleigh outfit. Oh, it's a supremely sleigh. And I don't like to give Lalandra a sleigh, but it's she has her moment. It's phoenix Yeah, right? For a Shi'ar moment. Mm-hmm. It's like a yellow bathing suit with like wings and stuff. Oh my know. god, it looks baby. Cool. Also, she's been working the fuck she's out. She's buff. It's the nineties now. She's built. Well, she and Charles have broken up and she's like Oh, revenge body. Yeah. Honestly, this is like low-key Lalandra the Stallion. <laughs> yeah, and Corsair says, You're being unreasonable, Madam Empress. Professor Xavier has vouched for this young woman's integrity. <laughs> Do not try to push that button with me, Corsair. Uh-huh. Exactly. Nine thousand feet tall. She's huge. Uh She's a projection, but... She's like, it wouldn't matter if Charles is personally appealing, and I'm not going to retry this woman. She's like one of our most infamous war criminal traitors. Uh Hepzibah pops her claws and Uh says, You use stargemmas like like pet dogs, dogs. then give us royal... Please, Hepzibah, let me handle this. And so I'm like, okay. Let her speak. But I'm like, Queen's back. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. This is the girl Ex- I know. This is Hepzibah. She's back. Yes. Immediately after we have say the same girl. Say what you will girl. about Scott Lobdell. Yes. He has read Chris Claremont X-Men Exactly. Like, he knows right? these yes. characters, uh-huh. you know? And it's like, I do love that for the most part, depictions of her are pretty faithful. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it, that's why those those two moments they early stand out feel because bizarre. she has a really consistent characterization. Because otherwise, she's very consistent. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, like, even in Bob Harris's "This Woman Is a Demonic Black Radical" story, uh-huh. she does feel more like herself. It really yeah. is just that one page of Wonder Man where I'm like, truly, who is this who the woman? truly who the fuck truly is who is she? <laughs> she's never said these words. Yeah. The Starjammers are like, okay, fine, Lalandra. Corsair basically is like, okay, Lalandra, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and Hepzibah's like, wow, uh, bitch, I'm so mad at you. Is, You're sorry, not getting this skunk pussy for like a month. Oh, no. She's like, apparently I married a pussy. I know she says that constantly. Yes, all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm, turns out a pussy Hepzibah Barry did. <laughs> like, <laughs> thought married a man Hepzibah did. Turns out space pussy of Earth. 
Apologies, Caris. Hepzibah thought she only pussy on this <laughs> ship. Hepzibah thought she pussy in this relationship, Corsair. Hepzibah finds wrong. So, it turns out, of course, because Corsair, I, I mean, as we said, we love their love. Yeah. We love their love. The thing is, she's so angry all the time and yeah. so enraged all the time that yeah. he does have to kind of lie to her no, sometimes. exactly. But in this moment, he doesn't even lie to her. He's just like, yes, Lelandra, we'll do what you say. And then immediately is like conspiring with Nightcrawler and Excalibur yes, to help. Yes, exactly. He's like, babe, babe, please, please have some patience. And this is a great Hepzibah and Raza moment because uh-huh. when the Shi'ar finally come to take Cerise back or whatever and, the star- and Corsair pulls his sword out... Hepzibah says, At last to fight. Corsair was getting soft, thought I. And Raza says, You mistake kindness for weakness, mm-hmm. as always. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really good yeah. exchange for them. It's a good read. And it's true, right? The rest of the story doesn't really matter. It turns out that Cerise, Cerise manages to defend herself to a point where even Lalandra is like, okay, yeah, unfortunately we cannot yeah. <laughs> tell this to the citizenry. Right. Like, there's no, uh-huh. you still have to take the fall. Yeah. But she's like, the PR here is really bad, girl. She, this is a serve from Lalandra because she comes up with a way to fix it. Yeah. She is like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You are sentenced to life. And everyone's like, what? She goes, as my personal bodyguard. Slay. And you're going to be like my attache uh-huh. and all of that. Unfortunately, that means you have to leave Excalibur and you're no longer in this book because that's the point of this story. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I will say like for the rest of time, I mean, Cerise has never had like a real story again, but she is part of like Lalandra's retinue when those characters show yeah. up. She's always popping up. She was Xandra's like governess. Yep. Which that's was right. Cute. That's right. So like, you know, she's around. I would love to yeah. see her get more. To- she got a mention that Steve Orlando told me was literally for me. He was like, I oh, did that for you. Oh, baby. When he did the Kin Crimson with their like red energy powers in his Marauders, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, they're like Cerise. And so Cer- Cerise and he was like, mentioned. yeah, but they're like evil. I don't want to do that to Cerise. I'm like, well, thank you. But yeah, he put please. a note in a data page that like, Project Cerise was like a test run oh, or something. And oh. I was like, nice, because Cerise was like, he, the thing about her is she's a Shi'ar mutant. She's not an X-Gene mutant, yeah. but she was like mutated in a lab to have powers. Right. And so like, Got it's, it. she's, okay. she's like Warlock. She's one of those where she's an alien who's a mutant, but in the context of her species. Yeah, not an, right. Not uh-huh. an X-Gene. Not a, not a, not homo superior. But it still made sense to have her on an X-Men team yeah. because she's a misfit in her species because of evolution yeah, or whatever. Right, right, exactly. That makes sense. And the Shi'ar are eugenicists, so it makes total sense that yeah. a, a mutant would be an experiment that right. they would create. <laughs> yeah, You know, because exactly. they love shit like that. God damn it. Adam X is another one. They they just, they do that. Damn birds. I mean, particularly like Deken loved Ye- girl. a bad experiment. Girl, what horrific did Deken not love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bad fucking bird. He's the worst bird, quite honestly. <laughs> Famously the worst bird. Famously the worst bird of them all. And when he pops back up, it's very funny. Baby, the way I screamed. <laughs> no, girl. Um, For context, I just got to this story today. Jordan, <laughs> just, Jordan the, just read Rise and Fall of the Sheer Empire today. Today. Baby, the way I gasped and almost <laughs> dropped my phone. <laughs> Like he appeared in my house. It was so. It was, it was so snakes serious. Manifesting for me. in your home, but Girl, it was Deken. My roommate, like what? Return of Deken. Deken's back, <laughs> screaming across the house. Like K. A 
around the same time that this Cerise plot is happening, there is a brief cameo by Raza and Hepzibah in Infinity Crusade, which mm. is a book. I love this. I love this By page. Jim Starlin. You texted me, what the fuck is happening in Infinity Crusade? <laughs> Infinity Crusade is, so Infinity War and Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity Crusade, and I'm probably saying them in the wrong order. Crusade's the third one are a trilogy of cosmic stories by Jim Starlin about Thanos and Adam Warlock and all of that shit. They were heavily adapted in the MCU into Avengers Infinity War and all of that stuff with the Infinity Stones. The third one, Infinity Crusade, is about Adam Warlock having excised all of... Basically, he had an evil self called the Magus, and in this story he creates a good self called the Goddess... So that Adam Warlock can be like dispassionate and neutral and logical. I am so glad you explained this to me because I literally saw they were only on one page and yeah. just did not. Unfortunately, the goddess, the because she's good, it's Jasmine from Angel. There are lots of stories like this where it's like, I'm the good deity, so I'm going to create peace by force yeah yeah right exactly and eventually as often happens in these stories she's like hmm, the only way to create peace in the universe is to kill all life mm-hmm. yeah. so it goes there yeah i loved infinity crusade as a little gay child i had a t-shirt that i screen printed of one of the issues because storm looked awesome on it and it was like her and moon dragon and a couple other people but Ooh. storm is shouting crush the infidels because she has been uh, corrupted by the goddess. Because the goddess basically can mind control you if you're religious. Oh, got it. But so there are lots of pictures of me as like a cute child wearing a shirt where Storm screams, crush the infidels. And I want to yes. retroactively apologize because I didn't know what that word meant. I was like nine. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like infidels a fun word. Well, to put in Storm's mouth, it's a yeah, lot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like Thief Queen of Cairo. It's uh, a lot. Yeah. Do. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Also, this is a divergent point from, like, it's just something. <laughs> I had, a, like, this overarching thought through all of Excalibur was, like, why the fuck is Megan still under this waterfall? What the fuck is she doing Because here? that was part of it was they wrote out Brian and Megan because they were, like, Captain Britain characters oh, yeah. and editorial didn't want them in the book anymore. Got it. Okay. I was just, like... This bitch is still under this waterfall. It's been like three days. Issue 67, Rachel takes them all to the Days of Future Past, and they save the Days of Future Past. Like, that timeline gets resolved, and it's going to be fine now. Mm -hmm. And that's Alan Davis' last story. And then Mm. between issues, in the beginning of 68, we find out that on their way back in the time stream, Brian randomly got lost, and now Megan is catatonic with distress. Mm. And that persists for a while until he comes back as Britannic and Megan, like, levels up into a more angry mutant character for a minute. Got it. Okay. But basically, they were like, get rid of all that. They were like, get rid of all that Captain Britain shit. Catatonic makes sense because I was like, this bitch has been a waterfall for, like, It's really annoying because the best thing about Excalibur, I mean, I don't know. I'm a Captain Britain fan, so, like, I am biased, I guess. But the best thing about Excalibur under Claremont and Davis was the way that it seamlessly brought these X-Men characters into the world of Captain Britain, not the other way around. Yeah. And so when you're like, it has to be an X-Men book, I get why you're like, well, Captain Britain's not a mutant. Megan's kind of like a fairy. It's like confusing. She is a mutant, but she's also like part fairy. It's confusing. Like I get the thought process, but it made Excalibur a much more boring book. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, 
I mean, as evidenced by her sitting in a fucking pond. Yeah, for like this is three not issues. great. And it gets better when after Lovedell, it's Warren Ellis for a while, and he he introduces Pete Wisdom, and it becomes about Moira, and they all move to Muir Island, and Moira has legacy, and that's when that whole storyline happens, yeah. and that stuff is good, yeah. but like, it's rough for a while. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, in Infinity Crusade, there's just a moment where, like, the goddess is releasing her peace wave across the universe, uh-huh. and we get this great scene. Oh, my God. Also, the cover <laughs> of Infinity Crusade 3, <laughs> I saw and, like, literally wrote a note that I just remember what the cover looked like. I was like, what the fuck is this lizard with micro braids? I'm going to look. You have to look it I up. I have to go look. I was like, what am I, what am I about to dive into? This that is, is not the cover that I had on my T-shirt. Infinity Crusade 3. Oh, that's Mephisto, baby. (laughs) Mephisto? Jordan laughed so hard that they sneezed. That is Mephisto. Why the fuck did Mephisto get vacation braids? What is going on? Braids. It's like like strandies. Bitch, they're micro braids. They're tentacles. Girl, it's not great. She's in Puerto Vallarta. She has. It's giving a little bit Antigua vacation. It, it is Antigua vacation. I'm that bitch. That bitch is going to the sea. The Kendra <laughs> episode that you haven't heard yet. We talk about how Belladonna Gambit's wife has like Antigua white girl micro braids. Yeah, and it's important uh-huh. to stress that that's not okay. Mama, she's on vacation. <laughs> I was like, what? It's okay on vacation, but like, take them out. You got home. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not okay. Boderic. Take him out. Right. Yeah. Also, like, white girls should not wear vacation braids. Well, not anymore. In the 90s, yeah. it was, like, not... Uh-huh. It was seen as, like, normal. I'm not saying it was ever good. I'm yeah, just saying it was... It was never good. I was thinking Mestifo... <laughs> Mephisto was, like, black girl with vacation braids. <laughs> no. This is Mephisto's, like, true form as, like, a giant lizard with yeah. stringy tentacles. Black king. Love that for Say you. Say that. <laughs> So the goddess's peace wave is blanketing the universe and everyone with violent impulses is laying down their weapons and embracing their fellow man. And we cut to the Shi'ar throne world. My favorite panel. And Hepzibah, it says the star jammers, Hepzibah and Raza. Communications has lost all contact with the 4th Battalion. Bad news. What do you suppose happened? And then they just look at each other and they start to smile and they pull out their guns and they look at their guns like, what the fuck is this? And then they drop their guns on the ground and they walk away happily. And we let just me see tell you, Hepzibah's big skunky tail. She looks perfect in this. Page. She looks so good. She looks so blue. The ears are black and the tail is patterned. Uh, um, okay, so let me paint a scene. <laughs> I open this book on my phone, of course. I open this book. I see Mephisto vacation braids. <laughs> I see a bunch of shit happening. Go, I don't know who the fuck any of these people no, are. No, I imagine with this read through, you've been skipping to pages featuring Hepzibah, yes. which oh, literally. I support because that's the only way that you're going to get through this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I like skip to pages featuring Hepzibah. And then I'm if I'm like, okay, it looks like there's some background context. I'll You'll go here. back and be like, what's I'll the go plot? Back and, but this exactly. one, you really didn't need to. I, I figured that out yeah, real quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go through, like, okay, I don't know any who the fuck any of these people are. Don't know what's going on. Whatever. See this page, and I'm like, oh, Hepzibah, and then read it, and I'm like, what the 
fuck just happened? No, you were texting me and I had to be like, I was like, there's a peace wave that's uh, forcing them to be peaceful. And you were like, oh. Out of context, it is just, it's my favorite page now. It's bizarre. It's very Garfield minus Garfield. Yes. Like, if you oh, absolutely. Why is this about looking at her gun and then putting it on the ground and then walking away with Raza to like have lunch? Yes. What is this about? It felt so random. And I was just. It's like a dada is. I was cackling laughing. Improv session. For like, like five full yeah, minutes. It's bizarre. And now it's like one of my favorite pages that I've ever read. <laughs> There's a great bit then in Infinity Crusade 6 where the goddess is immolating all life in the universe because she's decided you can't make people be good. So I'm just going to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. This is like now. I will just, like, send these panels when I'm, like, I don't want to work anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very, hey, uh-huh. hey. Like, there's, it's, it's like, an out of context. It's, like, oh, yeah. Should we go and do that? Then you just look at each other. No. She calls it the rapture. Yeah. And this is how I learned about the rapture as a child. <laughs> I love that. Because I was, like, what's this about? And I was, I was very into Infinity Crusade. It was really good. And it was coming out. This is, like, 1993. I was literally five. And, like, I was asking for comics when we, like, went to the store. So I, I think I was reading this and was, like, because I was reading at, like, three. I was one of those, like, annoying kids. I know. Like, Every time you tell me that, I'm like, what the fuck? I was one of those annoying kids who's reading really early and, like, yeah. couldn't start. And specifically reading comics. Turns out I have ADHD. But, like, all I wanted to yeah. do was read comic books. Uh-huh. <laughs> In hindsight. In hindsight, it's like, oh, yeah. We've connected right. some dots now. Yeah. But so, basically, the wave of, like, it's very Phoenix-esque of just, like, immolating people. Yeah. It actually feels very much like when Gene ate the broccoli people, these pages. Uh-huh. Um, Do we have to read this whole book? Just these three panels, bitch. Hepzibah's part is over. Move on. No, it's not. She's in this panel. Is she really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you see her face. The rapture spreads. The proud Shi'ar gaze up into the night sky and are delivered. And we see Hepzibah, Raza, and all the Shi'ar turn into fiery skeletons. Yeah. It's the only time we've ever seen her die. I feel like that's important to yeah. her narrative. I blocked it out of my brain. It gets rewound, so yeah. it doesn't matter. But I blocked it out of my brain. You I was do see like, her no. skeleton, and it looks like a regular skeleton. It's not really skunky. Mm-hmm. So I don't like to see physical trauma happen to black women, so I didn't pay attention to it. Apparently, you're different, though. Okay, we're going to move that on. That was crazy. That was crazy of you. You're crazy for that, but it's fine. We're moving on. Um, X-Men, X-Men. To be continued in part two, if you'd like the extended skunkery mix of all nine and a half hours of this episode, it's available exclusively at patreon.com slash cerebrocast. Not because I'm greedy, but because my regular host literally won't let me upload a file that big. X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. 